and to those of to those of you on in the chamber and also those of you listening on the web um, I'll start by running through how I intend to run the, today's committee um, before we begin there's no expected fire drills um, so if an alarm goes off if you'd like to make your way out of the main door and down the stairs to the car park outside um, the toilets are out of the main door and to the right and also, if you could make sure you turn your mobile phones off or at least put them onto silent, please. And I'll just do that, just to check mine as well, as I said that. Um, for those of you unfamiliar with planning, council officers have, <coughs> excuse me, have prepared reports on each of the planning applications before us today and have recommended whether each particular application should either be approved or refused. It is, however, for the planning committee members to assess whether this the application to assess the application and to make the final decision today we have a great many and we have 14 applications to us to review um, therefore for each application I'll ask the relevant officer to give a short presentation on the proposal outlining the reasons for their recommendations I will then invite those of you who have already registered to speak on the particular application to present your views and you have a maximum of four minutes. The applicant will then be given the opportunity to speak on their proposal and address any issues that may have come up from the other speakers or the officer's report. Once we've gone through this, I will then open up the discussion to the planning committee members to make their points on the matter, to ask relevant questions of the officers before asking them to make the decision on the application with the proposal to vote on whether the application should be approved, refused or deferred. I hope that's clear. Before we go on to the first application, um, do we have any declarations of interest or... Um, apologies. Thank you very much. The word completely went out of my head. Apologies for absence. Councillor Reeve. Thank you. Uh, as Ward Councillor in Hatfield uh, Broad Oak, I have a non-pecuniary interest in the, those two applications. Town Council, Saffron Walden. Yeah, member of the Town Council, Saffron Walden. Anybody else? Parish Council, Hedham. And I'd like to recluse myself from item number six, as I actually know the people extremely well. Thank you. Thank you very much, Councillor Count. Councillor Lachlan. <laughs> Sorry, I forgot these. Uh, <laughs> I will be recusing myself from the, the application for 21 Blythewood Gardens, um, but I will be speaking as me, not as a councillor. Thank you very much, Councillor Lachlan. Um, we, I know we have apologies from Councillor Bagnall, and I think that it's the only one today. Thank you very much. Moving on. Um, we need to approve, agree the minutes of the previous meeting. Um, take it you've all had a look. And are we all agreed with the previous of the own meet meetings? Yes? Proposed? Seconded? Councillor Fairhurst and all agreed show of hands please thank you
So, moving on. Item, agenda item three is UTT 19-1054, Outline Planning Commission, Land North of Henham Road, Debden. And that's Chris. Thank you very much. Thanks, Chair. Uh, this application was deferred from the last planning committee for a site visit. The application site relates to a plot of land to the north of Henham Road in Debden Green. To the west and south of the site are a number of dwellings. To the north of the site is open agricultural land. Uh, 165 metres to the east of the site is another cluster of dwellings within Debden Green. And 300, uh, 390 metres to the east of the site is a bus stop along Bulford Street. This application seeks outline planning permission with all matters reserved except access for the erection of two self-build detached dwellings and associated infrastructure. This first plan demonstrates the outline, uh, out, uh, layout of the site and the access to the front of the site. This plan provides an indicative layout of the proposed dwellings. However, design scale and layout will be considered in a subsequent reserve matters if approved today. No objections have been made by the Parish Council. However, a number of comments as set out in paragraph 8.1 of the committee report. Uh, paragraph 10.1 of the committee report includes three objections from neighbouring properties. Um, the location of the application site is considered sustainable in terms of social and economical, economic and environmental strand of sustainable development. The site is within walking distance to transport and will enhance the vitality of the rural community as set out in paragraph 78 of the MPPF. It's not considered the development will result in a harmful encroachment to the open character of the countryside and will be mainly confined to the collection of dwellings that contribute to this part of Debden Green. This application mirrors the recently approved development for two dwellings to the east of the site but ensures the open plot of land between the two sites remains undeveloped. This applic uh, the applicant is happy to enter into a legal agreement to prevent any further applications being submitted regarding the paddock area. No highways or ecology objections have been made. Taking into account the details set out in the committee report, um, the application is uh, considered to accord with local uh, planning and national planning policies and is recommended for approval. Thank you very much, Chris. Um, we have two speakers for this, but before I call them forward, because we have such a, um, a large list today, um, I would ask every every speaker to stick to their... I will keep you to your um, time allotted, and I will only let you go over a few seconds, OK? Thank you very much. So the first speaker is Brian Linsell from Debden Parish Council. Thank you very much, Councillor um, Linsell. Right. Start the stopwatch. Uh, the initial access plan had listed visibility in both directions as just 120 metres. As such, Essex Highways requested that the applicant undertake a speed survey and provide visibility displays in accordance, the road being a 60 miles per hour speed limit road. The applicant engaged a firm called Journey Transport Planning to carry out the survey. A firm that states on the front page of their website 
We offer a full range of transport planning services in, ass in assisting developers, landowners, public sector bodies, estate managers and development professionals to navigate the planning process and maximise the potential of their assets. You can, of course, read that statement two different ways. They state in their access appraisal submitted, visibility would require a 2.4 metres by 215 metres in both directions from access in accordance with the standard set out in the Design Manual for Roads and Bridges, the DMRB. Also quoting from their um, appraisal, it is recognised that the standard set out in the DMRB relates specifically to trunk roads and motorways. It is recognised. By who? There is no supporting evidence for that uh, the documentation for that statement. The speed survey they undertook returned speeds of 43.3 and 44.5 miles per hour. <coughs> the access appraisal goes on to state that the guidance within, within the DMRB indicates that for speeds between 37 and 43 miles per hour, visibility of 120 metres would be required, and for speeds between 43 to 52 miles per hour, 160 metres would be required. What they fail to say is that those distances quoted, quoted from the DMRB are listed as one step below the desirable minimum. The desirable minimum distances for the speed band the survey fell into, that of 43 to 52 miles per hour, is in fact 215 metres, not 160. Likewise, the desirable minimum for the band below where their speed limit survey results fell was 160 metres, not 120. Then we can throw in for good measure that the access survey says, in view of the speed survey results indicating eastbound speeds of just one miles per hour above the 120 metre visibility requirements, remembering that is one step below the minimum, uh, desired minimum, and we should be looking at 160 metres as a desired minimum, and following discussions with Essex County Council, it is reasonable to interpolate the required DMRB visibility display based on the observed speed. Interpolate to replace something with something else. They seem to be quite adept at that. My question is, whose advice should you be following here? The access survey firm who have successfully hoodwinked Essex Highways or DMRB who have taken highways legislation, determined guidance criteria, their documentation is published by Highways England, followed by Highways England, Transport for Scotland, the Welsh Assembly. UDC should be in no doubt if they approve the development, having known and considered all of the above, they would be leaving themselves wide open in perpetuity to compensation claims should a road traffic accident occur at this location. Also, referring to the Salsford local plan, which I know is very out of date, but you're still working to it, policy gen 1 access, section C, one of the five bits of criteria that I'm sure you're all fully aware of, opens with the following, the design of the site must not compromise road safety. And I do have the supporting documentation regarding the banding of the visibility displays with me today, if you want to see it. That's it. So you shouldn't be looking at 120 metres. You should be looking at at least 160 as the desired minimum. Thank you very much, Councillor. So we have Mr Loon. Chris Loon? Oh, yes, there. Thank you very much. Uh, thank you, Chair. And I'm speaking on behalf of Barbara Bonham 
uh, the applicant. And I'd just like to raise um, uh, or respond to some of the points that the committee raised at the last meeting, if that's okay. Um, there, was, there was an issue about the access location. Uh, as you've seen today on the site, um, the position right in front of the proposed dwellings is very heavily screened with trees and uh, we decided not to put an access through those trees. Um, also the visibility isn't quite as good at that point and, and uh, it would require trees to be removed. So we did propose uh, the access where the existing paddock gate is. That doesn't require uh, any trees to be lost. It has it has acceptable visibility splays according to the highway authority. Um, uh, and uh, just in response to the, the previous speaker, you, 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 you've had you've had a, uh, a speed survey, uh, you've had technical advice, you've had highway consultancy advice, uh, and uh, in accordance with with that, the visibility splays have been deemed ex acceptable. Uh, and I don't think it'd be wise to go against the technical uh, judgments of your uh, experts. Now, I do appreciate uh, that the, uh, the point at which we have the proposed access uh, does give rise to a long driveway, and that's seen to be a, a point of concern uh, for some members, that it might lead to some other future development of the remaining paddock area uh, in, in the future. Um, and there was some talk about whether a Section 106 uh, agreement could be used to, to remedy that matter. Um, I would say firstly uh, in response that uh, the eastern end of the paddock, which is not the application site, uh, has a different context to the application site itself. Uh, I appreciate you didn't actually walk on to the the far end of the paddock where the application site is today at your site visit. I think it would have been helpful to do that because you would have seen uh, closer up the residential garden which is adjacent. You would have seen more of the houses which are uh, near to the site. Um, whereas the, the eastern end of the paddock which is undeveloped uh, doesn't have any housing opposite it. Uh, uh, or, or, or next to it in any way, whereas the current site does, and that's the essential difference that I'd like the committee to, to, to understand. So in terms of, um, in, in terms of restricting the, the future use, I would therefore say that you do have already sufficient powers under normal development management powers. Uh, should at any point in time any person want to make an application for some other form of development on the remaining paddock because the character or the characteristics certainly are different at that other end of the site. But if that wasn't sufficient for, for members, you do have the additional control of a Section 106 obligation. Uh, we have written to your officers uh, about that. They raised uh, a similar example at Walpole Farm in Stansted, um, and we have looked at that, and our planning solicitors have suggested that a similar type of a planning obligation could be entered into, uh, which requires the remaining uh, paddock area to be kept as a paddock or grazing. It wouldn't exclude the keeping of horses or the erection of stables, which would need planning permission, uh, but that would give you some uh, control uh, uh, over the future of that site. Uh, and hopefully uh, that would solidify uh, in your minds that the uh, the applicant's intentions are, 
are as stated. She wants to use that land for her grandchildren to ride horses. Uh, other points that were raised by uh, the committee last time uh, were the reasons why there are two dwellings, not one, uh, also the self-build timing issue, and also the parish council and their representations, and the parish didn't object, I'd point out, uh, the issue of self-build quality. So there are two dwellings proposed here. Firstly, as you'll see from the, the overhead, the site uh, reflects the eastern extent of the settlement where there is housing on the other side of the road. We're not going any further than that, and that's why we've we set the site limits at there. What that does, it creates a width of site that can accommodate two properties at similar widths and densities uh, of the other houses, such as the ones on the other side of the road. Uh, whilst it's not a planning issue, uh, the, the additional uh, self-built plot will help the, the funding of not just the applicant's self-build plot, but also uh, some high-quality landscaping, fencing, and of course we've got a very long driveway by, by necessity, and that will be quite an expensive uh, cost as well. And we want to do it high-quality in a nice rural style. It won't be a tarmac road, for example. Uh, but the extra funding will also um, help the, the, say the quality. In terms of the additional plot as well, uh, a member raised concern about uh, not, uh, issues of um, dust and so on. And what the applicant wants to do is, uh, when she sells the other self-build plot, that there'll be a construction contract, with, uh, and it, that will be um, uh, co-terminus with her own self-build plot, so that she doesn't move into her house, and then someone continues to build after she'd moved in. So they'll be built at the same time, effectively. Um, the final point, Chairman, uh, related to uh, sustainability. Um, your officers have very uh, uh, comprehensively covered this in their report uh, in terms of social, economic and environmental issues. I point out that there are bus stops uh, within 500 metres uh, of this site. Uh, they serve uh, Stansted Airport, uh, Thaxted and Saffron Walden six days a week on an hourly basis. There's also another general bus service, uh, and there's also two uh, bus services to secondary schools. Um, it, you have already approved uh, 10, or there have been 10 dwellings approved in the last five years in Debden Green, which, uh, uh, to my mind, indicate that this is a sustainable location in terms of access to services and facilities, and indeed that is the conclusion that your officers and the council has reached on those other applications. So we think it would be inconsistent for uh, the council to now say this is an unsustainable uh, location. We don't think that would be uh, defensible. And, and finally, Chairman, just, just in terms of, uh, uh, of character, um, uh, there are houses uh, in this area, the, the ones that you've already approved. I'd particularly like to point out the ones... 275 metres to the east, which you can just see on the, the right-hand slide there, edged in red. Uh, that, was, that was approved uh, this year for two detached dwellings, um, and uh, that has very similar characteristics to this site. It, you could almost say it's a mirror image in many ways. So we think there is a consistent um, uh, argument here that we'd like you to follow, and uh, we hope you would accept this is a sustainable location noting your current housing shortages. Thank you. 
Thank you very much, Mr Loon. I'll open it up to the members. Councillor Fairhurst. Thank you, Madam Chair. Um, it's a good one to start on because it talks about two big issues. The one is today and the other is tomorrow. Today we're looking at an issue of, of access. We heard the first speaker talk about speed and, and visibility. And uh, I think it's an, an interesting discussion to have. But then we, of course, immediately saw that it was about screening to, to maintain the, the, the character of the neighbourhood. And, of course, the two are sometimes incompatible. The more screening you have and the more lovely the trees are, the less likely you are going to see the entrance. And at 60 miles an hour, that could be a safety consideration. But when last we discussed this, the bigger issue for me was future development and the character of the, of the neighbourhood, because what we've actually seen there, if you look at the, on the, on the, on the right-hand side, the, the, the approval that has been given is, is, I can tell you the future without a crystal ball. And the future, very clearly, is what's going to happen here. The long driveway is a dead giveaway. Um, I think that it's impossible, I think it's highly unlikely, but I believe impossible, that a 106 can protect a paddock. But once you've done that anyway, that infill is going to take place, and the houses across the road are going to do it. So I have, I'm unfortunately, after all this, um, I have no qualms in, in uh, recommending this for refusal on those bases, carry to and, and, and safety access. Thank you very much, Councillor Fierst. Anybody else? Councillor Freeman. <clears throat> Well, I, I unusually don't necessarily agree with my colleague, uh, Councillor Ferris, on this matter. Um, I think I would just say two things, really, uh, that if, it, if we are mindful to consent this, um, I would certainly enter into a deed to avoid development on the paddock. I know these things are easily overridden, they're easily set to one side, but it's, uh, it's a start and it's the best we can do. The other thing, looking at that, that I would like to see would be a pedestrian access uh, on the western side of the site onto the road. Now, again, I didn't look at it very carefully, carefully enough when we were there. It might actually be hazardous, because it's, obviously it comes out onto the road. But people will want to walk to the west of that site, uh, and it seems an absurdity to walk all the way down a very long drive to have to walk back again. Those are the only two comments I would make. They can both be dealt with by... <coughs> both be dealt with by condition. Thank you. Any other, any other comments? Yeah. Oh, Councillor Lemon. Yes, um, really two comments, probably agreeing with other people. Certainly I have concerns about the long drive. Um, and to say, well, we don't want to chop some trees down to put a drive in, any trees that can be would have to be taken down to put the drive in, could be replaced somewhere else on the site, so we wouldn't actually have a, a loss of trees, and I don't find that a very strong argument for not putting the um, entrance further up towards the houses. Councillor Stora. Thank you, Chair. I'd like to agree with everything that's been said by the, by the other members and to recommend refusal my only concern would be um, what would be reasons for refusal. So I'd like to uh, put that question to the officers through you, if I may, Chair. Please do. Yeah. Sorry. I'm just picking up, because we have a... I take that as a proposal from Councillor Fairhurst. You said on the basis of... Right, so you're, you're so you're so carriage and access. So that would be, well, they're two different things. The first one of those is 
character area, I would say you, I would suggest you're talking Gen 2 on that basis in terms of the, the development incompatible with the area. And then in terms of access, I will always argue, again, you know, I will always advise you not to go down the Gen 1 route in terms of access, uh, because, but members have seen that site today, um, and the, uh, the easiest answer that I'm going to have to give today is the answer that was asked by the Parish Council, is who we should be listening to. We should be listening to the County Highway Authority. They're neutral on this. The Parish Council are quite right. The, the person who's installed to put the proposal forward will always find it all rosy, and the person who was brought on board to oppose it will always find it not rosy. The county have no agenda here. They will look at it completely neutrally and are of the view that the application is acceptable in highway terms. Um, you may have your own viewers on that, but that is the view. So I would always talk you away from Gen 1. So we just need to be careful. So, so you're doing it strictly on the character of the area. So that would be Gen 2. Uh, unless members are minded to, int uh, to use S7 as well in regards to countryside protection. Okay. What I, I would like, sorry, Nigel, what I would like to know is um, we were told that they didn't consider doing the access at the front, you know, and taking, taking with the trees because it was the trees and the bank and everything, mm. but it wasn't actually looked at by highways, was it? It wasn't considered by highways, so we don't actually know what highways would consider. We were only, we were only told they didn't consider it because they're taking away the trees, so we don't actually know what highways would actually say about that. Is that right? They, they, they wouldn't have assessed the, uh, the access nearer the, the main area. They would have only assessed uh, what was submitted to the, to the council. I just, we, this is more process than anything yes. else. Um, we, we, we need to be clear that Council Affairs has this proposing a refusal. And, you know, although we can advise you on what that refusal is, you have to come back to us and propose what the refusal should be. Yes, I would simply say, as, as mentioned, I'm happy to, to, to um, abandon the access, but countryside and, and character are two, I think, very important points. That's based I, so I have, a, I have a proposal, but I need a second. Councillor Stora. So we have a proposal, Councillor Fairhurst, seconded by Councillor Stora to refuse this application. Can I have a vote on that, please? All those in favour of this proposal to, uh, to refuse this application? One, two, three, four, to refuse. And against? Um. Against the refusal, sorry. Sorry. I'm not Hands up. I have to count you, ladies and gentlemen. One, two... Sorry, sorry. I just want to count. It's Councillor Reeve. Are you putting your hand up or are you asking a question? Actually, I was wanting to know a procedural matter. Uh, sorry. Uh, what I was really wanting to know was a procedural matter, uh, and that was... Um, uh, yeah, whether the... Um, uh, No, I'm, I'm, I know what to do. Thank you. I do apologise. You're quite sure. 
show of hands in favor of refusal of uh, declining this refusal please Voting, you are voting. We've, ha we've had a proposal to refuse the application, which we've had four people voting in favour. So, this is are there any proposals against any votes against the refusal? Right. One, two, three, four. I think we have some abstentions. Could those abstaining raise their hands? One, two, three. Are we missing anyone? Just to clarify, that was that vote was the casting vote was to, you know, was consistent with the original vote, which was to refuse permission. So it's refused on grounds of S7 and S2 character the area. Okay, moving on. UTT 19-1463 is a full application of the land at Robell's Cutler's Green, Thaxted. And thank it's you, Chair. Rob, thank you. Uh, thank you, Chair. Um, Sorry, this application was the subject of a um, councillor's site visit. It was deferred previously for a site visit. Here is the general location of the site. It's not so very far from Thaxted. Sites nearby, inspectors have um, uh, given guidance that the site is in a relatively sustainable location. Moving into a bit more detail, the site is in the top left-hand corner of the site there. You'll see from this map that there's a, a loose cluster of um, houses in the locality. And here's the site in detail, the red line site on the corner of a track um, leading to Mill Hill Farm and um, Cutler's Green Road. The, the site itself is the red line site. To the rear is um, a horse paddock also in the ownership of the applicant. This photograph shows the horse paddock over to the left and um, some stables in the centre of the picture. There would also be an annex, an existing building demolished and a garage. The application is uh, essentially for a replacement dwelling the picture also shows on the right a, uh, a mature hedge along the road frontage. 
This picture shows the hedge again. This is taken from the corner of the track to Mill Hill Farm and uh, with Cutler's Green Road. And this is further to the east. And in the centre of the picture, I hope you can see the black weatherboarded gable and the red pantile roof of the existing dwelling which would be demolished, removed from the site. And also to the left of that you can see the, the hedge. But you can see in this picture, I believe, that there are oblique views um, into the site behind the hedge. Just as you can see the annex building there, uh, it's officer's opinion that you would certainly see the eastern elevation and um, I'd point out that what you see there, the, the existing dwelling is one storey plus roof. I'll show you the elevational drawings of the proposed dwelling which is two storey plus a, a shallow roof. Uh, this is the, uh, the building which would be replaced, the dwelling which would be replaced. This is the northern elevation, the rear. This is the eastern elevation, the, the side. This is what you could see in a previous photograph further away. And here is the site plan. The, uh, the footprint of the proposed dwelling is shown... Um, in the centre there, the track to Mill Hill Farm is over to the left-hand side. This is the eastern elevation. Uh, the approach is to, I believe, create a sort of agricultural-style building, but um, there would be glazing up to the... Uh, underneath the gable end there and um, a fairly shallow roof. This is the south elevation, the front elevation, although the hedge would be in front of this. The eastern elevation, the eastern elevation to the track. And this is the rear elevation. It would have a balustrade, a, a balcony area, making use of views to the north. Here's a street scene picture. The proposal is over to the left-hand side of, uh, of the slide there. Um, this, this does show the, the hedge. I'm, I'm sure you all saw it at the site visit. These are the, um, the pictures of the proposed dwelling. Uh, a fairly contemporary design, but um, a style uh, that echoes an agricultural building, but uh, quite a substantial built form. The applicant's agent has uh, produced a series of photographs, and um, this, this slide before you comes from the agent. In the uh, officer's report on the agenda report, you will see that there is concern that the site would be seen from footpaths to the north. The applicant's agent has looked into this very carefully and has provided a number of photographs. It has to be said that given the distances involved, that impact would be slight, so it would appear. But um, nonetheless, we're talking about a two-storey 
building plus a pitched roof fairly close to the road and with gaps um, certainly to the eastern side such that you would be able to see across um, the built form would be visible. This is just one of a number of photographs provided by the applicant's agent. Uh, this, however, does show the extent of uh, footpaths to the north, although you'll see that, um, that they're all some distance away from the site. This slide has been provided by the applicant's agent. I think the important thing to take from this one is you can see a water tower over to the left-hand side. That is quite some distance from the site. You can see that, but um, you can't, certainly can't clearly see the rear of the site. So the argument produced, uh, put forward by the applicant's agent is that uh, the rear of the site wouldn't be visible from footpaths given the distance. But um, we're talking about uh, a two-storey building and, of course, in officer's opinion, it would be visible from the road, from the highway. And that concludes my report. Thank you, Chair. Thank you very much, Jonathan. Um, we have one speaker and it's Karen Westlake. Thank you very much, Ms. Winslake. Thank you very much. Thanks for your time and consideration, members. Um, I hope you've received our letter and you can now see our application in context following your site visit in what was lovely sunshine this morning. Ian and I have lived in the Thaxted area for 25 years and we've lived in our present house in Cutler's Green for over 21 of those. We've had our children here and our friends and family also live in the area. We both work locally and we're active countryside people. Hence the reason we wish to stay in our current location and we want to build our forever home for ourselves here. I'd want to reassure you this house is very much for us. It's not for any form of financial gain. Our existing house definitely no longer suits the changing demands of our family. Our son currently sleeps downstairs in what was the dining room. And recent ill health of Ian's elderly parents has also brought home that harsh reality that they're probably not going to be living in their own homes for much longer. And we'd rather have space to offer them to move in with us rather than have to look into residential care, which is something they really don't want to do. We were very careful to choose the highly regarded local architect, Ian Abrahams, to create our design. We made every effort to create a well-designed addition to the village. Our property is sited on the very extreme boundary of the area covered by the neighbourhood plan. However, we have been still been very conscious of the importance of this plan and have considered it throughout our planning process. We've minimised our environmental impact, designed a house to continue to blend in with the countryside as time moves on, as well as providing a lovely home for ourselves and providing future security for our extended family. In fact, one of the points raised by the Parish Council, who were very supportive, was that it was a really good design at the end of a group of really quite urban-style houses that have been built in the last couple of years, as you will have now seen. Um, on, immediately on the left as you head towards Thaxton after Robles. This was also reinforced by the support letter sent in from the people living really close to us. Your own planning officer also indicated initial support for our application. However, this was then overruled. 
the house has been deliberately set back from the road, so covering your concerns about the fact the visibility of that aspect of the existing property. This property is sitting further back. Um, it moves away from the road noise and also helps the house to tuck away behind the existing and, the pl and plan new planting. The natural timber boarding will also weather in nicely and tone in with the surroundings so it won't be so harsh and visible to look at. And the trees and hedges can continue to offer to habitat for wildlife. That natural slate roof, which incidentally is only 600 millimetres higher than the existing roof, would blend in nicely without any great increase in height. And it would also match the roofs of Robles and Bluebell Cottage. In fact, I don't know if you noticed the mill house, which was directly opposite where you parked your minibus, but it's in fact of a very similar height and scale to our proposed property. As you saw, as you approached from Debton direction, the property would not be visible at all as it's totally screened by the hedges and trees. The lane that you walked up at the start to look through across from the gateway is in fact a private lane with no public access at all. If you'd approach from the Thaxter direction, the existing building is currently quite visible. However, the proposal, as I said, sits further back than that behind the vegetation, so should have less impact. Obviously, any house has some level of impact as you get up to it, but we've, that's why we've chosen materials that will really minimise this impact. Environmental impact is very important to us. We've incorporated two roofs with solar panels, as well as an air source heat pump. This hopefully will generate most of our electricity, as well as charge our car. This would make it a much more sustainable home than the existing buildings that are there. We're on a very regular, well-used bus route, it's every 15 minutes during the week, that stops outside the gate and takes the children to school or to the train station. As well as replacing the existing dwelling, the separate detached garage at the other end of the drive, you'll now see, you've now seen the tatty mix of stables and barns that we're all talking about demolishing as well. Along with the paddocks, these have been well used for more than 10 years as the home for both of my daughter's horses and ponies. However, they now have other interests and my work commitments mean I've had to make the heartbreaking decision to give up riding. Um, I'm aware this may seem like yet another application to turn old stables into a house, but please be reassured that we are replacing an existing dwelling, which incidentally isn't an annex, it's a separate dwelling. Um, and this has been lived in for many years. The stables are just going as part of the application. Um, sorry. Planning officers raised some concerns about the impact from the public footpaths, but as Mr Doe has mentioned, these are fairly minimal. Um, and the main track, as I've mentioned, is in fact a private driveway with no public access, and that is probably the only place you can actually see the house. There's been great concern raised about the impact of our proposal on the village scene. Having visited today, it's now clear there is really no village scene in Cutler's Green. This would have been clearly visible if you had approached from the Thaxter direction, but I'm sure you were able to have a good look on your way out of the village, immediately to the left as you left our site. Most properties are four bedrooms or larger, many set back from the road as we proposed. I am going to have to ask you to conclude. Yeah, I've got about four sentences. Um, oh, that's quite a lot. Okay. <laughs> um, you'll have seen the wide, interesting mix of styles and tastes of the recent development that's been recently built in Cutler's Green. Unfortunately, the Ordnance Survey map and the site plan, the road view that you look at, is out of date, and there's been five more properties built since then, all of bright, various colours. Um, Cutler's Green is really quite different from the image of the quaint village scene, and there's certainly not really a ribbon development of modest-scale properties, as discussed in the report. Hopefully our design will give us a positive rather than negative addition to the village. Thank you. 
Thank you. Thank you. Open it up to councillors. Councillor Stora. Thank you, Chair. I'd like to make three points, if I may, and then put forward a modified recommendation. The three points are this. First, uh, we as members of this committee have met six times, and it seems to me that we have strong concerns as strong as we reasonably could have, about protecting the countryside from unacceptable development within the context of our planning policies and, of course, the tilted balance that now applies in the decision-making process because of the um, lack of a five-year land supply. So we are keen on protecting the countryside where we can. And I'm going to ask you... A question, but don't worry, it's a rhetorical one because I'll then answer it for you. Um, if development that is inappropriate um, in the countryside is not readily visible, does that make it acceptable? And the answer to my mind is clearly no, it doesn't. And that, I think, is what we have as a situation here. Great play have been made, has been made with the fact that it will be difficult to see this proposed development from various locations. But to my mind, it is simply not relevant in this context. That's the first point. The second is I'd like to you to be referred to the Council's supplementary planning document on replacement houses. That gets a reference, I think, in the officer's report. But what it doesn't do is refer to what I consider to be the two key paragraphs. First one's paragraph five, which says, wherever they are proposed, the council is keen to make sure that replacement dwellings are a similar size to the existing dwelling. Now, from my memory at the last meeting when this was discussed, the current proposal is more than two and a half times the size of the existing dwelling. That is not similar. That, goes, that sentence goes on to say, and take account of local building character and the setting so that when they are finished, they improve the quality of the local environment. But to repeat, what, to repeat what I've already said, it will be difficult to see it in many aspects, so that cannot really be complied with. Moving on to the other paragraph, which is paragraph 12. First sentence says the council will only usually grant planning permission for the replacement of buildings which are lawful, structurally unsound or poorly constructed. I've seen nothing to suggest that the existing building is any of those. Second sentence goes on to say a replacement will only be allowed where the existing building does not make a positive contribution to the local character of the area and where the replacement will result in a visual improvement to the site and the surrounding area. Well, members, you saw the site this morning. You judge for yourselves. 
The third point relates to those of us with a, a strong environmental bent. And I'm going to quote to you some words that were said recently, which I'm sure you'll all recognize. And they are these. It's an exact quote. If you're worried about carbon footprints and stuff like that, the worst thing to do is knock down a serviceable building and go and build something else in its place. Now, I don't know if any of you recognize that wording. I'm getting blank faces. That was Councillor Freeman at our last meeting. <laughs> and uh, finally, my, my recommendation is the one that's quoted in the officer's report to be added to which um, because the, the application, the proposed development is also contrary to paragraphs 5 and 12 of the Council's supplementary planning document on replacement dwellings. Thank you, Chair. Councillor Freeman. Yes, um, thank you for quoting, quoting that which I have forgotten at me. Um, I agree with everything that Councillor Storer has said. Uh, and I think the key thing here is rather like the conundrum if a tree falls in a forest and nobody hears it fall, has it actually fallen. Um, and I looked at this, the, I've been looking at the elevations whilst I've been talking, and I think there's something wrong with this. What, what's wrong with it? And the thing that's wrong with it is that the pitched roofs are very shallow. And the purpose for that is to actually reduce the pitch height I deduce uh, to say, well, it's not really very big. But the impact is to make the place look very squat and heavy uh, and not the sort of building you come across very often. It looks a bit like a sort of golf house or whatever, you know, go, sort of um, not like a building in the countryside necessarily. The volume is the critical thing. It's 2.5 times the size of the existing dwelling. Whether the existing dwelling has actually ever been used, the dwelling is, is neither here nor there. Um, 2.5 times is a lot um, and I believe it started out life as a garage. Increase in ridge size, height of 600 millimetres, 0.6 of a metre, is significant, especially when it's been bought at the expense of making a very shallow roof pitch, which, to, as I say, to my mind, looks odd. So my recommendation for this, my proposal, is that on the basis of the matters already mentioned by Councillor Story, that we refuse this application, Chairman. Thank you very much, Councillor Freeman. Councillor Reeve and then Councillor Fairhurst. Thank you, Chairman. My view on this one was that I was actually minded to support the concept. I do find that the, um, the size is, uh, is very large, and, so, and the, um, the, that's been quoted. So that was working against it in my favour. I did appreciate the fact that in the application the uh, solar panels and heat pumps and things were in there. So I, I accept that the overall balance of uh, any new material, you know, going back to Councillor Freeman's quote, any new material is, uh, is unnecessary or is bad if not necessary. So I would, on balance, I was sort of um, uh, coming to this meeting uh, with the expectation to support the application. But... Um, uh, I do think it is large, yeah, and uh, and in that respect, um, 
yeah, working against its favour. One of the one of the things which I, I struggle with, and will come up against it later in this um, uh, meeting, is some of the larger developments at which we're um, planning in the district. You know, 130 houses here, 200 there, and whatever. Uh, that there, those are new builds going into places, and in a way, this is a, a new build going into a place. And we're happy to accept those, but not a, an individual one. So I'm, I do have a problem with that, uh, uh, that logic there. And that was the bit of me that was saying that in that context, actually, this is uh, not so unacceptable. Because uh, actually, I quite like the contemporary design. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Councillor Fairhurst. Thank you, Madam Chair. Yeah, I think, I think the question, the rhetorical question asked by my colleague was a, a very good one and great philosophy because it is an issue. Um, I'm not sure the answer is as easy as he makes it. If we build something which is garish and ugly and out of design but no one can ever see it, does it matter? Um, and that is a big question because we are building things, as, as mentioned by Councillor Reeve, in other places that don't chime with the character of the district. Not asking the same question. I think also your point about the replacement policy is really, really pointed because we do have a very clear policy about replacing buildings. But my question, rhetorical to you, would be: But does it apply here? Does it apply to all replacements, or is there a need for exceptions to make the rule valid? It's a difficult one because I, I think that. 0.6 of a metre isn't that high a ridge rate, and I completely concede with Councillor Freeman said that it's because we've got a, a, a low pitched reef, and it's not my taste either. But we are supposed, despite all the policies, we are supposed to address this balance on a case-by-case -case basis. And so we have to ask the question you ask yourself. We actually have to say in this case... Um, the norm might be that if it's not visible, um, it doesn't matter. But in this case, it maybe is okay. We heard from the, from the officer himself who said it's got a low impact. It's not visible, in fact, he said. Um, we've told that it's set back from the road. It doesn't look like it on the picture, but we can't tell. Um, and I, therefore, I'm ambivalent. I don't think it's as clear-cut as it seems to be. I, I haven't made up my mind yet on this one. Councillor Storer. Thank you, Chair, and thank you for your question, Councillor. Um, it's not a matter of the appearance of the building, it's design. The question is the principle of the development. This, to my mind, is, is, will be similar to encouraging farmers to allowing their hedges at the edges of their field to grow to 20, 30 feet tall, and then that might well allow them to grow a very lucrative crop of, for example, at the very least, bungalows. But if you can't see them, it don't matter. Yes, it does, would be my concern. It's the very principle. The design, to my mind, is secondary. In this context, it's of no consequence because I cannot get past the principle. Thank you, Chair. Councillor Pavitt. Um, thank you, Chair. Having seen the site, um, my, my, my immediate reaction was one of scale, simply that, especially the eastern view. Um, and I think to some extent, as much as I 
as I like the idea and I would love to have the, the money and the resources to do a project like this myself, but I think the applicants have shot themselves in the foot with the sheer scale of this. Had they been a little bit more modest in, in the scale, we might well not be having the debate we are. So I suspect I will be going with my colleagues if they're minded to, to refuse. Thank you very much, Councillor Pavitt. Anybody else? Right. Have we had a proposal? Dora, do you wish to... Somebody else want to speak? Chair, my proposal was to uh, maintain the recommendation with the addition of um, adding uh, reference to paragraphs 5 and 12 of the Council's supplementary planning document on replacement dwellings. Just to confirm, that's very sensible, and apologies, we should have added that anyway, so you're absolutely spot on. I'm going to have a sec. Sorry, Councillor Caton. I'm quite happy to, to second that. Thank you very much, Councillor Caton. Therefore, we have a propose, proposal from Councillor Stora, seconded by Councillor Caton, to... Uh, you have a proposal already from me. Did you... Did at, you? Right at the very beginning. Oh, I do apologise. <coughs> the proposal, Madam Chairman, was for refusal. For refusal. Yes. Can I just clarify, can, can I suggest you pick up Councillor Stora's amendment to that? I'm very happy to adopt yeah. the amendment. <laughs> I thought he had, first of all. Sorry, I thought he had as well. May I say, Chair, um, for the difference it makes, and it's of no real consequence, I was the first to speak, and that was the recommendation at the time. If I can assist, Madam Chair, it was Councillor Freeman who used the formal word proposal. Thank you very much. <laughs> I got it wrong. <clears throat> I apologise, Councillor Freeman. I'll start again. Um, we have a proposal by Councillor Freeman, seconded by Councillor Caton, um, to refuse this up. Are you you're going to get, give? To, I'm getting it all wrong now. Seconded, seconded by Councillor Stora. Um, Subject to that modification, Chair, if I may. To the yes, thank, yes, thank you very much. Yes, where did I get to? Um, to accept the um, officer's recommendation for refusal. All those in favour of that recommendation, would you like to vote? Care to vote, please? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. No, that's right, 10. That's 10, just 10. Are there any against? No. Abstain? So that's been carried. So here we're at 130, we're not going to be out here by half past three, are we? So it's going to be four o'clock. Okay, UTT 190462, full application, land of west, west of Hall Road, Elsinham. And it's Miss Jones. Was it? Yes, yes, it's fine. Yes, ma'am.
Um, this application relates to the site councillors visited this morning in Elsenham and it's shown on the slide outlined in red. This shows an aerial view and the, sorry, just the site is located on the southern side of Elsenham and forms an area of agricultural land bounded by Hall Road which is here to the east, wraps around the old vicarage which is a grade 2 listed building here which is excluded from the application site railway line to the west and the Elsenham school to the north the southern boundary here is bounded by Stansted Brook and the land slopes down from north to south the proposal is for the erection of 130 dwellings, the provision of open space, play areas, car parking, new pedestrian linkages, landscaping and auxiliary works with access off Hall Road here. And the change of use of 0.37 hectares of agricultural land for education use, which is this area here. The proposal includes the provision of 40% affordable housing, which equates to 52 dwellings, and the affordable housing would be split into affordable rent and affordable shared ownership. An area of public open space in the form of a lap here, which would be 100 square metres, and a leap here, which would be an area of 400 square metres in the form of a, um, a leap. There would be 36 visitor parking spaces and access would be from the existing vehicle access with a further emergency access um, to the southeast of the site. This would be used for pedestrian access only, except in emergencies. All the properties would have private or shared amenity space to be to the recommended standards within the Essex Design Guide. This shows the sorry, no, it doesn't. This shows the proposed building height, with the tallest being 2.5 storeys to the northern side of the site, eight bungalows four being chalet bungos and there are six one-bed flats at ground level. This um, relates to the um, following slides and it just shows where the street scenes are. So there'll be one here, one going from here, one going from here and one here. Um, this slide shows the housing bits. Um, these green ones here are the bungalows. Sorry, the brown ones are the bungalows. Uh, the green ones are one-bed apartments. The yellow are two-bed apartments. Turquoise, which don't really show up here, are here. These turquoise ones here are three-bed bungalows and the blue at the bottom here are four-bed houses. Um, the housing mix 
complete housing mix is attached to my report. This is, shows the um, affordable housing. It's uh, 40%. The proposal will provide 40%, which equates to 52 affordable housing units. The clusters do not meet the council's um, uh, as they are above 10 units, although they are spread throughout the development um, and in appropriate clusters so as to ensure effective manager. This was supported at, at previous appeals. Um, this slide shows the trees to be removed um, in grey, so it's mainly here, a few here, here and here. Um, all the trees to the northern boundary will be remaining. Um, the trees with the subject of um, tree preservation orders um, will be um, maintained, retained. All veteran trees are also to be retained. Um, this shows the, an indicative educational layout for school land because several concerns have been received relating to the intention not to provide adequate drop-off and pick-up facilities for the land transferred for educational use. This application is only for the transfer of the land for educational use and the detailed development of that land will be a matter for Essex County Council. Detailed planning applications will be progressed by Essex County Council once their plans for the land have been agreed and finalised. Indicative layout has been submitted to show how the site could accommodate a new playing pitch and nursery with associated parking. This has been decided to accord with Essex County Council's specific requirements. And this shows all the green areas that would be managed if the application were to be approved. The application is within the countryside protection zone and the introduction of 130 dwellings would be harmful to the rural characteristics of the area. It would erode the openness of the area and promote coalescence between Elson and Stansted. Therefore, the proposal would be contrary to policies S7 and S8. Notwithstanding this, the site has previously been granted outline permission in 2013 and is also an allocated site within the emerging local plan. As such, it is considered that the principle of development of the site has been established. It is considered that the weight to be given to the requirement to provide a five-year land supply and that the housing provision which would be delivered by the proposal would outweigh the harm identified in relation to rural restraints set out in those policies. Three previous um, DFO applications have been refused on the site and two dismissed at appeal. It is considered that the previous concerns have on balance been overcome in relation to design, biodiversity and drainage. Several concerns have also been raised in, in relation to highways. The application is supported by a transport assessment which includes committed development, development sites for which planning consent has been granted in Elsinore and Stansted. Additionally, it includes a sensitivity test of the possible future development of 350 residential units on Henham Road, which is not committed and is subject to a current, of a current planning application. Cumulative impacts in particular need to be considered in relation to impacts on Henham Road and High Street, Lower Street Grove Hill, 
junctions. Essex Highways, using contributions from another site, have recently upgraded the Grove Hill Junction, and the test of the new equipment has shown that the detection of traffic has shown that it will achieve the mitigation needed. In view of the buffet, Essex County Council and Highway England have been consulted. They state that the works that have already occurred at the Grove Hill Junction are sufficient to accommodate development traffic associated with development of land west of Hall Road. In, com in, com sorry, in combination with a financial contribution to an improved bus service serving key destinations, including Stansted, Mount Fidget, Bishop Stortford and Stansted Airport. Ultimately, it is planned that this contribution, combined with other contributions, will be, due, be used to provide a half-hour service during the week and enhanced evening services. This would provide an alternative to the car, and it is expected will ultimately result in a reduced impact on the highway network. Also, due to the proximity of the proposed residential dwellings, network Work Row is concerned by the potential impact that this would have on the usage and safety of Fuller's End level crossing, which is unmanned. The development is highly likely to increase usage of the adjacent public footpath level crossing at Fuller's End. Funding for the closure and diversion of the level crossing has already been made from other developments. However, they request that the development not be occupied unless and until the level crossing and the public right-of-way is closed and diverted as proposed by Network Rail or another proposal. It is not considered that this would meet the test for conditions and would not be reasonable. A material consideration is that previous applications have not raised this as an issue and it did not form one of the previous reasons for refusal or concern by the planning inspectors of both previous appeals. Within appeal reference APPC 1570A 14 um, the planning inspector made reference to the level crossing, saying, there is no convincing evidence before me to demonstrate that this particular level crossing is inherently unsafe. It is currently available for use by existing residents residents of Fuller's End and by workers at the appeal site wishing to gain access to services in Elston. The use of the crossing by future occupiers of the dwellings does not seem to me to make the crossing unsafe. Whilst it may not appropriate for all sections of the community, including unaccompanied children, this route is used at present and could be by future residents in appropriate circumstances. It therefore offers residents a choice of transport mode. In summary, um, the site is relatively sustainable and in balancing planning merits, taking into account the many benefits of the proposal, it is considered that the proposal of the development is acceptable. The benefits of the scheme include 40% affordable housing, financial contributions towards an enhanced bus service, education contributions, contributions of 31% of a community facility up to a maximum of 310,000, transfer of 0.37 hectares of agricultural land for educational use, um, and contribution to, towards healthcare. The means of the access of the site is acceptable and the proposals will not result in harmful impacts on the strategic highway network. 
It's considered the design, scale and layout is now considered to be appropriate for this edge of settlement location. Adequate parking provision would be provided to meet the adopted parking standards. The housing mix is considered appropriate. The affordable provision, housing provision is acceptable and there'd be no increase in flood risk and the proposed drainage subject to conditions. There would be no adverse impacts on biodiversity subject to implementation of identified mitigation. The proposal is considered to be acceptable in respect of noise and pollution and air quality subject to mitigation measures. In, in view of the lack of five-year land su supply, it is um, recommended that planning permission should be granted subject to a Section 106 agreement and conditions listed. Thank you very much, Madeline. Um, we have... Excuse me. We have three speakers, the first of those being Victoria Farrell. No. No. Okay. Um, Graham Mott from Elston Parish Council. So, Councillor Mott. Madam Chairman, I speak on behalf of Elston Parish Council, of which I am the Chairman. Over the past several months, we have held four meetings with the applicants, and they have accommodated some of our requests. We have not got everything we wanted, but nevertheless, the Parish Council wishes to place on record our appreciation of the manner in which the applicants have engaged with us, which we believe could serve as a model for other proposals. There are some significant benefits attached to the application. There is a commitment to make a substantial contribution to a new community hall in the village to be combined with similar amounts from two other large developments which are now both completed. There have been long delays with the present project, as your officer mentioned, but should it now be approved, we hope that the Section 106 agreement will stipulate that the whole contribution to the community hall should be made at an early stage so that we can make a start on this long overdue amenity. There is also a much needed and welcome commitment for land to be made available for a nursery school, as the officer also mentioned. At the same time as welcoming these provisions, Madam Chairman, the Parish Council must try to represent the local community. There is little doubt that opinion generally in the village is that there has been an excess of house building in Elsenham recently. If this application is approved, it will mean an increase in the size of the village since 2011 of some 66%, making much worse the problems of road access, particularly the main route through Grove Hill, Lower Street and Chapel Hill in Stansted Mount Fitchett. The road configuration at Grove Hill is unique and needs to be studied closely to be understood. I will try to explain briefly. Traffic lights control one-way working over a narrow stretch of carriageway on a bend, much complicated through adjacent permitted parking, causing conflict, and from time to time leading to situations where traffic is gridlocked. 
the traffic going down the hill proceeds since it has priority, but the traffic lights turn red and drivers find themselves stationary against parked cars and therefore traffic coming up the hill is blocked. The whole situation is fraught with difficulty and heavily dependent on local knowledge and convention. And obviously not all drivers have that knowledge. Recent changes to the phasing of the traffic lights have not come anywhere near solving the problem. Long queues on the downhill approach still build up and queues longer than before now occur on the Stansted Mount Fitchett side with consequent congestion in Lower Street, uh, Stansted Mount Fitchett and beyond. A new zebra crossing in Lower Street will soon be provided, which, whilst welcome in itself, is likely to result in further congestion. We hope that, should this application be approved, the applicants will join with us in opposing further development in and around Elsnam, which would have an impact on the residents of their site equally with the existing local community. It is noted that there are provisions for a health contribution, which is welcomed, but the Parish Council asks that any such contribution should be earmarked specifically for improvements to Elstom surgery, which is seriously oversubscribed at present. Also, we hope that new houses will not be occupied until the diversion of the pedestrian crossing over the railway is completed. It's clearly absurd to rely on the fact that it's relatively safe now, uh, given that the only houses on the other side of it now are the small hamlet of Fuller's End, whereas this application will mean that the number of potential residents using that crossing is multiplied by many, many times. Madam Chairman, I will conclude by saying that we note that some suggestions regarding a Section 106 agreement have already been made. The Parish Council has not been party to any discussions, and we trust that if the application should be approved, we will be fully involved in future in accordance with the spirit as well as the letter of Ottlesford's statement of community involvement. Madam Chairman, my thanks to you and the members of the committee for your attention. Thank you very much, Councillor Mott. And our next speaker is Jonathan Lieberman. Thank you very much, Mr. Lieberman. Yeah, thank you. Good afternoon, members. My name is Jonathan Lieberman. I'm representing the applicant, Bovis Homes. As uh, you will now have been made aware, uh, this application relates to a proposed allocated site in the emerging local plan. It is therefore being considered as suitable for residential development and indeed has historically had outlined permission granted on it for 130 dwellings. Pre-application discussions on this full application started some 14 months ago. From the very outset, the objective of the project team has been to bring forward a policy-compliant and high-quality development that meets with local aspirations. We entered into a planning performance agreement with your officers, and consultation has been at the very heart of the approach taken by Bovis towards this application. The positive recommendation follows an extended period of engagement with the local community, and this has included four separate meetings with Elson Parish Council and a public exhibition that was attended by 92 people. 
We've been particularly pleased uh, to be able to engage extensively with Elsinham Parish Council, and we'd also like to put on record our thanks to the parish for the constructive way in which its members have entered into discussions on this site. The feedback that we received has helped to refine the scheme, and this has included revisions to the layout, amenity space, housing mix, and architectural design of the houses and flats. And just by way of example, uh, I'd like to highlight some of the ways in which the scheme has evolved following the feedback received, just to show an example of the way it has been so constructive. Uh, For example, all three-storey buildings have been removed due to local concerns. In response to parish comments, we now propose eight bungalows, which exceeds policy requirements. The private amenity space for the flats has been increased. The houses and flats have been revised to ensure they all comply with lifetime home standards. The parking strategy has been reviewed and the number of visitor spaces have been increased. And in in addition, in direct response to a parish request, six one-bedroom flats at ground floor level are now proposed, each served with their own separate access. The result is a scheme that we believe responds well to the character of the local area, delivering 130 much-needed new homes, including 40% affordable housing. Other key features of this application, which some have been mentioned, but I just reiterate, it includes the retention of all veteran trees on the site, is a comprehensive landscaping scheme that includes public open space and play area that covers a third of the site area. All garden sizes for both the flats and the houses meet with Essex design standards. The garage and parking space sizes all comply with the relevant parking sizes also. And the scheme also includes the provision of land for educational use and the significant Section 106 contributions, which, as has been made made aware, includes up to uh, £310,000 towards Elsenham's community centre. Just to touch on the, the land for educational use, as you know, this will be gifted to the county, subject to planning permission being approved, But just to confirm, we held a number of meetings with the county before we submitted the application to agree the extent of the land that was going to be transferred. And the intention is that it could be used for a new playing pitch for uh, for the primary school and a nursery. But just to confirm again that subsequent applications will be made in due course, subject to approval tonight. So the provision of this land, together with the 40% affordable housing and the various other Section 106 contributions, including money towards the community centre, we believe are significant benefits of the scheme. And just picking up on the point um, by the parish, just to confirm, Bovis is very committed to continuing that positive engagement. It has been of real value having the meetings, having the dialogue, and we've listened to what's been said today, particularly in respect to the Section 106, and uh, we are very keen to maintain that should, should planning permission be granted today. So we hope that you're able to support the scheme. Thank you. Thank you very much, Mr Liebham. I'll open it to the committee. Councillor Lachlan. Thank you. Well, I'm actually very torn by this application. Firstly, because I'm very much in favour of affordable homes and this offers 40% affordable homes. But, uh, and I'm always banging on about this, this is in the countryside protection zone. And it may well be uh, in the new local plan, but having been around when the last local plan went ahead, uh, and it was dismissed. In which case, if we, ref- if we give approval for this, we will be giving approval for something that remains in the countryside protection zone. Uh, and I will read that. It says, in the countryside protection zone, 
planning permission will only be granted uh, for development that is required to be there. And I can't see that this is required. I know we don't have a five-year land supply, but that doesn't mean to say we have to build all over the countryside uh, because we can. Uh, and it says, or it is appropriate to a rural area. There will be strict control on new development. In particular, development will not be permitted if either of the following apply. Um, a, new building or uses would pr promote coalescence between the airport and existing development in the surrounding countryside. Well, it doesn't do that. But B, it would adversely affect the open countryside of the zone. And it most certainly does do that. Um, also, I mean, I live in Stansford, but I've no axe to grind, but I do know how bad Chapel Hill is. And I'm not just talking traffic here, I'm talking about the local kids who have to go to the nearest secondary school, which is Mount Fitchett School, and they will probably go down Grove Hill. And not only will it add to the uh, detriment of the air quality, it, it will be dangerous for pedestrians. It's a nightmare, that road. It always has been, and it has not been much improved. So I do believe that this is contrary at the moment. Uh, and I do notice that all the conditions that are on this, uh, although you're talking about the new local plan, are all in the old local plan or the existing local plan. Uh, so you're a bit, it's a bit contradictory there. But I, I believe this is contradictory, and I also think it's uh, S7 and SA, and I, will be, uh, I would like to uh, move a motion for refusal may not agree with me, but that's what I would like to do. Councillor Fairhurst. Thank you, Madam Chair. Um, I tend actually to, to support Councillor Lachlan on most things, um, particularly with the affordable housing. Um, but here it's rather good because not only is it 40%, but I think we'll agree that it's nicely laid out. And that's a good step in the right direction. <laughs> but that's one of the things. Um, I think also, it's, I think it's, very, it's a very good um, um, thing to hear at the council that the, the applicant has worked so closely and so, so positively with the parish council. And I think we as, as, as committee members must be guided to a large extent by the, the parish council's um, involvement in the process. I'd like to think also that if we do um, approve this, that we do keep to their suggestion that they continue are involved in the process with this development as, as UDC will be. Um, in a perverse kind of way, though, I feel minded to approve this because it's, the CPZ is a huge issue, and I'm as, 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 as militant as you are on the CPZ, <laughs> um, but we've sort of given it away in this case. Um, the need thing is tied to land supply. Um, it's sort of been done. The horse has bolted. Um, stable doors can't be closed now. So as, as much as I think it should be an exception, a fairly fierce exception to the rule of CPZ, um, if that was written somewhere, I think I would probably tend to, to support approval for this application. Thank you very much. Councillor Keaton. Thank you, Madam Chairman. I, I have to say I'm in disagreement with my colleague on my left. Um, I, I struggle. I, I'm, on, I'm on the other side, but only just. Um, there are some local uh, issues that, that are well known, um, particularly about Grove Hill and the cumulative uh, impact of the number of houses that, that uh, Elsner has had. And, and I, I'm not reassured by Essex County Highways 
uh, engineers um, uh, adjusting the timing of the traffic lights. I, I, I do think we most probably need to have a much more comprehensive look at that junction and it might have to be a couple a double traffic light uh, system there that actually allows a much more smoother uh, passage through that stretch of Grove Hill I am concerned that the additional traffic in both directions will end up um, with pressures to withdraw the on-street parking in Lower Street because we do have to stop uh, to let people through um, at the moment because we've got parking on both sides of the uh, road. Um, and I, then that will impact upon the viability of the Lower Street kind of commercial area. So there are, I have reservations about this, but as I've expressed vehemently before, you know, we have not got a five-year land supply. This does provide us with some social benefit of, uh, of uh, affordable housing. Uh, I'm, there are a couple of questions that I would like to asked the officers. First of all, there was concern by the housing enabling officer about the idea of having affordable uh, housing on the, the flats above garages. Um, uh, the report seems to indicate that it, that might, issue might have gone away, but I would like confirmation of, of that. Um, and secondly, I am aware of the great concern um, in Elsnum mm. about the need for uh, some capacity for parents to drop off and pick up children from the school. The current entrance to the school on the high street is totally unsatisfactory. Um, for dropping off and picking up and we should be seeking from the county council at the very least an, an improved uh, capacity for drop off and collection uh, I know we're um, trying to encourage people to, to walk to school but it's going to be uh, if it's going to serve the nursery generation, it is going to be a very... There is going to be demand for uh, drop-off and pick-up uh, cap capability at the um, nursery school, uh, as well as the primary school. So uh, we do need to address that, and I don't know how we can address that at this, if we give permission, but I think it's a key... Uh, requirement for the community and I would like us to be giving some thought about how we can progress that uh, if we should give it this planning permission. Madeline? Madeline? Yeah. Um, with regards to the um, coach houses, um, the affordable housing being um, used as folks, um, 
We haven't changed it, no. Um, basically, um, it's considered that all dwellings provided should be suitable for all future tenants, whether it's rented or shared ownership. Um, what we did take on board is the um, they didn't have that private amenity space that has now been provided, um, but they are still. Um, we, we didn't change the tenure of the affordable housing. Um, we said it, whether they're shared ownership or rented, it shouldn't make any difference. Um, so that hasn't been changed. With regards to the educational land, um, I agree it would be um, beneficial to have access from that land to the primary school. Um, the drop-off and um, I also think would be a good idea. However, that doesn't form part of this application. Essex County Council don't want to do that. Um, and they, for development of that site, they would have to submit another application. There'd be another application, and that design would be then considered at that stage. Councillor Freeman, and then Councillor Reeve. Yes, thank you, Madam Chairman. Uh, this, I'm happy to defer to my colleague if he feels that he's next in the queue. I... I didn't see your hand, sorry. Shall I continue? Right, okay. Um, this application has got at least two good points, um, which may sound cynical, but actually sometimes often one sees applications have no good points. Uh, the first good point is a swell, and a swell is a very good thing to have. And in Saffron Warden, which is where I live, uh, we've had a swell uh, in some one of the developments that took place a few years ago. It's basically a watercourse or an area where all sorts of things can grow and develop, and the swell in Saffron Warden has been a huge success in terms of wildlife, uh, unusual butterflies, all sorts of things. So swells are good and this is obviously an example of engagement between the developer which is in case is Bovis and the local council which is also good because very often I've sat in presentations by developers where they tell us exactly what we're going to get and it's all been drawn out already and there we are and it's really just a, a tick box exercise to, have to sit there so this is this is obviously um, a change, and hopefully a change that continues. I have two points to raise. One is if you go to the condition, if you go to the conditions, uh, item, oh, gracious, uh, here we are. Uh, the officer recommended conditions, item 13, on page 79 of my paper copy. Uh, says, prior to occupation, all dwellings with garages and each block of flats shall be provided with electric vehicle charging points. Excellent. Very good. We've finally managed to get this in as a condition. Uh, it's taken quite a number of years to achieve this, but it's the first of several changes which are coming down the line, and I commend the officers for including this. The only point you don't mention how many. So, for example, all dwellings with garages, that's fine, but not all dwellings have garages. So if you don't have a garage, you don't get an electric charging point. I think that's wrong. And each block of flats, again, how many electric charging points? The tendency is towards a large num much larger number, uh, orders of magnitude more electrically powered vehicles, either plug-in 
hybrids or ones that are fully electric. So we need to quantify that. I would ask you to do that by condition. Having one or two per site won't do it. And my final point, which isn't necessarily to do with this application, but it is most certainly to do with the next one, is the Fuller's End pedestrian crossing over the railway line. Um, I'll save my comments on that for the next case. Thank you. Councillor Pavitt. I did press. Yeah, we, <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Chair. Um, yes, having seen this site uh, this morning, uh, when, you, when you view it in isolation, aside of its surrounding considerations, it's rather good. You know, it's, it's, a, it, it's a sloping site, it's got some nice topography, and can be made to be a very attractive place to live. Um, however, subjectively, even when you come down into the access to the site, it doesn't make sense. It's a tiny, narrow road off an area with traffic. And you have to wonder what highways were doing that day when they were considering it. Although I gather it's already consented in terms of access, but I find that bizarre. Um, 821 talks about air quality, and it's already been established that further up in the village they have an air quality issue uh, with nitrous dioxide. Um, nitrous dioxide is heavier than air, and what doesn't seem to be considered here is that this sits in a valley, it sits in a slope, and if, if there's a prevailing wind, I don't know which way it is, but it's going to take the nitrous dioxide and pump it down to those houses sitting in the southwest corner of the site, which would concern me if I lived there, especially with children. Um, one last little comment. Uh, it was just personal interest. Maybe the officers can educate me. 832 talks about lifetime home standards. This is an observation made by the parish council um, that these properties are not lifetime home standard. Um, perhaps I could just be educated as to why they aren't or what the significance is of them not being um, all, all the dwellings will be built to lifetime home standards oh they will, ok they will. well then the parish council obviously need to just, just to clarify that, that, that was a change, uh, originally they weren't but, oh, but okay. that has been changed and condition 22 actually secures them to be M42 which to be honest with you is even it's, higher than yeah. lifetime home standards. It's different, but some of the standards are a lot higher. Thank you. Uh, I'm minded to approve this one. Uh, I should say reluctantly, because it's using up more uh, of our countryside. However, the reason is that it, if it is in our emerging uh, local plan, then that for me is a, uh, uh, a reason yeah, uh, for uh, acceptance of that. The, the, so if that's an, an, an upside, you know, that comes with the, the downside of using up previous uh, countryside uh, protected zone. Uh, on the affordable housing, I think that's very good. And I do like the, uh, the way that they're spread through the, uh, through the development, so, which is something which we don't see too often, and therefore that should be, uh, should be, should be encouraged. On the, so that's a, a, a positive for me. A negative uh, is the car parking. I'm, it wasn't clear to me that there's going to be enough car parking uh, actually on site. There, there are 
going through it, I was getting conflicting uh, messages. So maybe I'm uh, uh, not seeing that uh, correctly, but uh, particularly also in relation to the school and the uh, drop-off, if people are going to go uh, on the uh, south side of the school there, then I'm, I'm not sure that, that that's done well enough, but uh, uh, I would hope so, that it is. A big negative is the, uh, is the traffic has been uh, uh, mentioned uh, by a number of, uh, of, of people. I don't really um, know a solution to that because we live in, in country roads and country lanes and, uh, and uh, every time we build a new house or especially if we build 130 or 200 or 300 then that just makes it worse and worse and worse and I really don't know what to do about that. I hope highways do, uh, but I'm deeply suspicious of, uh, of, of how that's all going to work out. A couple of detailed uh, points. So those are, for me, the sort of pros and cons in my balance leading to be minded to uh, go for approval. There was a, a detailed one of, of the, um, in, in the report, there was mention of, of landslip and I know we're not allowed to ask questions and go into debate uh, about these things, and I just have to trust on the developer Bovis as uh, having the sufficient civil engineering to make sure that that isn't uh, an issue, and I'm assuming that they will tell us that that is the case. Uh, the, uh, the other... Um, uh, question is that I'm not quite sure how the, the, the S106 process works because I, I was impressed with the request from the chair of the parish council to be involved in the 106 development but what I don't know is how, how that works and whether that's possible because I, I think there are a number of things that they may wish to, uh, to go into for example uh, uh, some trees are to be removed are, are they going to be like for like replaced or will there be uh, uh, other replacing and all the other things that I'm sure that the uh, parish council is concerned uh, with, but I, I don't know the process of how that's done. So maybe somebody could enlighten me. Thank you, Madam Chair. Councillor Sutton. Hello. Uh, just very quickly, I wanted to make one point, but it is good to see that the um, that the developers and the parish council are working so well together. That's really good. Um, worry a lot about the road infrastructure in Elsnam, and particularly that road that is actually going to be servicing. You know, that small little road that's going to be servicing all those houses. A bit worried about that. But the thing that I really just wanted to make, just again, the uh, position that Janice made with regard to the CPZ, because um, somehow I just want to record it that my fear for the CPZ with all the planning that's going on. I think we really do need to remember that it's still there out there at the moment and that's all I'll have to say on the matter. Thank you. Yeah. I'll, I'll pick up Councillor Sutton's point because I seem to have been spending the last three committees telling you this is slightly different, this one's slightly different Councillor Sutton. This is slightly different Councillor Sutton but I mean this, this has got a commitment to this particular site in the past uh, and as I outlined, it, it has it has our planning permission but I think picking up the point that, that Councillor Lachlan was saying and I don't, I'm not going to try to I'm trying to untear you, if you like, we'll see what I mean. Into, you can you, try. <laughs> if you said you were torn, 
Um, this is contrary to policy. This is contrary to, it is within the CPZ, it is in the open countryside, and that's called the tilted balance issue. And therefore, against that needs to be weighed the, the and we're not, we're not contesting that this is not contrary to policy. But there is clear benefits from this proposal in terms of what's going forward. And I would go as far as to say this is quite, not only is this an exemplar way in which a developer has worked with the parish council and the local community, is also an exemplar scheme. It is a very good scheme. And a lot of the issues that we've had and the delay that we've had in the provision that has been problems in the actual coming forward of the scheme. And that's all I was going to say. I will pick, sorry, just before Councillor Locke comes back, I just want to answer Councillor Reeves' question about the 106 process. Um, what, there, is a, there is a commitment from officers to involve the community continuing forward, and uh, we will continue that commitment going forward. What actually happens now, we, if members resolve to approve planning permission today, the Section 106 will start being produced. There's quite a lot of stuff within that 106 that will involve the parish in terms of the open space provision, the community facility provision. This is what I considered the long-lost third sister of the three schemes that Elsenham had in the very beginning, uh, two of which have, which have almost completed on the site. This was the third sister that was going to contribute the extra one-third contribution towards the community facility. So already we'll be having the implementation of the current 106s that we've got within them and also this particular application. And so, so, so that there will be a commitment moving forward. And I would say, and I would compliment again Bovis's team that they have worked very closely with the parish in terms of moving forward in terms of that. So that will continue. Um, I'll let Councillor Lachlan come back, then Fairhurst, Pavitt and Freeman. Okay, thank you. I hate to disappoint you. <laughs> uh, you haven't untorn me. It's a brilliant scheme. I didn't say it wasn't. I like the layout. I like the 40% affordable, which we always ask for any application anyway. This is no exception. But when I have worked on the local plan for several years now, the old one and the new one, uh, and the old one we actually left, but that's another story. Um, and it went out to consultation, the Countryside Protection Zone, and officers felt so strongly, as did the consultants, that we should keep it, and it was put again in the emerging local plan. So it is probably one of our strongest policies. And recently, we've had several applications where things are creeping into the countryside protection zone. Uh, last time we had a small development, which the village wanted because they wanted to regenerate the village, and I could understand that. But this is not some small little village somewhere. This is 130 houses with all the problems that come with that, with, with pollution, with extra cars, uh, and and it's just an encroachment into the countryside that is gradually being eroded in this area. And I'm just afraid that we're saying, oh, well, we need these houses. We haven't got a five-year land supply. Let's just put them here, there, or everywhere. And I'm sorry, I just will never agree with that. Um, Councillor Fairhurst, if you will forgive me, I have neglected to miss Councillor Stora off. So I do apologise, Councillor Stora. Thank you, Chair. I forgive you. <laughs> Um, I'd like to refer members, if I may, to section 6 of the case officer's report, the relevant site history. And I find myself reiterating uh, what Mr. Brown has just said. This site had the benefit of planning permission, had. Outline permission was granted for 130 dwellings. That has now lapsed. But barristers could make an argument 
for and against to make a great deal of money in arguing the case that the principle's been established. But, to quote uh, a friend of mine, we are where we are. You will notice from that section that, well, the answer to the question, why is it lapsed? That's because developers have had three goes in the meantime at getting details approved. Once for 116, once for 124, and for 130 dwellings, all of which were refused, two of which were dismissed at appeal. So what I'd like to do, if I may chair through you, is to ask the, the case officer, to what extent are we satisfied that those reasons for refusal have now been overcome, and that hence, in the eyes of inspectors, this site is potentially acceptable, or the, rather the details of this site, given this is a full application as distinct from an outline, is uh, likely to be acceptable to all and sundry. Thank you. Ms Jones? Yeah. Um, the appeal decisions have been looked at in detail and um, were quoted at pre-application stage to the developer of what they had to overcome. We went through and said the main issues were biodiversity, um, drainage and the design of the houses. The whole scheme is completely different to what those schemes that have been dismissed at appeal. The um, size of the houses has been changed. They had three-storey houses. They've now the highest is two and a half. Um, this has got more bungalows. The, um, all of the houses now meet the parking amenity standards. They didn't before. The central um, area here, the green corridor, has been enhanced and widened. Um, it hasn't overcome fully the inspector's concerns about a con continuous green um, corridor. But, sorry, but it is considered it's the best um, solution that could be achieved on site. Um, the buffer at the, end, at the south of the site has been increased. Um, the leap and the laps um, have been increased in size because the original um, outline application, the leap and lap indicative sites were larger than what was shown on the following DFO applications um, this has now increased those the, the leap to 400 square meters whereas previously it was only 200 um, all the veteran trees now going to be retained whereas they were before going to be um, some of them were going to go and also the, the housing mix is far better okay thank you so you are satisfied that the the reasons, previous reasons for refusal are now effectively overcome? On balance, yes. Fine, thank you. Just first a question there. With regard to that question, how was the inspector's um, findings on the CPZ handled? How, what, what have we done about that? They, at the time, the outline application was still extant. So the principle of the development was acceptable. Yeah, that's an issue. It is an issue. 
We have a proposal on the table, and that is to refuse. And the reasons I understand where your CPZ development in CPZ. Um, I'm not sure you are. I'm going to second that. Sorry, I mean, let's be, we've discussed this at length. This is the CPZ. I thought, you know, on balance is worthwhile, it's 130 houses, it's needed, the horse is bolted. But we haven't addressed the CPZ issue at all, really. Um, there are issues of, 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 of air quality. There are issues of, of, of cumulative impact on the, on the town. We are told 66% increase. That's a huge amount. You know, Councillor Gerard isn't with me now, but he'd be talking about Newport, or you know he would. Um, it's, it's a big deal. This adds up. And so I'm happy to second Councillor Lachlan's proposal. Councillor Lemon. Thank you. Uh, yes, I'm finding this quite a difficult one. Um, there's certainly a lot of good things going on, particularly seeing, uh, again, I should say, the Parish Council and, and Bovis working together. That is brilliant. Um, they've tried, everybody, I think, has tried their best to find solutions on this. Um, I'm not convinced that they've actually got over the, the, the other applications that were refused. They're, I don't think they've gone far enough yet. Um, the solutions that have been put forward that we've heard, I don't really think um, overcome the pressures on the community and the countryside. But as I say, I'm still, I'm still not sure. Um, it's a very difficult one. And, um, I'm going to think a few more minutes on it, but it's the pressure on the community that I, I'm concerned about. Mr. Brown, you want to come back? Members, I'm sorry, I'm just going to have to come back on this. This is, this is probably one of the best schemes I've ever presented to this planning committee. And, and I think members and members, I'm, I'm, the site lies within the countryside planning protection zone. It's a draft allocation, and I pick up what Councillor Lachlan says. It's a draft allocation, and we don't know what's going to happen with the local plan. But as part of the proposal, in terms of trying to plan this scheme and trying to plan the district, parts of the countryside protection zone, whilst we were enhancing the countryside protection zone and considering it, whether it was worthy, and it's quite clearly fit for purpose in terms of where it's going, we also had to allocate on draft allocate and consider sites that were appropriate to be taken out of the CPZ. And that's what's been proposed within the local plan in terms of an allocation. Currently, it's contrary to countryside perception zone. Every application you are going to be having in front of you in terms of this type of development is going to be contrary to policy on the whole, because we haven't got brownfield sites within settlements, we haven't got enough sites. Now, hang on, Councillor, but this is contrary to policy. You're going to have to approve development that's contrary to policy. And I can guarantee you're not likely to see a site better than this one in terms of a scheme. The benefits are more than just the affordable housing. The affordable housing and the education contributions are what this provision, and the health provisions, is what this development has to provide. It doesn't have to provide the land for the school, that is additional. That is additional. It's still compliant and it's related to it. And the school being next to it shows that it's, slight, it's, it's sustainable in its location. Secondly, it's providing one third of a contribution to a community, community facility that at the moment is held up because we want to know whether or not this, what they've got in terms of the development is what they've got or whether this is going to be an additional contribution towards it. That is waiting to come out of the ground in terms of waiting to happen, to contributions to be, to be addressed. And so, but it is contrary to policy. So members need to make that decision in terms of tilted. If you're going to refuse applications because they're contrary to policy whilst we're in this 
this period that we've been in for far too long, then we are in a very difficult position. It's called the tilted balance. The benefits from this proposal are astronomical. It's contrary to policy in terms of CPZ, but that is, I'm not dismissing the CPZ proposal. So if you're torn, you need to consider the proposals and its benefits. I would be really concerned moving forward. Councillor Pavitt. Thank you, Chair. Um, yes, I hear everything Mr. Brown says, and, and, and we clearly are going to be having to make some hard decisions. But in the context of this extremely good proposal as a site, we can't accept it if it's going to have a cumulative impact on the remainder of the community, which clearly traffic-wise it would appear it's going to have. And I continue, I'll go back to 821 and the air quality. You know, I, I, it, it, to me, it's a serious concern. You know, the air quality in that area is already compromised. Um, and there is a recommendation here from the Parish Council that there should be um, ongoing monitoring. Um, I would suggest specifically in close to this site. So, I mean, if this is going to be, Mr. Brown has gone away, but I'm going to try and the <laughs> officer if if this is going to be consented then I think it needs an attachment a condition, condition. that there is yeah. NO2 monitoring close to the site and soon I'm going to be honest I was listening to you <laughs> <laughs> and Karen I was listening to you <laughs> um, so first of all yes the answer to that question is we can we can work out a suitable condition on that basis in terms of ongoing air quality provision I'm going back to the CPZ again now because I mean what what the as part of the CPZ review it was it was it was proposed as part of the CPZ review to consider moving the northern boundary of the parcel to the line of the railway line where itself could prevent the outward spread of development from the... Unfortunately, that doesn't help the later site, but it does help this one. So the proposal is to move the countryside presentation zone to, to the railway line. So therefore, it's taken this particular site outside the countryside protection zone. That is part of the countryside protection zone review. So the countryside protection zone is to, to propose to take it out as part of that function. And you always hear my terms, the CPZ has been reviewed, there was a proposal to put a bit, a bit in and take a bit out. This was one of the proposals that was proposed to be taken out because it didn't fulfil that function. But it can't be confirmed because the local plan will be confirming it. So as part of a CPZ review, this site has been considered not providing that particular, you know, hasn't been provided to provide that functioning. So therefore, it is considered to remove it from the countryside protection zone. Councillor Freeman, yes, first Madam then. Chairman, thank you for letting me come back. Um, uh, a couple of points, one in particular. I've looked and I've tried to find the documents, but they're not available on the system. Um, there is no provision in this development, and I'm mindful of voting in favour of it, because I think on, on its highly tilted balance, if you know anything about balances, actually you don't ever make them tilt, you put them on a dead flat, so don't let that worry you. This tilted balance, which we're told is you know, the excuse for doing this, uh, we don't have any, um, we, we seem to have made no concessions or contributions towards um, making these low energy homes. They were built according to building standards, but that would be that. We don't have any solar panels that I can see. For example, uh, I try to find elevations on the web, but I can't see them. Uh, so we ought to be doing that, because they're fairly cheap to fit, uh, especially at the build stage. Uh, and they do make a contribution to reducing the carbon footprint 
of air electricity. So I would like to see that. And also, I pointed out to you about the... There are no metrics on the number of electricity charging points. Can I have an undertaking that they will be... Uh, numerical value will be put on these because we've, it's not a discussion. I'd like to see actually some sort of statement that we will condition this in some quantitative way, please. Notwithstanding whatever you're going to vote, what, what would you suggest is what I was going to say because we've got prior to occupation of all dwellings with garages and each block of flats should be provided with electric vehicle charging points. My suggestion would be uh, that sufficient for one half of the parking spaces provided for those flats should have vehicle charging points and obviously every garage that would be a minimum standard with with respect to the off road with off provided parking spots that you provide a 50 percent have charging points that would be that would be a generous uh, so, it's, so it's related to the parking spaces rather than the amount of dwellings yeah yeah i think so i think so because you've got to park your car to charge it. But the solar panels are something which I see no reference to them here. They're easy to install, they're cheap to install, they make a positive contribution to the reduction of the carbon footprint of air electricity. They're worth having. <coughs> Councillor Lachlan. Yes. Thank you. Well, i banging on about this again. One of the differences between members and officers, you're a professional planning officer. When we have our training we are told that we must act according to policy. Now, I don't know what's going to happen in the future with the local plan, and I'm not even going to guess. All I know at the moment is this is contrary to policy, and a very strong policy, and that is my point. We have a blooming great airport on our doorstep, and one of the reasons that we introduced and I think it was the Secretary of State at the time, introduced the Countryside Protection Zone because he said he would refuse planning permission. I think this was to the 8 million if we didn't do that. And that is to mitigate the effects of those at the airport. And although this site is not that particularly close to the airport, it is the, it is the Countryside Protection Zone brought in to mitigate the effects of the airport. And it is very relevant policy, and it's relevant now. Just wanted to make that point. Sorry. Through the chair, um, policy also includes the national planning policy framework, which says that where you haven't got a five-year land supply, you have the tilty balance. So that is policy too. It's not just the local plan you have in front of you. No, no, but that's, that's what I'm saying. That's trying to comfort members that the, 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 we're not alone in this five-year land supply and slightly out-of-date local plan, but the MPPF is so, therefore, you could argue that it is contrary to the local plan policies, but the MPPS, BPF does say that we need to be balancing, tilted balance, etc., etc. So that is part of the policy, too. It does, but that's all I'm saying. So just because it's contrary to policy does not mean to say you should just be automatically refusing it. That's all I'm saying. Councillor Fairhurst. Thank you, Madam Chairman, for letting me come back. Um, we want to work together. I think there's a deal in here somewhere. The big issue is the CPZ. That's going to be a stumbling block for me. But we've been offered a, a lifeline of sorts by the officers. We've been told that this is a brilliant scheme and the CPZ is something we can move. And I trust him. If we were to move the CPZ and find more space like for like, 
I know there'd be more people in this room prepared to vote for this. If we can build some kind of note about the drop-off when we finish the school and we fix that process, people are going to like this more. If we start looking at a condition of some sort about energy-neutral building of houses, we're going to win more votes. If we have a note somewhere with our officers that Elsinum is a special case and the cumulative effect has to be considered in future applications, we're going to find more friends. If we have a measurement on site of NO2 levels that people can watch, just in case things exceed those numbers, we're going to get a unanimous vote here. This is some, I think we've got to work together to find a solution. So as you see, my question now, is, through Chair, is to the officers. If you can bring those things to us to a certain level of safety, I would be, I would be happy to, to ask the, 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 the promoter of the motion to withdraw the motion to refuse. Give them a moment. You, would you like to come back on that, Mr. Brown? There are some matters that are within members' gift if you approve planning permission. One of those is the planning condition regarding the NOT. We can do that. We can, we can do that. In terms of Councillor Freeman's suggestion, in terms of increasing the amount of um, electric charging points on individual car parking spaces, that's a bit tight in terms of the design of the proposal, isn't it? Just, I'll come back on that other issues, but I'll ask about that. I, I did ask the uh, developer this morning about that, whether it was possible if we could um, increase the numbers. And because of the layout um, where the parking spaces are, if we were to do that, the um, cables and things would have to go under the road and under um, walkways, and he said that would be a problem. That's what happens, Madam Chairman. Maintenance. Mm. I personally don't see that as a problem no, I but, I do, but, I, but I, obviously that's an issue ongoing for the County Highways Authority in terms of adoption so all I'm saying is an unknown issue it's an unknown issue moving forward in terms of moving forward with solutions in terms of energy efficiency within the properties um, we haven't got any of those on there and so therefore you, I would argue you need to consider what's in front of you but there could be an option to suggest a condition which actually suggests that a scheme comes back forward in terms of enhancing energy efficiency, including provision of um, you know, renewable energy within the site as well as a proposal prior to any development as an additional condition. Um, so that is an option going forward. Um, now, obviously, that is a condition that will be submitted and we need to, to move that on. You could say in consultation with the, you know, whoever you want. You know, so that's within your gift to do it. I'm sorry, I think, hopefully, I have picked those things, all the stuff that Councillor Fair has mentioned. Sorry, I did, I did include drop-off, some kind of understanding yeah. about drop-off, um, about measuring NO2, um, and some kind of note on our files about the cumulative effect of development at Elsnum. Um, and, of course, the CPZ is the one that's going to be the deal-breaker, isn't it? I, I would suggest CPZ isn't the deal-breaker because, as for what I just suggest, that the, the recommendation in the review of the CPZ was to remove this piece of land from the CPZ because it wasn't functioning as part of the CPZ. And so, therefore, but that hasn't been enacted because of the local plan, but the fact is the evidence base is the CPZ's review. And the fact is, you know, so that, that is the basis. We're arguing that the CPZ, quite rightly is being invigorated by the CPZ review, 
but just the same in that same review also goes through individual parcels of land and removes some and this is one of the pieces of land it was suggesting to remove so i don't think the cpz is necessarily a breaker um the other issue regarding the drop-off point at the school um that is within our gift too well it's in it's not within our gift it's within the county council county as the planning authority's gift but we have got the object we've got the right when and I know Stansford have had this issue with a, with a new school proposed within their, village, within their things, which we didn't get in front of. But in this particular proposal, first of all, there is a note that we can put on any planning permission to, to actually indicate. And this is not aimed at Bovis. It's aimed through Bovis to the County Council, if you like, um, that we would, you know, the, the local authority would, in, would, well, the local, you know, there is, a, there is an expectation of some sort of drop-off point at that school. Um, and then we will be faced with an application for whatever they want to do on that school and we will be a consultee to it. And uh, so the ultimate sanction we have as a council is to object to that, moving that forward, and we've got the right to appear at the county's planning committee on that basis. But I think to highlight that as a note is not a bad thing. Yes, yeah, so I think we can put a condition on, on any approval to request some sort of monitoring going on on that particular site or in accordance with a scheme in consultation with environmental health team. Councillor Keaton. Can I, can I just come back on the NO2 thing? Because I'm, the actual diffusion tubes that the measurements are made are actually in Grove Hill in Stansted. And the one quoted in the report as being uh, exceeding the WHO um, limits was actually an outlier it then they're not normally at that, that level so something clearly climatic had happened on on that during that three months that had been the diffusion things were operating so let's not take that figure as illustrative of what's the level normally it is lower than the uh, WHO um, figure or target um, but I, I do accept that we need to be looking at a cumulative impact of house development in Elsdom. They've had more than their fair share uh, of development um, in the last few years um, and there are a lot more coming down the line um, and I think you know it might, it might be a good strategy to allow a very good pro, pro, project through before you get a number of less good projects coming down the line in the next few months. Okay, I think, I think we're going to close the discussion there and go to a vote. So we have a proposal of refusing the, refusing the Janus Sorry, Councillor Lachlan, sorry. Can you hear me, Councillor Lachlan? Yep. Your, your, good. <laughs> your proposal to, was re, to refuse the... Well, no, it's fine. You've got to go. You put, put, your, put, your, put your mic on. Aye. Yes. This is the easy bit. What's, what's the proposed reasons? I think you said S7. S7 and S8. Yes, that's what I thought. Right, Okay. And Councillor Fairhurst, are you still seconding it, Councillor Fairhurst? 
provided there's an understanding that the CPZ will be shifted away from this process and allow us more space, I would withdraw my second to this. Okay. Sorry. That is the proposal within the, within the CPZ review, was to remove this site from the CPZ. Okay. Sorry? Add it somewhere else. You're not losing land. It's not a, it's not a, it's not a, yeah, so there, there is an additional parcels in the CPC said review have included other sites, but on this particular site, it has been, you know, as part of the review was withdrawn. Sorry, I, I, I can't understand the question. That's what I'm trying to, trying to get. The point for me is we're here to protect the countryside. That's bottom line, as I understand it. And that seems to be the hard issue, the fundamental part of the proposal. Um, and I'm minded to support protecting the countryside. If I felt that there was a review of this particular site to, to abandon it to, the, to, to, to lose the protection of countryside, but I felt that that review would not lose countryside in itself because you'd be making up elsewhere, then I'd feel more comfortable about it. But to erode the countryside by, by giving more and more pieces away is, is the problem we're trying to face. So on that basis, I, I'm afraid I second the motion. So we have a proposal to refuse the proposal to ex, um, approve. Yes, is that so right? It's an application. It's a proposal, proposal to, to refuse. refuse. Yes. All those in favour of refusing this application? One, two. Thank you. All those in favour? Oh, do I have to? I need All a new. All those against. Um, refusing. Sorry, can I ask a clarification one? And because if you have a motion to refuse, then the S106 conditions are irrelevant. If that's turned we, down, what happens yeah. next? We can go Sorry, for another fair, proposal. Fair point, fair point. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, I, I think we probably should have done this before we voted on it. Um, I would have asked Councillor Lachlan to include the lack of 106 package as a refusal reason as well. So, sorry, that, that was a good point. And so, 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 and I think I would probably fix, so carry on with the vote. And it, look, it looks like it's going to be defeated, but we still need to go through this. You never know. <laughs> Councillor Lachlan, can I suggest that as part of your, your proposal to refuse, you include the lack of the 106 proposals, because then that mops up everything else. Because as a result of that, if we had an appeal, that would come forward. Yes, I agree. Potentially. I'm sorry to be really stupid. I don't understand. Does that mean that if uh, is there going to be a second vote with the yes. motion that it be that it, it be accepted? Yeah. That would well, be a separate may. thing later. Yes. 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 Okay. First of all, we have to go for the refusal bit. Yes. So, all those against the refusal. <laughs> One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Thank you. I take another proposal then from somebody? Yeah. Oh. Well, I would like to propose that it's accepted, uh, but with that range of uh, additions to the 106 being included. And I, I, yeah. I've lost track of them. Yeah, all, I'll just clarify. There's so many of them. I mean, yes. that, does that include the. I would suggest, in terms of the. I mean, Councillor Freeman's point about the, um, the scheme for the. Um, 
the charging points, that we have a scheme for, this, for the proposal of, this, of the charging points with a note to say we would increase that, we would prefer that to be more than, rather than, I don't think we can give a numerical one on the hoof on that basis. So we have a scheme for the charging points with a note to actually say we will be envisaging um, the provision of more than one per dwelling, is what you're basically saying. Secondly, I don't know if members are still mindful that they want the monitoring the NOT proposals. That, I think that clearly is the issue. And then there was the third issue which Councillor Fairhurst raised was regarding the environmental parts of the, in terms of the provision of um, uh, renewable energy solutions. A scheme for the inclusion of that within the scheme should be submitted prior to development. And then finally, there's the notes regarding the um, ongoing use of the land, which is an informative, to be honest, but we will make that clear going through to the county. Councillor Pavitt, do you have can something I, else? Is it possible to add a fifth one where we, we can somehow strengthen the question of mitigating the traffic effects? Because otherwise we're just going to hand the community another big problem. Unless we can somehow build into it how we can strengthen that mitigation. Um, sorry, I'm, I'm looking at the 106 proposals at the moment. And I think, I'm thinking here not in terms of offset or being given an extra contribution to something, but something actually that tangibly improves the traffic situation. Yeah, I mean, it is representations to Essex, but the obviously part of the section 106... Uh, heads of terms, which are mentioned on page 74, um, is the financial contributions to enhance bus... I'm, sorry, I'm not dissing this issue, but the issue is in terms of the financial contributions to enhance bus services, which is obviously uh, a mitigation to try to encourage the use of sustainable transport, is what that... And that is quite a substantial amount of money towards a bus service. So that's what's currently on the table in terms of mitigation... To try to, to try to reduce the amount of, and that's what the County Council has requested as part of the mitigation process. So, so I don't know what else members would suggest. Well, the Parish Council clearly aren't happy about what's going happening at the top of the hill. Um, and I, I, would, I would hate to be responsible for walking them into a traffic nightmare up there. That's very subjective, Nigel, I'm sorry. But, I mean, given that the Parish Council are, are supportive of this, and I think it's, it's more we, can, we could possibly help I don't, with representations to county and help them possibly with representations to county. And I think, don't we, don't we need the note about... I've just forgotten. Um, the, um, the, all the... the the drop-off at the yeah, school the, as well. Yeah, sorry, yeah. sorry, pick of that issue. The, yeah, the drop-off issue was an informative as part of the informing the county about that issue yeah. and also making sure that we pick that up when we get the consultation on the application. On the mitigation issues, and back to the very early point that we had discussed in terms of, and this is without any promises, obviously any discussions, because the, the parish council have raised similar issues on air quality issues moving forward that you have raised today. And as part of the 106 package, we need to be looking about whether there is any other options that we can do as part of that 106 package. Can I just come in? I mean, there is the, can we not ask the uh, Essex Highways to look at a 
and a different kind of traffic management or traffic light system, particularly going down the hill from Elsnam, because that's where the issue of of the kind of kind of queues get. It's going down the hill, which is the, the issue. So, as I mentioned, possibly a, a, a two-light system. Let's, let's try and get it on their agenda. Because, um, uh, you know, at the moment, we always seem to be getting, oh, uh, well, there's not any problem. You know, the traffic lights are working. Well, those of us who use them quite frequently yeah. know they're not 100% efficient. Councillor Keaton, sorry. Councillor Keaton, I think that's actually... I quite agree with you, but I think that's actually a place for somewhere else, isn't it? Yeah, I agree. Yeah, but it's, it's we've got to work with we've got to work with Essex County Council again for that, really. We do, but as, as part of the as, as part of the finishing off the flying detail of the mitigation parts of the section 106, um, we would be working with the parish council in terms of that basis, in terms of moving it forward. But it is basically a bigger consideration for somewhere else uh, because, it, yeah, so we will be doing that. Okay, let's, let's take this vote. So um, we have Councillor Reeve proposed. Do we have a seconder, please, for that? Councillor Stora, thank you very much. All those in favour of this to approve this application? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Thank you. And all those against this approve to approve in this application. That's two against. Thank you. That's that's been approved. Thank you. Can I suggest a five minute yes. break? Yes, yes, I was just about to say. We'll take a five minute break. Thank you.
Everybody in the room? Are we all in the room? Oh, Jack! Oh, I've got to wait for. I've got to wait for Ma- Maggie. She's upstairs.
she's coming. Okay. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. <coughs> Moving on to UTT 190437, Outline Planning Permission, land south of Rush Lane. And it's Clive Theobald. Thank you very much, Mr Theobald. Thank you. For housekeeping, the council has received a late subrep from the clerk of Elsenham Parish Council, dated 4th November, relating to the ongoing highway problems associated with Grove Hill, which you've heard previously, and in particular in response to the upgraded traffic signal system and how the traffic light changes are or are not addressing the problem, with particular reference to a requested meeting with Essex County Council Highways on this particular issue. Um, this remains outstanding as a uh, 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 an item. So, this application, which is outline, relates to the erection of up to 40 dwellings with all matters reserved except for access. Layout was a matter to be considered with principle, although this matter has now been withdrawn from the planning consideration process for this outline application, following a decision by the applicant to elect for layout now to be included at reserved matters stage. However, this parameter site plan, which I showed you at the uh, members' uh, site meeting this morning, has been submitted to show indicatively the various component parts of the proposed development, namely the housing zone, which is in uh, uh, sort of magnolia yellow, <laughs> route of access into the site, which is the dotted arrowed line, a lap which is subject to change on detailed layout, a drainage attenuation scheme, which you can see in the uh, bottom of the site, hatched in blue, and a wildlife corridor to include a reptile uh, translocation site for slow worms and retention of a public footpath which crosses the site, which is all in that green corridor, as you can see although it is understood that members have been sent a more detailed indicative site layout plan, which was originally considered by your officers, um, by the applicant's agent, uh, for their information on how layout could have been in terms of more detailed consideration. Now, means of access to the site has been shown through a stage one safety audit to be satisfactory in highway terms, subject to highway mitigation measures being implemented as part of the scheme, which, as I explained to members uh, this morning, you can't really pick up on this plan, it's a bit too small, um, but I demonstrated that that would be by a combination of increasing the width of the carriageway of Rush Lane to the east of the access point, which you naturally pick up in the solid uh, black line uh, which is here and it runs around arcing there whereby it will be 5.5 uh, but on a 5.8 uh, measurement there to allow for increased radii and also the provision of the uh, public footpath extending around onto Rush Lane which would then face on to a tactile crossing point, which is this square nib you can see there. Um, now, the purpose of that would be to control driver behaviour uh, to slow down the traffic in a natural way. 
Um, and that would also allow for safe access by traffic to include refuse and emergency vehicles to access the development, which you can see by uh, the, the blue vehicle here, which is showing by the tracking how it would be able to um, uh, access the site. Uh, now, just to show you those photographs, uh, that is Robin Hood Road, as you'll recall, uh, coming down on the bus with the entrance into Rush Lane. Uh, similarly, opposite, continuing down to the railway crossing. That's obviously turning into Rush Lane with the housing development uh, on Rush Lane on the right-hand side. And that's a view looking from Robin Hood Road down the site towards um, the wood and the Stansted Brook and the railway line, which would also be where a tunnel may be introduced. I'll come on to that. So the report before you makes the case, as officers, that the site is located within a sustainable location um, relative to local services, whereby this site also is a housing allocation site within the council's draft local plan, which you can see in the report where it's actually tabulated, which in so doing has removed the site from the countryside protection zone following the council's 2016 study, which examined this particular site as having a, a, a low grade value in terms of its contribution to the zone and I know you've heard this uh, subject previously. I don't want to particularly go on about that. But suffice to say, as I've copied into uh, the report, uh, the reason why it says that, and that is on page 110 to 111. Um, and in so doing, the, the draft local plan would, in, would extend the limits of the settlement boundary down to the railway line, as being a defendable uh, barrier to the open countryside beyond. And that the site would have the capacity to accommodate up to 40 dwellings to reflect a previous call for sites process for the draft local plan. Um, subject to detailed layout considerations to be addressed at reserve matter stage, including site density, parking and amenity standards. The applicant has confirmed uh, that 40% affordable housing provision will be provided for the scheme, um, although the, uh, the actual housing tenure, which was actually set out for when it was up to a 44 dwelling scheme for this site, and has now been pushed back to up to 40 because of site density. Um, that hasn't been reviewed by the um, affordable housing officer um, because of the change in quantum, but that could be subject to, I understand, uh, a flexible wording within a Section 106 agreement. And that a balanced housing mix would be provided between two, three and four uh, bedroom dwellings. Uh, the applicant is very much aware of the need request by Elson and Parish Council to provide more bungalows for uh, the parish uh, and that would be subject again 
to something at detailed stage when the actual housing mix was shown. So the, uh, that has been um, addressed as far as it can be at this outline stage. It is therefore recommended, Chair, that the application be approved, subject to a Section 106 agreement to cover matters relating to affordable housing, uh, education, such maintenance for the attenuation basin, and also public transport financial contribution to an enhanced local bus service for the area, similar to the previous scheme you just heard, uh, where the applicant has agreed the full cost of that commuted sum in the interest of sustainable transport to mitigate against increased car usage along Grove Hill and the associated air quality impacts that might have. Thank you, Chair. Thank you very much, Mr Theobald. Um, I'm sorry, I should have said this at the beginning. Um, Councillor LeCount um, left the committee room because he has recused himself from this application, from this planning application. And also, um, it's um, my intention that we will probably only take, not probably, we will only take this committee to 7 o'clock this evening because, as you would appreciate, um, we can only go on so long um, with um, this today. Um, so around seven o'clock, we will probably finish today, this evening, um, at whichever application we're at, unless we perhaps only got one or two left and then we will go to the end. Um, so I'd just like to warn anybody who's later on in the, in the application list. So going on to um, the speakers, we have Councillor Lees to speak. Thank you, Madam Chair. I'll keep it brief if you want to finish by seven. <laughs> the, obviously, this is another application in Elstom, and it was um, really pleasing, actually, to see the committee debating well and has read all the information about the application beforehand because the application was right, it did have a good mix, and we were pleased to see their affordable housing in different ways, obviously, in the countryside. This, of course, is going to be a little bit easier for you, isn't it, because this planning application in relation is pretty poor. Uh, doesn't have any of the attributes that the other application had. I'm not going to go and reiterate all of those. I'm sure you've read your papers and, and you've seen the objections that I think last nine pages, page 90 to page 98. The other thing is, is we hear that this is in the draft local plan. However, I need to emphasise to you that this is the draft local plan. It isn't in the local plan. And that wouldn't it be a travesty of justice, because we do believe in Alstom that we have given excellent salient points why this is not to be approved. Wouldn't it be a travesty of justice that if it was approved here today and the letter from the inspector comes next week yes. saying we've taken that out because we've read those 10 pages from Elston Parish Council and those points were magnificent and we agree with them. So I would really like you, when you are looking at considering this application, to think about that in the fact that personally I think it's a poor application and professionally I think it's a poor application. And if I just would like, I know I've got the chairman of the parish council and he's going to use all his five minutes, so I'm going to stop in a minute. But I would just like to say, I would like to know where they got those photographs from 
for Robin Hood Road today because if any of you went to the visit in Robin Hood Road today, I've lived in Elston for 24 years, I've only walked down there looking like that all at about six o'clock on a Sunday morning, would you say? And that's with my dog in time, you know, a 9.19 on... Is that a Sunday? It has to be a Sunday. Can you confirm it was a Sunday? Could also... But what time was it then? 9.19. Well, that was a lucky day. That was a lucky day. I think we all have... Those people behind me who live there will have plenty of photographs that you had a lucky day. Anyway, I'm going to go now because I've got people behind me. But thank you very much for listening, and I do hope you take that into consideration. Thank you very much, Councillor Lees. Um, now, um, I have Victoria Farrell again. No? No. Um, Alan Hathaway. Thank you, Madam Chair and members. Um, I have two points I'd like to raise today. I live in Robin Hood Road, opposite the proposed development site, and I am aware of numerous freshwater springs that are running through the fields. The supply of water is such that I was informed by the owner of the fields that he does not need to be connected to Maine's water as he uses this spring system as his main water supply. The fact that every day you can hear the waters rushing towards Stansted Brook makes it obvious that there are substantial springs running through, the, excuse me, through these two fields. On a variety of occasions over the time I have lived here, the road has been flooded by these springs, finding their way out of the ground. Indeed, the last house near the railway line currently has a spring escaping from the vicinity of its driveway, which runs down the road 24-7 and you may well have seen that today. Should this area be built on, then the displacement of these springs could be devastating to the properties along the northeastern part of the development. The fields already have boggy areas, and these are not confined to any one part, as the walkers who use the footpath that runs through the field can corroborate how difficult this can be. And I can only find minimal mention of the springs in all the paperwork. My conclusion is this is not, therefore, a suitable site to develop on. My second point is the lower portion of Robin Hood Road has five Grade II lift listed properties built circa 1700s, and they are all very close to the road. One, in fact, is right on the roadside. These properties could sustain damage by the nine months or so of heavy vehicles passing in both directions, as I am led to believe that the four thatched dwellings have limited or no substantial footings to support them. Therefore, with lorries to the front, in addition to the regular trains to the rear, there could be some serious damage to these properties. Indeed, properties that should be protected by their listing with Historic England. Not forgetting that there will be permanent increase in traffic caused by a development in this area, which could also add stress on these buildings, as well as stress to the residents of Robin Hood Road and all those using the double roundabouts at the entrance of Robin Hood Road. I would ask a question um, additionally to that, is why has this been taken out of the CPZ? Thank you.
Thank you. Thank you very much, Mr. Hathaway. Um, I now have either Gloria or Anthony Easton. Thank you very much, Mrs. Easton. Thank you, Madam Chair. Team. Um, four minutes is not a long time to talk about this development, which will change lives of us residents in this section of Elsenham. And my main opinion objections are Robin Hood Road is certainly not wide enough at the top to get lorries down it. It, it needs... Um, uh, presently, if it goes ahead, even the rubbish um, clearance at the moment, it may, has to mount the pavement um, to make some of his collections, which case causes to the um, people that are walking by on the pavements. We have five listed <coughs> cottages in Robin Hood Road, and also the site to this actual will um, damage and suggest that the site and traffic is unacceptable. Going on previous experience in the village, drainage would be a serious effect to this area by the silt and the cement that previous developers in this village who have just hosed down into unsatisfactory existing drains causing flooding. And lastly, our wildlife is being pushed further and further out of this area. Slowworms, deer, bats, hedgehogs are all being pushed away. Surely, development in Elsham, we already have a serious infrastructure problem of access. Should this, improve, should this be improved and gaining more with diesel, petrol, pollution and all these extra pro properties, please say no to this development. Thank you, Madam Chair. Thank you very much, Mrs. Hath um, Mrs. Easton. Um, Councillor Mott. Uh, Madam Chairman, it's my pleasure to address you again as the Chairman of Elston Parish Council. Um, the officer's report mentions that this site is included in the local plan proposals. Uh, when the inspectors eventually reach the Phase 2 hearings on site allocations, the Parish Council will contend strongly that the inclusion of this site cannot be justified and there is little reason to doubt that the inspectors will support that view. In December 2014, the then local plan inspector rejected the draft plan which included a large new development in Elsnam in terms which made clear that he regarded any further development in the village as unsustainable. Elsnam, he reported, and I quote, Elsnam cannot overcome the connectivity disadvantages of its location. End of quote. In the period since then, a further 555, uh, sorry, 550, let me not exaggerate, 550 houses at Elsnam have either been built or approved. I include the 130 for Bovis Homes, which you uh, agreed uh, uh, earlier. It is not a case, Madam Chairman, of another 130 here, another 100 or so there. Oh, and here's just another 40. That won't make much difference, will it? No, 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 no. That is the wrong approach. It is the cumulative effect which is important. The local plan inspector's view was supported by the planning inspector who rejected an appeal concerning a large site in Elsnam and his view was endorsed by the Secretary of State in 2016. The Parish Council maintains that the amount of new housing already approved in the village is excessive 
and we point to two government inspectors and the Secretary of State in support. Central to these findings is the very difficult road access to Elstham, particularly the main route via Grove Hill, Lower Street and Chapel Hill in Stanford Mount Fetchit, which I attempted to summarise with regard to the previous application. <coughs> Suffice to say now that the intractable difficulties with that route, especially the Grove Hill traffic lights controlling one-way working near to park cars, are such that it must be regarded as already at capacity and recent changes to the phasing of the traffic lights have not helped. And in answer to uh, Councillor Caton um, at the end of your previous discussion, well, it is on Essex Highway's agenda. They have made changes to the phasing of the traffic lights and it does not help. It might help marginally coming down the hill. It makes for longer queues coming back up the hill and local residents will tell you that. An email dated as recently as the 1st of November for Mr David Sprunt, the Principal Transportation and Infrastructure Planner at Essex Highways, on the subject of Grove Hill states that, and I quote, it isn't something that offers an obvious achievable solution. We would certainly endorse that. There are also concerns concerning air quality at Grove Hill and also this site, as much as the previous one, is in the CPZ. The transport assessment with this application is frankly appalling beyond belief. It's the worst planning document which I have ever read and I have read dozens and dozens in the period since 2012. It makes no mention at all of Grove Hill or of the route through Stansted Mount Fitchett. Indeed, Madam Chairman, many of the documents with this application are woefully defective. The proposal is said to be for up to 40 dwellings, and yet various documents refer to 43, 44 and 45. All is muddle and confusion. If outline approval is given, these applicants will sell the site on. A detailed application will eventually come before you with the insistence that approval has already been given for 40 dwellings. The current applicants must show that 40 can be properly accommodated on the site, including provision for parking up to Ottlesford standards, for gardens and for open space, and the natural springs and the public footpaths, including a path to the tunnel under the railway to replace the existing pedestrian crossing. This they have failed to do. What you've got is that plan, the parameters plan, so-called, which was up there before, which shows the site with a sort of curvy S. I mean, what, what use is that to anyone? I must mention briefly, Madam Chairman, the proposed access off Rush Lane. Parking is inevitable on the stretch of Rush Lane nearest Robin Hood Road. It's always, there are always vehicles parked there. Rush Lane would need to be widened such that it becomes sufficient for two-way traffic without including the road taken up by the parked vehicles. So you have the parked vehicles and then you have two-way traffic as well. Otherwise, effectively, the access route is one-way only with poor visibility and that should not be countenanced. I will conclude, Madam Chairman, with a reminder of the Parish Council's cent central objection 
that Elsenham has already been favoured with an excessive recent building, a 66% increase since 2011, that road access through Stansted Mount Fitchard is already beyond capacity, and that further development cannot be approved. Our written representations show that reasons for refusal could include Gen 1, Gen 2, S3, S7, the countryside, including hedges, as a member of the public reminded you this morning, um, H3, ANV2, and ANV8, and also it's in the CPZ. Uh, Madam Chair and members of the committee, thank you again for your attention. Thank you very much, Councillor Mott. Um, I'll open it to the committee and Councillor Sutton. Hello, oh, I just want sorry. to... Sorry. Oh, I sorry. do apologise. Sorry, you've got more. It's terribly sorry. I was getting myself carried away there. Um, uh, Mr Hickling. Yeah, no, Hicking, sorry. Not Hickling, I do apologise. Sorry, can you advise how long I've got to respond? You actually have 15 minutes. No, I do. Yeah. However, <laughs> you're not, I hope, sincerely hope you're not going to use 15 minutes. No, I won't. No, I will try and be as concise as I can. Um, yes, good evening, ladies and gentlemen. My name's Fraser Hickling from Phillips Planning, and I'm here on behalf of the applicants, Roscon Strategic Land and the Holmes family, to speak in support of the application. The planning application before you is an outline application for up to 40 dwellings with all matters reserved except means of access at land south of Rush Lane, Elsenham. Therefore, the matters for consideration are the principle of development, the capacity of the site, and the suitability of the access to serve residential development. The proposals have been shaped through a constructive dialogue with the planning case officer to get to a stage where the application is entirely policy compliant with no technical matters outstanding. The officer's report is robust and sets out a position in detail. We support the officer's recommendation to approve and are hopeful that you will move the recommendation and resolve to grant planning permission. I'd like to take the opportunity to touch upon some of the key points that weigh in favour of granting planning permission. Firstly, land south of Rush Lane, Elsenham is allocated for residential development in the emerging local plan under policy ELS1. It has been identified for approximately 40 dwellings with open space. This allocation comes after the Countryside Protection Zone review in which it was recommended the site be removed from the designation. Members will also be acutely aware of the that the Council cannot pre presently demonstrate a five-year housing land supply and that supply for the district appears to have fallen further in the past 12 months. This emphasises the importance of bringing forward sustainable sites that have been identified in the emerging local plan and have, through that process, secured an allocation within the plan, having been robustly assessed and considered as suitable, available and achievable. With a lack of housing supply, the presumption in favour of sustainable development in paragraph 11D of the National Planning Policy Framework is a fundamental requirement and the tilted balance is engaged. It is also important to highlight that as stated in paragraph 49 of the National Planning Policy Framework, in the context of the framework, and in particular the presumption in favour of sustainable development, arguments that an application is premature are unlikely to justify a refusal of planning permission. 
other than in limited circumstances that do not apply here. Furthermore, in considering this application, members should be aware that within the latest Uttlesford housing trajectory published in October 2019, the site is identified as delivering housing during 2021 to 22 and 22 to 23. The trajectory is central to the case in support of the emerging local plan and reinforces the expectation the site will come forward without delay. Taking all these factors into account, we submit to you that the principle of development is therefore acceptable and that the balance weighs significantly in favour of approval. Secondly, the application seeks outline approval with access only. All of the matters are reserved for future consideration. Transport impacts are always a point of concern, and we are pleased to advise that Essex County Council have reviewed the access design and the transport statement, and are satisfied there is no adverse highway impacts arising. The access has been designed in detail and has been subject to scrutiny by the authority, and the de design solution negotiated in line with their requirements. The design includes an extensive widening of Rush Lane, the introduction of a pinch point to act in speed calming and to deliver a pedestrian crossing while accommodating the parking of vehicles. The carriageway is to be widened from the bend to the east, delivering a minimum width of 5.5 metres leading into the site and 5.8 metres at the bend. The pinch point is 3.75 metres. The design has been subject to a stage one road safety audit and the Essex County Council highways are satisfied with the design. To mitigate construction traffic, a construction management plan will be provided detailing traffic management during the construction phase, which will hopefully address concerns raised by residents. All of the material considerations have been fully addressed, and the application before you is presented with no technical matters outstanding. Highways impact, flood risk and drainage, heritage, landscape, trees and hedgerows, ecology, air quality noise and vibration have all been robustly assessed and scrutinised by consultees to their satisfaction. In terms of the benefits and enhancements to infrastructure in respect to planning obligations, the development will deliver 40% affordable housing, an appropriate mix of housing types and tenures, off-site highway improvements, a contribution of 118,000, a proportional financial contribution to enhancing local bus service, 475,000, in education contributions for early years primary and secondary school provision, contributions towards the SUS maintenance, and the provision of a reptile habitat mitigation zone along the railway line. In respect of comments regarding the level crossing, which was raised this morning and also by one of the members, in respect of the level crossing, I must draw members' attention to the fact that the applicant has undertaken a census, uh, which has then been used by Network Rail to assess risks using their ALCRM system. The assessment indicated an increase but no change in the overall risk profile. It is identified as one of the best types of pedestrian level crossings that's available. Furthermore, in respect of the proposals to divert uh, the route and close the level crossing, the scheme provides safeguarded land adjacent to the railway line in order to deliver the connections to the underpass. So, to conclude... The land south of Rush Lane Elsenham represents a sustainable site for development, with a tilted balance engaged and the site being identified as an allocation at policy ELS1, the presumption in favour applies, and therefore the principle of development is acceptable. We kindly request that planning permission is granted. Thank you. Thank you very much, Mr Higgins. Um, I'll now 
open to Councillor Sutton. <clears throat> Hello, thank you. I just quickly wanted to say that in this instance, when we went down there yesterday, uh, earlier. Um, it's exactly the place where you think the ZP said should exist. It's, it's a really beautiful you know, wildlife sanctuary almost and, uh, and I actually think that that's right next door to a very, very busy railway station where people, there's a lot of activity and so on and sometimes you just have to, you know, your balance has to be the, the community of, of Elsenham um, versus uh, another load of housing, just sometimes. So that's just my feeling. Thanks. Thank you. Well, I'm sure everybody's fed up with me going on about the countryside protections. I'm getting fed up of myself. Um, but for the same reasons as before. But I noticed that the agent just mentioned prematurity. Well, I think he's been a bit premature because actually the local plan is not in place yet. So I would call that premature. Uh, and also, I just want to make a point, because I don't think anybody's picked this up, or if they have, they haven't mentioned it, um, about electric charging points. I'm all for that. But we have to remember that electric cars are actually quite expensive. So when you're talking about affordable homes and affordable rents, you're mainly talking about young people who probably can't afford these cars. So we're not going to actually get them all off of the road. Uh, uh, you know, I mean, I'm still driving a 12-year-old diesel banger. So, uh, I, you know, I'm getting on in years. So I'm not, I'm not quite sure what, uh, you know, all this sort of ele electric car is going to be but my main point is going to, is about the countryside protection zone I think it's a great shame that we're taking these out and I can remember when the last local plan was kicked out by the local inspector and that's what happened um, I was told oh you'll have all the developers queuing up now to put in speculative speculative developments and they were right it's a great way to make money you haven't got a five-year land supply so let's us make millions at your expense and i'm not damned if i'm going to give up the countryside protection zone so a developer can make money sorry i'll be voting against this councillor fairhurst thank you then madam chairman we are here to plan to consider applications not to see how many houses we can build we had to plan to see what the future of the district will look like. Just step back a minute and look at 40 houses in that space and say, imagine if, imagine if that space was treed and there were real bats and newts and slow worms, whatever they may be, and wild spaces. There are a lot of houses around. There are enough houses to go around, to be quite honest. We've heard 66% in Elsenham. And just what, imagine if we were here to plan for bats instead of planning for houses. Because that's sort of where we are. Are we talking about the CPZ? We're talking about protecting the countryside. And the countryside isn't just about houses. It's about bats and reptiles and slow worms and badgers and all sorts of other things. It is about the CPZ, but it's about the cumulative impact on Elsenham. They've had enough. Even the inspectors seem to think so. So on that basis, unequivocally, I'm proposing to reject this outright. Thank you. Councillor Reeve and then Councillor Freeman. Thank you. I would uh, uh, second the proposal. I'm not sure if, we're, uh, uh, if that's procedurally the right thing to do. The reason for me, in um, contradiction to the, the, the previous uh, decision that was made, is that... Uh, uh, 
It is a cumulative effect uh, issue is here. I found that very well uh, um, spoken by the Parish Council Chair. Uh, also reinforcing the uh, overall um, connectivity or traffic uh, issues which are just making uh, that worse, not just the houses but also the traffic in this particular area. I think there are some other issues that were... Uh, um, that I found uh, compelling in the, in the documents and presentations. The Natural Springs uh, issue, uh, the uh, adjacent listed properties, I'm sure there are engineering ways around that, but you're, you're certainly not making the, the, the quality of those properties as, as, as they were. And then the um, uh, general issue of uh, uh, just uh, cumulatively spoiling the environment. So all in all, I think that we should, uh, that it is premature to uh, uh, oppose this one, as, uh, as Councillor Lachlan just said, and that uh, the reasons, I think we were given a very uh, compelling list by the Chairman of the Parish Council. Thank you very much, Councillor Reeve. Councillor Freeman. Yes, thank you, Madam Chairman. Um, this application has two problems, as far as I'm concerned, and a number of minor ones. Uh, the two problems, one is there is a death trap of a railway line crossing just at the, well, I suppose it's the southeastern end of the um, site, at the bottom of Robin Hood Road, is it? Uh, there has been one fatality there already, it's just up the road, literally just up the road. Next, the next station, there was a tragic case of um, two young teenage girls who were tragically killed at what is not this sort of crossing, but even so. Uh, and I, it haunts me every time I go by train through that particular station. The thing is, this has a LAP, an LAP, a local area of play. It does not have a LEAP, a locally equipped area of play. I'd be informed, I'm sure, that, you know, oh, 40 houses don't need a leap. They have a lap. But the point is, we've just passed an application for 130 dwellings just off the map, just off that slide to the right, basically, which does have a leap, a locally equipped area of play, uh, of, I think, 400 square metres, which is pretty good. And that particular application is the previous one has been very carefully thought through, and the children from this place will go to that leap to play. They will. It's what children do. They're like water. They percolate through places, uh, and they'll have friends there, and they'll go and play with them, and they'll need to cross that railway line. I don't care how um, so-and-so survey carried out and paid for, doubtless by track, whatever it is, rail track or whatever, uh, says it's all perfectly safe and it's fine, it's hunky-dory. I don't accept that. Now, I know that there is a plan afoot to close that crossing and to use a tunnel, which I think is to the south of this. Um, that, of course, solves one problem. It presents another problem. The other problem that it presents are tunnels are lethal for being attacked. They're lethal for your personal safety. Uh, when people were building designer cities, they put lots of tunnels in, places like Milton Keynes and whatever, and they're a place where you get mugged and you get attacked and this sort of thing. And it's very, very hard to stop that happening. So a tunnel won't solve it. And in any case, I don't trust Railtrack or whatever to actually get its act together within the duration of this thing coming online. So that's one very significant reason for not building 
and has stayed here. Another one is I think the access is seriously flawed. For some reason, instead of making the access on the apex of this site, where Robin Hood Road splits away from Rush, Rush Lane or whatever it is, um, which is the more obvious place, but no, they have to go halfway down Rush Lane and then build uh, an entrance from there, the, the top arrow on that dotted line. Again, it seems to me disingenuous. It's the wrong place, wrong place to put it. And there's a number of other things. There's no Section 106 here that I can see any mention of energy-saving measures. I don't see any mention of an undertaking to put in place uh, solar panels, for example, which I stated earlier are cheap and straightforward. So I would... Uh, is there a proposal uh, extant at the moment, Madam Chairman? I, think, I believe there is a proposal to refuse. I believe that to be... Well, I second that proposal. I th just already sorry. seconded. Right, I third it. Just, we have, we've had a proposal to refuse it, but we haven't had a reason, so, or reasons. So I think we need to flesh that out before we go any further. Okay, can I suggest S7, which is obviously the obvious one. I suggest Gen 1 access, because I don't think access is sufficient, the road, even if you right, right, widen the road. Cumulative impact is a really big one. Is it? How does that do for that? Councillor Reeve, did you want... Was there any more you yeah. want? Yeah. What I was... Uh, it was along those lines. They, we had a, a list given by the Chairman of the Parish Council and uh, he included a few more that were there. I would need to take advice from the... Uh, um, from our officer... Uh, which of those are relevant, but the, he had Gen 1, Gen 2, S3, S7, H3, NV2, NV8, CPZ, and also the railway crossing. Well, except right. he didn't mention that, but right. I've mentioned that. <laughs> I'm glad, I'm glad, I'm glad Councillor Reeve said that, because I wasn't going to go back and say, you just can't say, well, approve, refuse it for what he said. And so you can't say, you can't, much as it was well informed. Sorry, but, what, what, but that, the, those, those, were, the, yeah, uh, but you those just were the points that yeah. I noted. So, so the issues yeah. you've raised, and I'll do them in the order that the Dr. Mott said them, and I'll, I'll apologise if I miss any out. One was Gen 1, was in terms of access. I will do the usual caveat and say we have the County Council supporting the application and we are in a difficult situation to defend it on Gen 1. Gen 2 is the character of the area. Um, it's difficult to argue the character of the area if you're looking at the because there's nothing on it. You don't know what you're going to get yet. Um, S7, it's countryside, and and and, and I'm picking up Councillor Lachlan's point. You did not approve the one before because it was in the emerging local plan. You 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 approved the one before on the tilted balance. Mm. The comments made about the emerging local plan. It's and uh, it is not. It that has moderate weight. More, it has some weight moving forward. But again, it's it's not necessarily a definite allocation. So on the basis of that, an S7 is still seen as robust as a result of that. I think this site may have been considered to be taken out the CPZ in the same way as the other site was, but it's currently in the CPZ. So at the end of the day, you know that may fall away at appeal. We don't know. But at the end of the day, no, no. All I'm saying is on this particular application, members are considered that is on the tilted balance is not acceptable, if that's what you're saying. So S7 and S8 are fine. H3 is always a difficult one when you go down Gen 2 and H3 and S7, because if you go down H3, you're implying it's part of the settlement, and so therefore it starts conflicting back with S7. So I would, you know, I think what you're picking up with 
what most of the discussion was around countryside discussion and S7. And I would leave it to Councillor Fairhurst with my advice to decide whether he wants to add Gem 1 or not. I'm happy to lose um, access, but I do believe it is an issue. Um, and it talks to the road, which we think we have to have some kind of statement about the road because it is an issue. Um, but what about ENV2 and list, near listed building? It has the effect on listed buildings. They've been mentioned a couple of times. Um, and if that's the carriage of the, of the, of the town, we're getting into carriage about, about talking listing. I think you can, to be honest, because what that would imply at a hearing would be we would have to start balancing up with heritage statements and all sorts of things. And I have, sorry, picking up the question. To have we, have we had any, was there any conservation input into this? No, there wasn't, uh, for the simple reason it's outlined and therefore it's very difficult to consider. I bow to the officer's recommendation. The S7 and S8 then, and, and the impact on the countryside and the countryside perception zone. Do you know, sorry, you know how we said about access, and going back to the comment I made about the one in Debden Green, about looking at and Councillor Freeman said, was it Councillor Freeman, about the access being looked at on the apex, sort of coming, the two roads. Um, that, that, you know, the, they asked highways about the access in Rush Lane. The access wasn't asked about on, um, on Robin, Robin Hood, Robin Lane and Rush Lane or Robin, whatever it is. Um, so, you know, the comment, with the comment, you know, that type of thing, I think it's, you, you, get, a, you get Essex Highway's only comment on what they're asked to comment on. Yeah. See what I'm trying to say. So can we put in Jane 1? Councillor Lemon. Thank you, Chair. Um, yes, again, um, my objection to this is, again, too much pressure on the community and the countryside. I know I said this in the last application, but the difference to me on this one is that there seems to have been very little, if any, attempt to involve the local community. And I know the last one they did, so I did actually change my mind, but I have a feeling that um, on this one, very little involvement with the parish council has taken place. Right. Thank you. I think we'll go to the vote then. Yeah. So, proposed to refuse by Councillor Fairhurst, seconded by Councillor Reeve. All those in favour of refusing this application? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Unanimous, Madam Chair. Thank you very much. That application is refused. Thank you. Moving on, UTT 19-1932, full, ap full application. Whitehall Hotel, Church End, Broxted. Oh, and yes, could... Bless you. Bless you. Oh, bless you. You're right. I think. We don't want 
I'll just say Councillor LeCount has, re has rejoined the, the meeting. Thank you, Ms. Denmark. Mrs. Denmark. Yeah. Thank you. This application relates to a site to the rear of the former uh, Whitehall Hotel in Broxted. It forms part of the grounds, and it's the area that used to have um, a tennis court and swimming pool on it. Um, in 2017, planning permission was granted for the conversion of the former hotel buildings, um, including two listed buildings, or well, three listed buildings. So that was these buildings here were listed, and the barn at the front here are listed. Um, and then there were some modern extensions. Um, so they were granted planning permission to be converted into eight dwellings. Um, and then there was planning permission also granted for two dwellings down the back here. Move. Um, so this is what was approved previously, which was two very, very substantial four-bedroom detached houses. Um, work hasn't commenced on this element of the scheme. There was a condition on the previous consent that the works to the listed buildings had to be carried out first. That has been done, done an excellent job on it, um, and uh, most of them are on the market now. Um, but the market forces have changed since planning permission was granted, and the developers having trouble selling the larger units and so now proposes, instead of two very substantial four-bedroom houses, he now wants um, two pairs of semis, so four three-bedroom properties. These would have a similar footprint, albeit a different shape, um, particularly in relation to Plot 10, um, to the previously approved scheme. Um, that's the bulk of Plot 9 previously approved, and that's the block... Uh, um, Plot 10 as previously approved. And oops, and this is what we're now proposing, which is be two of these. So the um, the other these are nine and ten, and eleven and twelve will be handed. Um, each dwelling would have appropriate car parking provision. There's more than sufficient amenity land to serve each plot. Um, no amenity issues arise as a result of the proposals. There's been no objections from the statutory quantities, and it's recommended that the application be approved in line with the agenda. Thank you, Ms. Dimmer. There's no speakers, so I open it up to the committee. Councillor Keaton. Can I, can I, in looking at the clock, can I just propose the, uh, approval of these? Uh, it seems to me to be an insensible and um, market-sensitive proposal. Councillor Lehman. Yeah, it's, uh, it, to, to my mind, it's a, it's a, a, a superb application, um, and I'd like to second it. Please. Okay. All right. Yes. So, is everybody happy, happy with that? Nobody wants to. Nobody wants to speak. Yes. Okay. So, um, Councillor Caton. Proposed, Council Lemon seconded, and to take this to a vote to approve. Thank you. Unanimous, Martin, Madam Chair. Happy. Thank you very much. Right. Must be a record. 
can I can I just make a point that we are actually not approving things because it's getting late. No, 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 <laughs> I was going to say that now. That I think it's the situation if a scheme's if a scheme's it's, good, it was good, and good. it doesn't take half an hour for it to be good. No. <laughs> that's the issue. Yeah, was a good. Yeah, it, was, it was a very good scheme. Yes. So moving on, UTT eighteen three three nine nine full former Walden Dairy one three five Thaxted Road, Saffron Walden. And it is Mr. Tyler. Thank you, Chair. The application site relates to a former dairy yard and buildings located to the west of Faxard Road in Saffron Walden. The site uh, consists of two main buildings and a number of outbuildings and hard standings. A highway access to the site is established to the front of the site. These photos are of the site including the existing buildings and the neighbouring properties. This application is in relation to the demolition of the existing dairy buildings and erection of seven dwellings. This is, includes two semi-detached two-storey dwellings to the front of the site, one two-storey detached dwelling to the rear of the site, and four one-bedroom flats. This application is set to resolve the previously refused application from last year. Uh, this slide is in regard to plots one and two. Um, these are to the front of the site and face Faxard Road. They include uh, two three-storey semi-detached properties. This uh, plan shows the uh, plot one and two. Uh, it probably gives you a better um, uh, view of the property. Plots 3, 4 and 5 and 6, these are sited to the rear of the site and include four one-bedroom flats. The ground floor flats have communal garden, while the first floor properties include balconies. Plot 7 includes a detached three-bedroom property to the rear of the site. Uh, uh, this is the view of the plot seven. Um, no objections have been raised by the town council. Three objections have been raised from neighbouring properties uh, as per paragraph 10.2 of the committee report. No highways or ecology objections have been made. Sufficient off-street parking and garden space is provided. Electric vehicle park charging points for each dwelling has been conditioned um, to offset the impact to the air quality management area. The proposal is considered appropriate in the context of the redevelopment of the dairy site and with in character uh, of the street scene and surrounding area. The proposal will not result in any significant harm to the amenity of neighbouring properties. Uh, it's therefore considered the development accords with local and national planning policies and is recommended for approval. Thank you very much, Mr. Tyler. Can I open this up to anybody? Anybody like to No? Councillor Reeve? 
I would be minded to support this. My reservations are um, one of them looked really ugly, but I can't remember which one, which one that was. Uh, uh, yeah, that, that one. But set against that, if I understand it well, you're, it's designed to get quite a number of people in it in single room places, which could be a good thing for a certain place in the market. So uh, my main reservation is one that I'm probably not allowed to say anything about, and that's that I'd really like it to have solar panels or some other uh, heat uh, or some other energy efficiency thing in a development of this type, noting, of course, that it did seem to have the uh, car parking, uh, the electric parking one. But I don't, is that something we're allowed, we're not allowed to comment on things, are we? You, you can comment on it. Okay. I mean, I think, and then, but the issue is, I think on a scheme like this, I don't, I think we need to, I mean, we are pushing this at pre-application stages that there is a, obviously there is a, you know, we want to move this on. But when you're looking at a scheme of this size, is unlike the, the previous scheme we did earlier where there was a, um, a condition was imposed which, which required some sort of consideration of renewable energy across 130 dwellings. On this particular one, I don't think it's something that we could impose. It's, it's just it's part of this sea change. But it's, it's, I think making a point of it, you're quite, quite entitled to make that point. Okay, well, I do make that point in that case, and I don't see the difference between a roof on a house in, in, on its own or one in, in amongst 250 other houses. There's still a roof. Councillor Freeman, and then Fairhurst. Yeah, thank you, Madam Chairman. I, I, the Town Council doesn't have any problems with this, and I don't either. It's been a derelict site for years. It was the site of the old Warden Dairy. Uh, it's a brownfield site, which uh, is actually an asset for this sort of thing. However, I'd like to explore those tiny little windows. I, I wasn't aware at the planning stage that we were building a jowl, so perhaps you can... Can you, can you show me the rooms uh, which are behind those windows? Do you, have a, you must have a plan there, a floor plan. So for the actual, windows? sorry, for the for the flats, the um, windows are on the uh, floor plan, uh, to right to the bottom of of the, the slide. Um, the reason in behind uh, the, the size of the windows is to ensure that it provides light, but it won't impact the neighbouring properties in terms of lo loss of privacy. That, that's reasonable because um, they're the sort of height where you can look through them if you're standing, but you can't when you're sitting down. Uh, I'm familiar with that. And if you look at the plans on the floor plans on the bottom, they've got quite big windows actually at the front uh, to compensate for it. So I uh, don't have a problem with this going ahead. I would like to propose it for approval. First, yep. thank you, Madam Chairman. Um, there were some comments, in fact. There were some, there were some um, 19 letters of, of objection, as I read it. Um, and, and my only question mark is that the houses them seem, seem massively over, overbearing um, for the area. No two-bedroom houses, we're told that's within, within the Shema, but I don't understand because two-bedroom houses are in, in quite a demand in South Walden. So, so I don't understand the housing mix, to be quite honest. Um, maybe someone could add some light onto it. They're also, I mean, there's no question whether they're energy neutral or there any trees or things, but I'd, I'd love some feedback on that. Uh, I'm not sure. Uh, maybe, sorry, uh, I'm not sure if you might have gone forward to, to the next. Uh, sorry, you might have gone forward to the next application. 
Yes. Free, free objections. Councillor Storer. Uh, thank you, Chair. A question through you to the officers, if I may. Um, this site was recently refused permission for a similar development as seven dwellings on the site. My question is, um, to what extent is it considered that this current scheme overcomes whatever the reasons for refusal were for that re refusal? Uh, so the previous scheme, uh, the reasonings behind it uh, for the refusal was loss of privacy, uh, the design. Um, there was a lot of windows uh, within the scheme to the front uh, of Faxted Road, the front buildings at the front of the site. Um, overall, the application, the uh, siting of buildings has changed. Uh, the form, scale and size of the buildings have been reduced. Um, and the overall design has been changed to be more appropriate to the character of the site and, and the street scene. Thank you. I'm just surprised by the fields that seem to surround the site. Are they not like that? Not to mention the fact that occupiers all seem to own an Audi or, or run an Audi TT. I did notice that, yes. Yeah, very nice. Right. So, okay. So, Councillor, who did I have? Did I get an appearance? Councillor Lecount. I just have one question, actually. The parking spaces, could we just go back to your, your original with the parking? And I was looking outside those, uh, as Councillor Freeman talked about the prison, um, actually just outside of there. So... Where, is, where are the parking spots for that? So we've got, um, at the bottom of the slide, we've got four spaces to the front of the two uh, semi-detached properties that. along Faxed Road, which is at the bottom of the, of the plan. Uh, then we've got uh, each um, flat to the, to the rear of the site has a single um, uh, parking space. Uh, and the house to the right hand at the top and the right-hand corner that has its spaces to the front. There's also two visitor spaces. Uh, they're not allocated at this point, but they're... I'm fine, that's fine, thank you. Councillor Lehman. Just one quick comment, uh, Chair. Um, I think it's a good application, particularly the four one-bedroom flats, which I think are quite badly needed in all our areas. And uh, for that reason, I should be voting for the application. Councillor LeCount. I second that. Uh, have we had a proposal yet? We have. Who, who was that then? Sorry. It was you. Sorry. Thank you, Councillor Freeman. I do apologise. I thought we had, and I couldn't think, I couldn't think who it was. Thank you. Yeah. Proposal to approve. So we have a proposal from Councillor Freeman and Councillor LeCount seconded. Therefore, I'd like to take that. Could I have your. Um, could you vote on approving that proposal, please? Thank you. Unanimous, Madam Chair. Thank you very much. Councillor Reeve. You need to go and move your car. You're, I think you're blocking somebody in. No, obviously not. No.
take a five-minute break while Councillor Reeves out. Please hold. Your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. 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 Please hold. Your meeting has been temporarily adjourned.
Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Ladies and gentlemen, moving on to item uh, 9. UTT 191301, full application, land east of Foxley House on the Cambridge Road at Quendon. Thank you. And it's Chris Tyler. Thanks, Chair. The application site relates to a plot of land to the east of Foxley House in Quendon. To the east of the site is Cambridge Road. The site is mainly bound by mature vegetation. To the north of the site is public a right-of-way connecting Cambridge Road to Rickling Green. This application is in relation to the erection of nine detached dwellings, um, vehicle access, parking and landscaping. The access will be provided through the adjacent development of Bluebell Drive and Snowdrop Drive. A new footpath will be provided to the front of the site along Cambridge Road. The following plans demonstrate the proposed elevations and floor plans.
The final plan demonstrates the proposed street scene. The Parish Council had initially objected to the development as set out in paragraph 8.1 of the committee report. However, due that to a number of issues have been resolved during the planning application process, they are minded to remove the objection subject to conditions. A financial agreement has been agreed between the applicant and the Parish Council for the contribution of sports provisions and a traffic survey. This sits outside of the application and is not part of the consideration of the development today. This will be secured by a unilateral undertaking between the Parish Council and the applicant. A number of neighbour objections have been uh, made and are set out in paragraph 10.2 of the committee report. The application site is in the allocated site within the emerging local plan and emerging neighbourhood plan for up to 19 dwellings. The scale, design and layout of the dwellings are considered appropriate and will not be out of keeping with the character of the surrounding area or street scene. No highway safety or ecology objections have been made. Appropriate parking and garden space is provided. The development will not result in any significant harmful impact to neighbouring properties due to loss of privacy or overshadowing. In regards to the imposed conditions, uh, condition 11 uh, on the report is duplicated. Therefore, it's uh, recommended this should be deleted. Uh, condition 13, 16 and 18 uh, are now compliant following the uh, publishing of the committee report and therefore should not be included if approved. Um, I know we have been talking about it today, but there's no condition in regards to electric charging points um, for vehicles. Uh, however, the developer has advised these are to be included. If uh, councillors, uh, they may wish to include these if they're minded to approve the application. As such, taking into regards the details set out in the committee report, the development is considered to be in accordance with local and national planning policies and is recommended for approval subject to conditions. Thank you very much, Chris. Um, we have three speakers, and the first of is Councillor Hargreaves. Thank you very much. Um, we are in a good position here because uh, I'm speaking to support this application and the uh, Parish Council supports the application as well. Uh, so uh, maybe that's a unique circumstance. Um, the substantive comments on this are going to be made by um, the uh, Parish Council Chair who's going to speak next. Um, I'd just like to draw attention to that this application fulfills a number of things that are wanted from the, the neighbourhood plan, uh, which is currently at examination. Uh, the th three things to pick out, uh, the neighbourhood plan wanted uh, a safe footway along the B1383 uh, for the two existing developments there. There's something that should have been done when they were, they were approved. This application now provides that by providing a little strip of footpath at the top and then the internal uh, access to it so they can walk up to the village hall and points north uh, and that fulfills that requirement. Uh, also, um, 
it will provide uh, some funding towards um, safety measures on the on the road there. Again, something for the neighbourhood plans and the parish has wanted for some time, so that is good. It will also provide funding towards uh, outdoor sports provision, uh, football and other things, which again has been wanted for some time and again is in the neighbourhood plan. So it's very nice to see things in the neighbourhood plan which an application is actually helping to support. Um, just two um, requests, actually, really, probably for the, f for the future. Um, I think this, the actual design of the houses is not really in, in keeping with the local surrounding architecture, and I would say neither of the, the, the two adjacent sites either, uh, and I assume that's what the comparison that's in the officer's report. Uh, the application site is in close proximity to the Quendon Rickling Conservation Area, and the sort of the vernacular is clear to see around the village. Uh, and I think the, the design detail of newest, new additions to long-established villages and towns is, is, is really being overlooked. I think this is an example. Uh, the typical local design is, is uh, 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 pitched roofs with um, uh, so gable-fronted, uh, gable buildings with pit, steeper pitched roofs. Uh, it's the bit of the... Um, weatherboarding, um, flint walling, that sort of thing, uh, and some elements of detail that reflect nearby buildings. So that's not been done here. It's in the Essex Design Guide, something I think we need to look at perhaps more for the future. The second point I wanted to raise with you is, is just in terms of the Section 106 matters. Um, I've had to effectively negotiate with highways because they wanted things that were not necessary, uh, and also they wanted things I think were not compliant, and we only found out they wanted them when we were standing with the developer with the plans in the field, and they told us, and everyone went, oh, we don't want those, and who asked for them? Uh, so there's been a sort of, bit of uh, detailed negotiation, so, shall we say. What we've got has been a good negotiation with the developer. The parish has got what it wants. It's been done as a unilateral, but I think it would be helpful if officers, particularly highways, but also UDC, did come to parish councils and the ward councils at an early stage to say, well, these are the rules on Section 106. Is there anything that you would particularly like us to, to put in so we get that dealt with through officers rather than uh, me, the parish council, and the developer having to sort it out for ourselves? But anyway, it's, uh, please, please uh, support this application. Uh, we want it to go through. Thank you very much, Councillor Hargreaves. Um, Sally Kitkat, Councillor Kitkat. Hello. Uh, the Quindon and Rickling Parish Council have been in close discussion with the applicant and Councillor Hargreaves since our initial response to the application and have been pleased with the constructive way in which some issues with the application have been addressed during the consultation period. Notably, these including the following, which have been brought the application in line with local and national planning policy. Ecological and biodiversity enhancements, including bird and bat boxes, wildlife corridors and wildlife runs in fencing panels. Information infrastructure, including facilities for broadband. Electric vehicle charging points. Though there were a number of additional concerns that we have not managed to agree on, but the council, parish council are minded to support this application on condition of the following terms being met. 
One, upon commencement, payment of a financial contribution of 10,000 for the provision of pedestrian and safety facilities on the B1383, including, but not limited to, a traffic survey relating to feasibility, design and implementation as appropriate. Two, upon commencement, payment of a financial contribution of £15,000 for the provision of recreation and leisure facilities for the villages of Quendon, Rickling Green and Rickling. Both of these funds to be forwarded as soon as practical by UDC to the Parish Council. Three, the proposed footpath joining the site to Forster's Path and Hallfield is built in accordance with the standards required by Essex Highways in order that it becomes adopted by the Highways Authority. Four, a statement of ownership and um, maintenance for is provided for the external footpath. Five, the external footpath allows public access to it from the south. Six, all streets and pedestrian facilities as applicable within the development to allow public access through the development in order to ensure permeability. Seven, in view of the fact that the piece of land that is in part the subject of this application has been earmarked for 19 homes in the local and neighbourhood plans, in the event that the second plot half of the plot becomes available for development by any developer, any future applications are considered as a whole, taking into account this application, 19 houses, not two, nine by two. This is to ensure that the village ultimately benefits from the development of the site as a whole, rather than any possible manipulation of the system by dividing the site in half. Eight, these provisions are upheld in the event of an appeal. Should any one of these conditions not be met, the Parish Council withdraws its support in full by default. The Parish Council would also like the buffer 40 mile per hour speed signs on the B1383 Cambridge Road to be erected south of Ventnor Lodge before the development commences, as there will be substantially increased traffic during and after development. This has already been earmarked by Essex Highways, so completion is required soonest. There is now no further land identified for estate development in the local and neighbourhood plans within the parish. Therefore, following the recent construction of estate developments either side of the application site, the parish council would prefer to see no further developments of this kind within the village and intends to strongly object to any future applications. Thank you. Very much. Michael Calder. Thank you very much, Mr. Calder. Chair, members of the Planning Committee and members of the audience, thank you very much for listening to me. Uh, I'm actually Chris Whedon, the Managing Director of Stonebond Properties, um, the applicant rather than Michael Calder, who's our planning consultant. Um, I'm here because this application is very important to my colleagues and our business. We're a family-owned SME house builder, one of only 10% remaining after the credit crunch, according to the HPF. We're based in Chelmsford and we've operated in Uttlesford um, and the local area over for, for over 40 years. We're currently in the final stages of constructing development in Stebbing Village, which has been well received by our residents due to the design and quality of the finish. Um, in fact, Stonebourne hosted uh, 
primary school children, um, classes of primary school children to visit the construction site for educational purposes. So the children in the school had a great time and were very grateful. Uh, we will adopt a similar approach to this proposal um, to provide a meaningful addition to the village of Rickland Green and we will respect the ties and the local character. In fact, we've received 100% recommend a friend um, from our customer surveys from our Stebbing buyers, uh, as well as all of our sites, I'm proud to say. Now, Rickland Green, um, we've em employed expert professional consultants to undertake a significant pre-submission consultation, and we've engaged with all your officers, um, statutory consultees, non-statutory consultees, and indeed the parish who um, you've heard earlier. Um, as, as an SME house builder, we've invested considerable resources in this planning application, as I'm sure you can imagine, uh, in order to provide a high-quality and policy-compliant application. We've employed an expert team of consultants that include architect, planning consultants, engineers, highway consultants, arboriculturalist, a drainage engineer, and very important to us, an ecology consultant, uh, to reach this position of officer support. The process started for Stonebond in 2016, February 2016, so it's taken a while, uh, with, with many of the more recent months working with Uttlesford, uh, their planning officers and, consult and consultees. Um, so a considerable effort has been made by all my team to um, try and meet and exceed the requirements of the council. So we obviously support the officer's view that the scheme is compliant with all the relevant local and national policies. We've responded to feedback from the parish uh, and the um, ward councillor. Um, it is deliverable by Stone Bond. Um, the design proposes three and four bedroom dwellings but complies with your policies. <laughs> And it's a development, I believe, that responds positively to the character and scale of density of the surroundings and its access. And yes, we, we are offering car charging points, and we do do that on all of our schemes. No, sorry. Um, so, um, you know, I'm pleased to say the officers have concluded that the proposal is acceptable uh, in all regard and complies with the, with the relevant policies of the development plan. Um, the unilateral undertaking, um, I hope you've had the opportunity to read and review that letter that came out from Michael Calder, our planning consultant, to offer the financial contributions. I, I believe you're actually being asked to grant permission subject to this unilateral undertaking being entered into, which is pursuant to um, Section 106 of the Town and Country Planning Act. Um, so I, I would reiterate that we are satisfied that with the impacts of um, the local infrastructure and contributions within that um, uh, unilateral undertaking are compliant with SIL regulations. Uh, so Stonebond wishes to support the parish in securing these local infrastructure contributions. So we are accordingly, um, the, unilater the unilateral undertaking uh, secures the um, contribution for £15,000 towards the impact on the recreation, sport and open space within the village uh, and the provision of a pedestrian and safety facility on the B1383 Cambridge Road to the amount of 10000 so that's the 25000 that was mentioned earlier. Um, the scheme also delivers um, a new footpath link, yes, which will be available for anyone to walk through as requested. Um, and upgrade the two local bus stops also is part of the proposal. 
Um, and the environmental gains that we've, we've worked hard to achieve is through habitat protection and creation with the help of our um, ecology consultants. Um, so our aim is to um, deliver this proposal in partnership with the local authority and the local community and not just sit to one side. So in summary, Stonebond prides ourselves on our achievement and our design and quality of new homes and we will work with local residents for any concerns they have over access and we will be of caring and considerate house builder. So I'd like to thank the parish and the ward members for their support and I respectfully ask if you would um, approve this recommendation. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. I open it up to the council members. Councillor Fairhurst. Thank you, Madam Chair. Once again, a, a, an exemplary example of how we could do things. It does sound rather good from where I'm sitting, and uh, I would happily propose the acceptance of this application. Councillor Pavitt, sorry. Um, just a quick question. I may have missed it at the beginning. Are there any two-bedroom units in this? No, there are three and four bedrooms. But the parish council has specifically asked for two-bedroom units, from what I understand. They have asked for them that the application, the applicant hasn't submitted details of two-storey or two okay. bedrooms. Sorry, Councillor LeCount. Oh, just looking about the 40 mile an hour buffer, is it, I, I can't find it in the report. Is it in the report? Uh, no, that's, uh, it wasn't included in part of the application, um, but we, we could probably... Because I heard something about it wouldn't start until you got the buffer in place. Yeah, it's a, bit of, um, it's a bit of chicken and the egg situation, to be perfectly honest with you. It's a highway matter. We can't insist on it. Uh, that's subject to highways. The housing's got to come before the speed limit is uh, looked at and revised, but we can't insist on it without the support of highways. We can't put anything in the application about that at all. Okay, thank you. Councillor Hargreaves, would you just like to make a point? Yeah. Point of clarification. Just on the 40 limit, uh, that has already been agreed by highways through the highways panel. It's to, uh, the, the, there's going to be a 40 mile an hour buffer going out south. So it's already been agreed and funded. It's just a case of asking, uh, can we make, try and get highways to put the thing in before this is done? So I think that probably will be the case, but it, it's in progress anyway, and there's no need to actually fund it from this. It's, it's, it's been sorted out. We need to get a wriggle on and do it. Yeah. No, I think, to be honest with you, they will always argue, why do we have to do it? I would argue they have to do it, even regardless of whether they approve planning provision today, because it was already been approved. But yeah, but yeah, but yeah we, can, we can put the necessary pressure on them on that basis. Thank you very Councillor much. Councillor Reeve. Thank you. Uh, it all sounds uh, very good, and the level of support indicated sounds very good. So I was a bit surprised to see that 19 uh, local residents had objected. Uh, I, I, I'm not sure if there's an opportunity to ask again why those are, but I assume that all those objections are being covered. But uh, it, it just seemed curious to me in the sound of, of this sort of goodwill that is here that there were such a large number of objections. And then that's the first point, that, and I've, if an answer can be given, I would really appreciate that. And the other one was, again, just to observe the, the new housing development here, no PV panels. So uh, there was um, a revised plan, so there is a higher number of uh, objections because 
Further objections were received once we uh, had revised plans. So previously there might possibly may have only been half that number of objections. I can't state that there was, but because there was revised plans, it gave further uh, chance for neighbours to write in about the application. Um, most of them were down to highways uh, safety and uh, loss of privacy and uh, noise and disturbance to neighbouring properties. Anybody else? No? We need to go for the vote then. No, we don't. So can I have a seconder, please, for approval? Councillor Pavitt. So that was Councillor... Is it you? Yes, Councillor Fearhurst. Thank you. It, it goes. It drifts. So Councillor Fearhurst... Um, yes, I know. It's, it, I know. I know. It is. It's going. Um, Councillor Fearhurst... Um, Have it seconded, sorry, and um, to approve this application. So, all those in favour of approving? Unanimous, Madam Chair. Thank you very much. Terribly sorry, my brain's starting to go. Just say Councillor Freeman's having to leave to go to another meeting. Thank you. No, we can't discuss them, so we've got to discuss them separately. They'll speak. Yeah. Okay, so UTT 191527, full application, Great Chalks on the High Street, Hatfield Broadoak. Is it Jones? Thank you. This application relates to the first the site is located south of High Street and is within the development limits of Hatfield Broad Oak. There are listed buildings adjacent to the site and also opposite the site. The site is located within the conservation area. The site consists of a detached dwelling and a detached outbuilding to the western boundary. To the rear of the site there has recently been approved eight dwellings under planning reference UTT 18-03864. This shows the existing footprints of Great Chalks. There's a small single-storey element to the eastern elevation and the west, western extension has already been demolished. So this, this bit element has gone already and that's what I just wanted to make reference to. Uh, this um, slide shows Great Chalks. It's a substantial three-storey detached dwelling with a detached outbuilding to the side. The applicants refer to this as a coach house. Great Chalks itself isn't listed, however is included within the local heritage list. The document states that the railings and walls to the front boundary of Great Chalks are of particular interest. There is a small single-storey element to the eastern elevation. That's the one I just want to draw attention to. This, shows, this slide shows the elevations of footprints of the outbuilding to the western boundary of the site. 
proposal is for the subdivision of Great Chalks into two dwellings, one a four-bed and the other three-bed, and for the conversion of the outbuilding to create a new two-bedroom dwelling. Parking is a huge problem in Hatfield Broadoak, especially along the High Street. Parking for all three dwellings would be provided on-site to meet the adopted parking standards and a further visitor space would be provided. This slide shows how Great Chalks would be divided. And this shows the proposed elevations of Great Chalks. As you can see, it would remain largely unchanged apart from the side extension to create another entrance. So this is the new part. The plans for the conversion to the outbuilding originally included dormer windows to the front and excessive glazing to the frontage, which following representation and advice from the conservation officer were revised. These are the revised plans with the dormers replaced with conservation lights on the rear elevation of the roof. And the elevations are more traditional in keeping with the conservation area character. And this shows some photos of the site. As you can see, that's the problem with the parking. Um, this application in the previous approved scheme, scheme is very controversial and it is a sensitive site. It has attracted numerous representations objecting to the proposal, mostly in relation to highway safety and parking and impact on character of the area and cumulative impact. The site, however, is located within the development limits of Hatfield Broad Oak, where policy S3 states that the development will be permitted if the development is compatible with the character of the settlement. The changes to the built form are quite minor and parking amenity space to meet the adopted standards are provided as is a further parking space for visitors. The conservation officer also has no objection to the proposal. It is however considered that permitted development rights would be removed to prevent overdevelopment. The highway authority has been consulted and have no objections. Policy H5 also allows for the subdivision of dwellings if the character of the area would not adversely be affected. Several references have been made that previously it was stated that no further development would be allowed on the site. When speaking previously, I was referring to the open space beyond the formal gardens of Great Chalks, protected by ENV3. However, this application is for subdivision and conversion of existing buildings on the site and their conversions would comply with policies S3 and H5. Policy H6 has been superseded by the MPPF, which promotes more making efficient use of land. The application is recommended for approval with conditions. Chairman, can I just suggest before we get to the speakers that I think from speaking to from speaking to the speakers um, I think you're likely to be only talking once so on that basis I think it may be worth sorry Mad, of you presenting the next one as well and then you can then we will consider them separately but I think some of the speakers may have some overlap between the two between the two cases so this is in relation to UTT 19 15244 
This application also relates to the site that the committee members visited this morning in Hatfield Broadoak and the site is located in the former formal gardens of Great Chalks. This shows the proposed location of the proposed dwelling and the two parking spaces to the front of the dwelling. So be, these are the two parking spaces for this dwelling. The dwelling would be one and a half storey with clay plain tiles to the roof and timber boarding over a red blimp, brick plinth to the walls. The design is considered acceptable. It has been designed to protect the character and setting of the adjacent listed buildings and would have no material detrimental impact on neighbours' amenity. The proposal would have limited impact on the character of the conservation area. It would have three bedrooms... The proposal would result in four trees being removed. Um, however, the landscape officer has no objections to their removal, stating the four trees are shown to be removed to accommodate the proposed development. These are a box, a cypress, a holly and a yew tree. These trees are the subject of an area designation tree preservation order and not identified in the order individually or as a group. Um, he goes on to say... Um, the yew tree proposed to be felled is a mature specimen of some 12 metres in height, well formed in general good health, and situated in the southeast corner of the application site. A yew tree of similar size and form is shown to be retained towards the site frontage, with the access road serving this proposed development and that of wide develop development of Great Chalks, which is planning permission. Other matters aside, the yew tree to be retrained would have much the greater prominence and visual importance in the broader scheme as opposed to the yew tree proposed to be removed. In consideration of the proposed loss of the yew tree as part of the current application, weight needs to be given to the loss of public amenity. The extent to which the subject tree is visible to the public is an important factor. This tree would be visible from the access road albeit at some distance. However, it is not an outstanding specimen and its removal would not have a significant detrimental impact on the fabric and visual quality of this part of the conservation area. Um, the yew tree here, as we saw on site, is the one that's going to be um, retained. This application, the previous scheme, is very controversial and it's a sensitive tie. It has attracted numerous representations objecting to the proposal, mostly in relation to highway safety and parking and impact on the character of the area. The site, however, is also located within the development limits of Hatfield Broadoak, where policy H3, uh, S3 states that development will be permitted if the development is compatible with the character of the settlement. The post building is considered appropriate... Um, for the location and parking amenity space to meet the adopted parking standards provided. The conservation officer also has no objection to the proposal. The application is recommended for approval with conditions. Thank you very much. So we have, first of all, Councillor Driscoll. Thank you, Madam Chair. Good evening, all of you. Um, I'm going to make it short and quick. Um, as Mr. Brown said, I would like my statements taken into consideration on both 
and things, obviously in the interest of time and repetition. So I am actually the District Councillor for Hatfield Broad Oak and since becoming um, the District Councillor back in May, practically every surgery we have, which is more or less on a weekly basis, we have someone come in and mention great chalks. Now I understand you went there this morning. Um, can I just ask, was that photograph of the High Street taken this morning? No. So, to me it looks as if you've waited for the traffic to move. Could I ask you to open the envelope I gave you earlier on? It is just one set, I'm afraid. It takes my printer about 15 minutes to actually print one copy. So they are all different, but it should give you an idea of the traffic. It is my understanding that this was originally a protective open space. It had a badger set on it and it had great crested newts. Since the construction company have moved in, there has been no sign of either, although I believe on the original application they were supposed to protect these. The original planning committee decision, again I believe was close, and it was actually decided on the chair's vote. That's democracy. Can't argue with that. It's been done. My next point, quite simply is um, about the traffic. You can see there is a lot of parking. I'm not quite sure which one of you's got which photograph. I did not wait for the traffic to clear. I sat there last night, around about four o'clock, for ten minutes. That is what Hatfield Broadoak is like. I feel personally that if you carry on giving permission one house at a time on this site, is likely to be a major problem. I do not think there is enough visibility for people exiting and every house you grant permission for adds another two or three cars to the daily throw onto or off of the high street. The residents themselves do not have a problem with the conversion of the main house. It is a nice house. It is maybe not ancient, but it does lead to the um, continuation of the, the high street. I'm not quite sure what's happening. You will see there is scaffolding outside it at the moment. You had a visit this morning. You will probably know more than I will. Whether or not that is actually to do with the application or something totally different with maintenance. Um, I understand where they're coming from and I am going to back them all the way on this one. So we'll see where we go from there. What I do do quite simply is implore that you stop granting permission for houses one by one. Because this is the developer just filling in a bit of space that he left deliberately on the first application. He's now taking trees down probably not going to replace as many as he's taking down and I feel basically he's abusing the system. Thank you very much.
Thank you very much, Councillor Driscoll. Um, James Walker. Thank you very much. Hi. Uh, yeah, the original plan was contested by many in the people in the village and only passed by the chairman on the casting vote. Well, since this build has started, all our worst fears have been realised. Endless congestion on the high street, cranes, diggers, massive lorries trying to turn into the site at peak times. The site has been cleared of trees, hedges and bushes, which were then burnt, often three massive bonfires raging at once, day after day. And this all happened in the heatwave of May and June, causing an exodus of wildlife nesting birds, fledglings to seek refuge in our neighbouring garden, showing a total disregard for the environment and residents of the village with skies black with smoke. Even the local primary school complained of rain, uh, raining ash down on its playground. We live next door and oblivious to building safety and outbuilding running alongside our property was demolished without making sure anyone in our garden was safe. Instead, bricks were falling down on our side. Their approach is cavalier in their disregard for village residents. There's a wider issue here, promising lots to, just to get planning permission. They merely chip away at the restrictions at a later date. And I would specifically like to talk about coach house planning Application. This is one metre away from our property running alongside our alley next to our listed house. The original application they put in said on the plans this coach house was to be used as a garden store. This may have tipped the balance if its original intention were known. The plans submitted are incomplete. They do not show our side of the barn which runs down the side alley. How can this be approved when we don't know what's proposed for this west side? The coach house plans also wrongly state there's an existing window on the front and back. This is untrue and the proposal to put a window on the south side where there isn't one will be next to our boundary overlooking our garden directly. The windows proposed in the roof now which have been changed overlook our side alley they're less than two metres away from our bedrooms, causing light and noise pollution, as well as being still being visible from the high street. There's no access to build the west side of the coach house without coming on onto our property. And at the front, the proposed front door is directly onto the access road, so any car stopping to unload will block this access road. I think now this is a real chance to halt any further damage to our historic village and I think a clear message should be sent that enough is enough and it shows how devious they are by six months later putting in further planning applications. A lot of damage has been done and I think now is a chance to redress the balance. Thank you. Thank you much, very, very much, Mr Walker. Um, Ainsley Walker. Sutton. Yes. Yes. Is that Councillor Sutton? Yes. Um, Can't Walker. do that, Councillor Sutton. No. Sorry, Mrs. Walker. Thank you. That's okay. 
Um, I know a lot of councillors have changed since last year, but any of you who visited the same site last year and went again this morning, I know will have had a shock. The protected open space that we fought so hard to keep last year has been completely obliterated. The group TPOs have offered no protection. And the thick green canopy that was a backdrop to 30 gardens at the heart of the village and enjoyed by many more beyond is now very sparse indeed. These two applications for two additional houses within the same site means more trees will go, including a 40-foot yew. An additional house, sorry, two additional houses, and sorry, the additional house, the bungalow, and the conversion of the barn bring additional cars into the development, additional traffic entering and exiting the high street at its narrowest point, additional traffic and lights up and down the length of our garden. An additional house adds another bright orange roof, bringing to pass Barbara Bosworth's prediction last year of modern materials assuming an air of prominence, providing an unsatisfactory urban backdrop to the listed cottages facing the historic streets. Ottlesford's most recent conservation officer supported this application, and I understand she's no longer in post. Her reason was that because the carport was approved last year, this set a precedent upon which further buildings could be approved. She also said incorrectly that there were examples, plural, of neighbouring development, e.g. the bungalow, to the rear of Brick House and Lime Cottage. This is a 17th century timber-framed barn. No conservation officer should ever have mistaken that for a bungalow. And something that predates the Georgian frontage of our house in the rear of our garden should not be used as a precedent for new development. And yet it's in the case officer's report. So what do we do? Do we say it's already ruined, so let's have one more house? And if so, there'll be more coming down the line. Do we say that as a district we're planning to plant tens of thousands of trees? So that cancels this out. Have you seen a new tree? A new tree is called a whip. It's no bigger than this pencil. The trees being felled in this garden are massive, like the 40-foot yew in this application for the Vishali bungalow. It has a girth of about three metres. That's a lot of pencils to replace that. Do we say over 200 trees have already been felled in this garden? So what's a few more? Well, we could say that, or we could say, like the case officer said to me last year, when she stood in my garden and I asked her specifically, what about the practice of developers getting one approval through and then coming back for more? She said, no, categorically not. They wouldn't allow more than eight houses, they being Uttlesford Planning Committee. They wouldn't allow more than eight houses, even with a subsequent planning application request, as they would want to keep the open space and mature trees. No, categorically not. So I ask you to say, please, no, categorically not. Please don't allow these new applications to build a new house and convert a garden storeroom. It's too much. Too much traffic, too much urbanisation, too much overdevelopment. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Um, Mr. Dowell, Mike Dowell. Thank you. Uh, I'm speaking to object to the both planning applications, not for the restoration of the main house, but for the addition of the new dwellings. 
Back in September 2018, this committee considered and approved the application for eight dwellings at Great Chalks, and there was much debate, of which you've heard reference of already, and it was passed on the chairman's vote. In that meeting, half the councillors voted against, raising concerns of irreparable damage and change to the oldest and most historic part of Hatfield Broadoak, the loss of a very rare and special space at the heart of this very historic village, which is listed in Doomsday, and acknowledging the 200 signature petitions submitted by Broadoak villagers highlighting concerns around road safety, the heavy congestion on the high street, which often becomes gridlocked, the exasperating and chronic parking problem, where you get cars parking on the pavement on both sides of the road and, in effect, creating a single uh, line, a single uh, uh, road, and the impact on the environment with the removal of trees and wildlife. While those supporting councillors spoke mostly about the £486,000 contribution to affordable housing, none of which, I believe, will necessarily come to Broadoak. There was also some discussion around the provision of public parking spaces within the scheme, which was said to solve the issues of the high street. This is a completely enclosed scheme, the fact that people might be able to park off the high street is highly unlikely, given that who is going to police whether the, the, the residents themselves don't utilise these extra parking places. And the wooded central area in the centre of the scheme was referred to as providing an additional open space facility for villagers to enjoy. Frankly, a completely baffling comment in a village surrounded by open countryside and fields and with a new 14-acre village green only a stone's throw away from this development. So here we are again with an application for yet more dwellings in addition to the main house with the proposed conversion of the coach house and the addition of a new detached bungalow. That's all right. Bless you. These extra dwellings make no positive contribution to the village as, say, much-needed affordable housing would do and are simply all about driving increasing profit and return for the developer. And it will be the villagers of Hatfield Broadoak who will be left to bear the impact and the cost of this drive for incremental profits. And this is not the only application, I suspect, because I understand there is an intention to build an equipment storage building on an area of the now vacated Badger set. Doubtless this will come forward sometime in the future as yet another additional dwelling. It's just going to be a question of time. We were led to believe by the planning officer that approval of the original eight houses would be it and we would see no additional requests considered. And you can try and describe this site as being one site, two sites, three sites. But the reality is it all accesses onto the high street through exactly the same driveway. So it's not one site, not three sites, it's one site. 
and it's a site which at busy times in the morning with children going to school, in the evening, at weekends, when the pub's busy, there is literally nowhere to park in that high street and it is single-line traffic for most of the time. So I urge you, I urge you, please, to protect this historic village and decline these applications. Thank you very Thank much. You. Um, Stephen Cushell. Thank you, Chair, and members of the committee. I'm a planning agent acting for the Hatfield Broad Oak Residents Group. I put forward objections to both planning applications. In approving the previous application, it's clear that the issues were finely balanced. Members raised concerns about the impact on the conservation area, traffic and parking, and the harmful impacts on the character of the village. In addition to which, the committee felt a duty to respect the feelings of the community. Despite the reservations, the committee was able to conclude that the concerns would be outweighed by the potential public benefits. It was, however, con considered to be the absolute maximum scale of development that's, that this very sensitive location could accommodate. Under the current adopted local plan, the area to the rear is identified as protected open space of environmental value. And policy ENV3 states that the loss of traditional open spaces, other visually important spaces, groups of trees, and fine individual tree specimens through development proposals will not be permitted unless the need for the development outweighs their amenity value. The site is in a backland location served by an access passing close to adjoining houses. The surrounding development is characterised by a traditional pattern of development with houses fronting on the main roads through the village. Part of the rationale in approving a limited number of dwellings on the site was that a lower density development would retain the open, loose-knit character of this part of the conservation area and would be compatible with the immediate surroundings. Just looking at the, the policy context, um, the NPPF indicates that planning decisions should aim to ensure that developments establish a strong sense of place, respond to local character and history, and reflect the identity of surrounding local surroundings. Policy GEN2, GEN of course, says that you should have regard for the scale, form, layout, and appearance of development, and to safeguard important environmental features. Um, ENV1 states that development will be permitted when it preserves or enhances the character and appearance and essential features of a conservation area, including planned form, relationship between dwellings, the arrangement of open areas and their enclosures, the grain, significant natural or heritage features. The applicant suggests that development that is sustainable in this location should be approved in the light of the shortage of housing land. Um, whether such a shortage can be proved is a wider issue. Whatever the, the situation, it is important to consider the sustainability of development in terms of social, economic and environmental impact. It is clear that adding more dwellings would further add to the harmful impacts to the detriment of the special character of the area. It will further perpetuate what will always be 
a poor form of development in relation to both the immediate surroundings and the wider area. It is not, therefore, environmentally sustainable. The NPPF also states that where a proposed development will lead to substantial harm to, uh, or a, to a designated heritage asset, local planning authorities should refuse consent unless it can be demonstrated that the substantial harm or total loss is necessary to achieve substantial public benefits that outweigh that harm or loss. More, more development will further diminish the open character of this part of the village to the detriment of the special character of the conservation area. It will tip the balance such that the harm and loss is no longer outweighed. Um, the application should be refused with reference to policies at GEN2, ENV1, ENV3. Reference should also be made to the MPPF and the environmental aspects of sustainable development. Thank you. was flashing at me. don't know what it was doing. Um, it's now Councillor Artis from um, Atfield Broadhawk Parish Council. Thank you very much. Good uh, evening. Yes, and uh, I'm Keith Artis. I'm speaking on behalf of uh, Hatfield Broadhawk Parish Council, and I applaud your stamina. Um, yes, indeed. This is, a, a, as has already been said, a very contentious development uh, and, as stated by our district councillor, uh, continues to be deeply troubling, as was said at the original hearing. Um, as I said before, you'll remember that despite Ulster's own assessment of the site as a protected open space in the 2005 local plan, the application was passed. The planning inspector further considered the site worthy of protection under policy EMV3. This was ignored. It was also recommended for inclusion in the conservation area. However, as has been said, it was passed only by the casting vote of a chairman who is no longer a councillor. Those who were sitting on my left at the time voted against the approval, recognising the, the destruction of the site. It was only due to the votes of my former colleagues who appeared to be more interested in the money from the section 106 than the demerits of the application that caused the split decision despite the money being of no benefit to Hatfield Broadhead whatsoever. Our 20-year fight to maintain this backland open space was overturned by the smallest, the very smallest of margins possible. However, when the application was passed, it was clearly stated, due to its contentious nature, that eight residences would be the limit of the development. Whilst it was recognised by officers that the committee could not make that a condition, it would serve certainly as a pointer when considering further applications, and, of course, we knew they would come. It is a recognised practice of developers to get a foothold on the site and then milk it with small incremental applications to increase the numbers. These are two such applications which must be considered together as they affect the density of the site. And remember that the site, as defined in the original application, is the whole site. It's not just the backland area. This time it's not land grab, but it is insidious incrementalism. Insidious incrementalism. That's what the uh, uh, activists against expansion at the airport called it. And that can be defined as proceeding in a gradual, subtle way, but with a very harmful effects and on an incremental basis. 
And what of the measly supposed public car parking spaces of the first application that do absolutely nothing to alleviate the dreadful parking problems we have? I bet they get used by yet more residents than their guests. And here we would have potentially another 20 cars using the high street entrance in addition to the 30-odd from the existing eight houses. How on earth will the high street, with its school entrance just a few yards up the road, cope? It really is madness. Let me be clear, Hatfield Broadett Parish Council and the residents' group have no problem with the subdivision and restoration of the existing building of Great Chalks. But to try to plonk yet another building on this site in its back garden and also to develop a building that was, in the earlier permission, clearly designed as a store is indeed insidious incrementalism, a cynical plan to sweat the site for yet more residences. And, as has been suggested before, this may well happen again. There is another area on the site which has been cleared of 11 trees and level flat, and that could be subject of yet another insidious application. We appreciate that planners and committees have to consider every application, but when it takes a stance and principle, it should maintain it. When it says enough is enough, it should mean it. When it sees this step-by-step subversion of the planning process, it should stop it in its tracks. It has been reported to me that the developer is even uh, discussing further uh, developments in other people's back gardens. He seems to think he can get what he wants, more backland development, despite the destruction of our central village environment. Whatever you may hear from the developer, this application is not all sweet and dandy. It's just barging in after having got his foot in the door. You must live up to the promises made that enough is enough and additional residences should be refused outright. By all means, find a way of approving the refurbishment of Great Chalk's house itself, but refuse the rest. You have a very good record of winning any appeals and the, uh, in Broad Oak and the Hallingbury, so please don't be afraid. You did declare a climate emergency recently, and that whole this whole development has exacerbated that from day one. Whilst because of previous promises, I didn't even expect this to get as far as committee, it seems we now must rely on your good offices to do the right thing and refuse this excessive development. Thank you. Thank you very much, Councillor Artis. Um, Mr Cavill... Okay, um, thank you, Chair. Um, I prepared two um, separate um, speeches, if you like, so can I, I'll just do one and then run into the other, if that's okay. Um, okay, well, um, firstly, I'd like to... Uh, just say, as long as you don't sort of repeat... You're sorry? As long as you don't repeat anything, you know, when you go to the second one. Okay. There is some repetition, but it's... But, but it, I don't know. It's, I'll, I'll just see how it goes. All right. Okay. <laughs> um, I'd firstly like to respond to um, a comment made by a previous speaker in respect of the burning of waste material on the uh, on the application site. Uh, according to our, the applicant, uh, a license to burn uh, this this type of waste, the veget waste vegetation, was actually obtained from the Environment Agency before undertaking this. Um, but despite having this license, um, he uh, they actually did stop. Um, from doing this when they were actually asked to do so, um, according to him. So, um, so uh, starting with the, uh, the subdivision application, um, as you've already heard, this uh, this application has been recommended for approval by the case officer, and uh, obviously we we fully support this uh, the conclusion reached at the end of her report. 
Um, however, I would like to take this opportunity to reiterate some of the key points that, uh, that she's already raised. Uh, firstly, the application site is located within the development limits, um, wherein there's obviously no objection in principle to new residential development. Secondly, the uh, principle of subdividing existing dwellings into two or more units is supported under the local plan, and so is the reuse of redundant or disused buildings in accordance with the MPPF. Thirdly, um, although part of the site is currently identified under the adopted local plan as protected open space, it is proposed to remove this designation from the emerging local plan. Um, permission, has, as we know, has already been granted for the erection of eight new detached dwellings on a large proportion of this open space. The Council's Conservation Officer uh, does not have any objections to the proposed development now that the previously proposed dormer windows in the front elevation of the outbuilding have been replaced by roof lights to the rear. Consequently, the case officer has concluded that the proposal would protect the character and setting of the locally listed building itself and the adjacent listed buildings and conservation area. Um, in our opinion, the proposed conversion of the existing outbuilding, which is currently in a poor state of repair, would significantly enhance both the setting of the surrounding listed buildings and the character of the conservation area within which they are located. The renovation of this outbuilding would, however, only be financially viable in connection with a planning approval for the creation of a new independent dwelling such as that proposed under this application. Um, the proposed garden areas would comply with the requirements of the Essex Design Guide. Essex County Highways has confirmed the proposal is acceptable in highway safety terms and the off-street parking provision would comply with the District Council's adopted standards. Um, finally, the proposal would not be harmful to any protected species subject to the imposition of conditions relating to mitigation and compensation. Overall, it's considered that the proposal constitutes an appropriate form of development within the development limits that would preserve and enhance the character and appearance of this locally listed building, whilst also preserving the character of the surrounding listed buildings and conservation area. The site is in a sustainable location that's well served by the existing services, facilities and public transport links found within the village. The proposed means of access is also considered to be acceptable and there would be no harm caused to any existing trees, protected species or the amenity of any neighbouring properties. Uh, with this in mind, we hope that you'll be able to support the officer's recommendation and approve planning permission for the subdivision. Um, turning to the, uh, the application for the new bungalow, um, again, as you've already heard, this has been recommended for approval and we again su support the conclusion at the end of the, uh, uh, the officer's report. Um, uh, as I said, some of these po points will be um, repeating the, co the comments I've made previously. Um, they start with the, uh, the, um, the fact that it's the application sites in the development limits. Obviously, uh, you know, there's no objection in principle to new res residential development there. Um, the, the same comments apply to the, um, the, uh, the, the protected open space issue. Uh, obviously, that's, that's being removed under the, or proposed to be removed under the emerging local plan. Um, again, the, the conservation officer has not objected to the design scale of the proposed development. Um, the garden areas would again comply with the requirements of the Essex Design Guide. Um, there wouldn't be any neighbour amenity issues as the separation distances recommended in the Essex Design Guide would be, would be provided. Um, Essex County Highways have again confirmed that the proposal is acceptable in highway safety terms um, and the provision of two off-street parking spaces would again comply with the District Council's adopted standards. Um, the final point is to do with, uh, with landscaping. The Council's landscaping officer has not objected to the proposal um, as, uh, sorry, as the proposal only involves the removal of one tree, uh, which they don't consider to be an outstanding specimen. 
Uh, I understand this tree was identified to members at their site visit this morning. So in conclusion, um, it's considered that the proposal again constitutes an, an appropriate form of infill development. Um, it would preserve the character and appearance of the surrounding listing buildings and conservation area. Um, again, it's in, in the same sustainable location. The, uh, and the proposed means of access is considered to be acceptable and there'll be no harm caused to any existing trees or protected species or the amenity of any neighbouring properties. Uh, again, with this in mind, we hope that you'll be able to support this uh, second application for the uh, erection of the new bungalow and uh, approve planning permission for the proposed development. Thank you. Thank you very much, Mr Cavill. Open it up to the committee. Councillor Fairhurst. Thank you, Madam Chairman. Three things come to mind. The first is deja vu. Here again. I remember, I think it was Councillor Freeman talking about um, development by stealth. The new word tonight, apparently, the word tonight is insidious incrementation, incrementalism, which is a mouthful. Um, but for me, the most important is protected open space, which I'm told is going to be removed. I can't believe that's true. No one would do that. Um, this isn't all that complicated to me. I can't imagine anyone's room seeing anything differently. This is, this is first of all, it's backland development on one side. In terms of forward, everyone seems to agree Hang that... On. I think we'll I know just I'm trying to separate the two, but it's very difficult to do because it's well, one side. We, let's, well, let's take... Let's do the, 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 the subdivision one first. Should we do the okay. subdivision one first? I think yeah? I th well, we, do, we do accept that you yeah. take it, it as is, a package. It, it is, is a really package, a package. Yes. I mean, but you are able to divide it. Yes. So, yeah, it is, yeah, it is difficult, yeah. On the first one... Um, for me, I think everyone seems to be in agreement that when you renovate an old place, even if you subdivide into two new places, provided you don't damage the nature and character of the, of the, of the, of the environment, we're doing okay. I think everyone sort of get, gets that. The minute you start building out a storeroom into a separate dwelling, that's not, just not the case at all, and I would vehemently oppose that. Now, I'm not sure we can, in this particular first application, separate the two. I was told you take them as one unit. You can't, you can't develop them on the applications. I'll ask the officer. This is where we're at a disadvantage. We can't, um, but a planning inspector, when considering it, can. Could. So, so if, you know, for instance, if you are in a position where you refuse it because you don't accept half of it, the inspector could expect it, uh, accept half of it. Yes. It's a slight disadvantage for us, and that's a little bit we could do with, but never mind. Exactly. So, but on that basis, I, w I am very happy to, to, to refuse the first application, uh, despite the fact that the renovation of the major building would be rather good for the environment. Um, <clears throat> yeah, what a horrifying story. To, uh, to paraphrase Edward Heath's comment about capitalism, this is the unacceptable face of development. Um, we, we really ought to, as a council, uphold the albeit unenforceable promise that it would be at a limited rate. Um, yes, this, this refurbishment of the building into two, fine. But everything else, no. Councillor Lemon. Thank you, Chair. Um, I'm not sure I sat on the, this. I sat on the last application. And uh, do I need to declare that I sat on that? No, because last one? a few. A few okay. of them have, so it's okay. Right. Well, it was, as you heard, a very controversial application. Um, a lot of it was on background development and, and the ecology of the site. But my main problem is the road. And we kept the number of houses down as 
small, as reasonably as we could to avoid more and more congestion coming out on that road. I know the road very well. There's a school very close by, and you can see it today. And we were given assurances, no, it will be eight. It will be eight. I can remember talking about it at the time. And what do we hear now? Oh, well, yes, well, we're going to convert, uh, make two um, dwellings there and a uh, uh, um, uh, bungalow in the garden. Um, and also convert the main house into two. It's all going to bring more cars, more pollution, more danger onto that site. And I will, sorry, but I will be voting against this. I hope everybody else will too. Yes, let's go to a vote. So yeah, this, hang on, hang on. Oh, these are refusal, refusal reasons. Uh, yeah, refusal so you reasons. first, you first, because you, yeah, I'll help you out. Oh, don't worry about you, sir. Yes, it will be. Uh, Over development will be Gen 2. Gen 2. Yeah. Nice. Can sorry, we? Sorry, sorry, so that again, over development and... and, and, and Yeah, that's right. You know what's coming. <laughs> Gen two covers all of that. It covers overdevelopment and it covers the the issues about outer character of the area. Now, obviously, we're happy if members are mindful for this. If they are generally supportive of the subdivision, we can make it quite clear that we're, we're related supportive. to the cart lodge yeah. conversion. Um, that's yeah. that says that's what you do. Gen one, I would always argue. Obviously, we've got highway authority. No, 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 no. And the similar similar issue goes as far as parking, because this development washes its own face in terms of car parking. But the other issue to comes in terms does this will the car parking spaces be used? So, so I would I would suggest Gen two. Obviously, it's up to you whether you want to include Gen one as well in terms of the highway issues. I, mean, I think I think um, we should. Um, that's your call. <laughs> Anything Is else? that a proposal, Mr. Anything James? else? Can I second that proposal? Yes, please do. Yes. So, so taking 1527 for the subdivision and the conversion um, change of use. Yes, it's yes. subdivision and the conversion, which conversion. is it's easy to just do it by the number, I think. Yes, that's right. So that's yes, right. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Just one more. Yeah. Can I just comment? I know several people are saying, well, the subdivision's okay, but it's still going to produce more cars. And we're voting on the subdivision and the, and the two uh, elements on the side. Uh, no. how, are we just no. voting on the subdivision? Subdivision and the cart lodge. And the cart lodge, yes. yes. So I, well, I'm sorry, but I still disagree with the cart lodge. I can't think that you can do... All I was suggesting was that you have the application we're considering now is the subdivision and the conversion of the cart lodge. That's one application. Now, if members, it's up to you, it's your gift. If members are mindful that the subdivision is fine, you can make it quite clear in the refusal reason that this relates to the cart lodge. If not, you don't need to. You can just leave it. You can just leave it hanging. Yeah, just leave it hanging there. So, therefore, just so Gen 1 and Gen 2. Yeah. But, but I, you know, we're, we're voting on two separate things on, uh, on this one, aren't we? The, yes. the house and the subdivision. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, actually, I'm not too bad about the house, but I don't want the subdivision. So how do I vote on that? So we have Councillor Fairhurst and seconded by Councillor Count. 
to refuse this application. So can I take a vote on refusal of this application, please? Refused unanimously, Madam no, Chair. No, 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 it's not. It's oh, not. sorry. Who can't who can't have it? Yeah, there. Okay, so that okay. is nine. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Yep. Nine. And one abstention. Do we need any more discussion on the next one? Well, you haven't discussed it. No, we haven't no, we discussed haven't, it. We haven't really discussed it. You had actually, yeah. Okay. We need to discuss it. So, 1524, and it's the new bungalow. Councillor Fairhurst. Thank you, Madam Chairman. I think it's uh, a lot easier to make a decision on this one even than the first one, because there's no ambivalence at all. There is no doubt at all. This is backland development. It's, it's completely inappropriate. Um, even the tree part offends me. Um, uh, refusal for whatever reason you can possibly find, but quite honestly, it's, a, it's again the traffic, it's again backland development, it's again overdevelopment, it's again traffic and issues. Um, strongly against it. Councillor Fairhurst, it's ditto from the previous one, because it's still character the area, you're still going to run the Gen 1, so it's Gen 1 and Gen 2. This is easier because it is backland as well, so you're considering it's inappropriate backland. The H4 policy is obviously, the, the, our wording of H4 is it, it's all about relationships and disturbances to neighbours as you yeah. go by. But I think H4 measured with Gen 2 just is inappropriate backland, so you can do that. Okay, so proposed by Councillor no. Reeve. Can, you want can to I, say something? Can we yes. discuss it first? Yes, please do. Councillor Reeve, you'd like yes, to say the, something. The, the question I would like to add and ask in the discussion is that I was very distressed about all the uh, tree clearance that took place, which was probably excessive tree clearance. <laughs> and so my question is, uh, uh, can this group now say anything about enforcement or whatever of that, or is that a totally separate right. issue? Quite a bit of tree clearance was authorised. So, I mean, I'm not, I am not saying hand on heart there's no breach of planning control, but you've heard a lot this more earlier on today about unauthorised works and clearances and stuff like that. That was authorised. Almost all of that, possibly all of that, has been authorised. Well, that, that, that may be the implication of you approving planning permission, and that's, that's part of the issue, or of us recommending approval. But, there's no but we will investigate. We will continue to investigate. Councillor Reeve. Yes, that, that's really my question, is how much was authorised and how much has been done. I saw one very large tree stump and was told, oh, that was an ill tree. And, uh, and th that distresses me. There was a thing this wide. And uh, that's the issue I would like to see investigated. Uh, that's my point. Councillor Lemon. Yep, I'd like to second uh, Councillor Fairhurst's refusal of this application. Okay, so, anybody else want to say anything? No. Okay, so, this, this um, proposal to refuse this application by Councillor Fairhurst, seconded by Councillor Lemon. All those in favour of refusing this application? This time it is unanimous, Madam Chair. Thank you very much. I ask their indulgence.
You can. I mean, it shouldn't take long. No, it shouldn't. I can guarantee a refusal, and approval, refusal, and a deferral. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yes. Um, can I ask your indulgence? It's five to seven. We have three left. Yes. May I ask your indulgence? Yes. Yes. Are you okay? Are you okay, Alistair? Elizabeth? Yes. Might as well just get it done. Okay. Hang in there. Hang in there. <laughs> right. Okay. UTT 191823, full application. Saffron. Oh. Saffron Walden High School, Audley End Road. Thank you, Chris Tyler. Thank, thank you. Thank you, Chair. The application site is situated in the grounds of Saffron Walden County High School. Vehicular and pedestrian access is gained via the main driveway uh, entrance adjoining Audley End Road. The application site relates to an area southwest of the main high school building. This application is for the erection of an artificial grass football pitch and associated features including fencing, 15 metre high floodlight system, car park and replacement planting. This plan demonstrates the proposed outline of the fencing and floodlights. This, these photos demonstrate the proposed features to be used in the development, including the fencing and floodlights. They're not the actual uh, proposals that will go on the site, but it just demonstrates what uh, the proposal will look like. Uh, no objections have been received from the Town Council or neighbouring properties. 13 letters of support have been received. Uh, the proposal has been supported by Sports England. No objections have been received in regards to highway safety or ecology. No objections have been received from the environmental health officer in regards to noise and disturbance. As set out in paragraph uh, 9.4 of the committee report, a number of trees will require to be re removed. Uh, the council's landscape officer has visited the, the application site and has advised these do not hold any significant amenity value. However, a condition uh, for the submission of a detailed landscaping scheme, including further tree planting, should be imposed. Uh, additional conditions are recommended by the Envi Environmental Health Officer, including the provision of two electric charging points in the uh, car park, and the angle and positioning of the floodlights should be to minimise light overspill. Taking into account the details set out in the report, any harm caused by the development will be outweighed by the positive nature of the development and the introduction of sport and recreational provisions. As such, it's considered the development accords with both local and national planning policies and is recommended for approval. Much, Chris. Councillor Fearhurst. Thank, Thank you, Madam Chair. Um, conditional on a tree planting um, um, a provision that is like for like um, and that we have, can, can do better than two electric charging points for an entire football field um, I'm sure we can do better than two I would be delighted to support this for, for approval to the council 
Thank you, Councillor Enfiers. Councillor Stora. Thank you, Chair. Subject to us being satisfied that the amount of light uh, generated by the floodlights will be to the minimum possible and won't have any or have minimum adverse effect upon the surrounding area, then I'd like to second Councillor Fairhurst's proposal. Thank you. Wasn't there something about the light? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there was a condition added on by the environmental health officer. It's not included on, on the report, but it's been added on after uh, for them to, um, for the angle and uh, des design of the, the lighting to not impact the surrounding area. Thank you. Thank you. Sorry, just to pick up Councillor Fairhurst's point, we can do better than two. How many should we have? Cause we... I think 10 is a lovely number. How many? Go for that, yeah. Yeah. How many parking spaces are there? How many spaces have we got in total? Uh, 55. Yeah, I think that's, yeah. I think that's fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Any other comments? No? Okay, we have... Um, a proposal to approve this by Councillor Fairhurst and seconded by Councillor Stora. And so all those in favour of approving this application? Unanimous, Madam Chair. Thank you very much. So, okay, UTT 181027, full application, land to the east of White Ditch Lane, Newport. Thank you, Mr. Thank Brown. you, Chairman. This is a, another application in White Ditch Lane. Um, this is an application on, um, I need to get, it all merges into one White Ditch Lane, unfortunately, but this is the application where you've already got consent for development on this site here, isn't it? Is that site, that site there? And this was considered as part of the, within the same ownership as that particular site. Um, just to put it in context, we've got um, the, 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 the adjacent site going off that way on the, on, at that particular stage. Um, this application, it's a bit of a complicated one because over about a year ago, this application was originally in a position where it's going to be recommended for approval. It's going to be recommended approval subject to a section 106 requiring all the necessary packages because it was clearly seen as part of the same development here in terms of ownership. And uh, it was um, actually set up for recommended for approval subject to 106. The applicant refused to enter into section 106 at that time, so we were going to issue a refusal. A 100% administrative error meant that we accidentally issued a planning permission. And uh, so we managed to unpick that, um, and the only way you can do that is by the leader of the council challenging his own officer's decision, which was done, and it was clearly seen by the court that that was a legitimate mistake, and it was put back to the authority. Now, the outcome is not a refusal. It's given back to the authority to redetermine. The applicant has now agreed to enter into Section 106. I'll be absolutely honest with you. It's too late. 
um, the situation in White Ditch Lane um, that has been consistently considered by this, office, by this council has got to the position where it's too much. It's unsustainable. It's, its cumulative impact on White Ditch Lane is unacceptable. Um, it is a shame. It is a shame that we have got to this position and it is accepted that we have done a if you like, a 100 degrees turnaround from offices on this particular issue. But I think White Ditch Lane is absolutely unique in terms of what I, what I see in, in my business. And so, therefore, the application is recommended for refusal for the reasons outlined in 236, um, down to community impact. The actual development itself is, out of, is even out of keeping of what's already been approved in White Ditch Lane. And so, for a number of reasons, the application is recommended for refusal, Chairman. Thank you very much. Open it up to the committee. Yes, you told me that just before you walked away as well. I, I do apologise. Jacqueline Hamali. Sorry about that. <laughs> right, thank you very much for letting me speak today. Um, my husband and I are the landowners um, of the application site, and as lay people, we are completely and utterly distraught regarding how our planning application has been dealt with. We felt it was important that I came and addressed you today um, to put over our side of the story. Uh, the application was first submitted in April 9, uh, 2018 and the scheme was deemed acceptable by the local highway authority, the planning officer and Mrs Maria Shoe-Smith in October 2018, um, other than needing a Section 106 agreement to secure payment towards affordable housing. However, the council made an error and issued planning permission and had to have the decision judicially reviewed in order to quash the decision, which happened in March 2019. Uh, my husband and I thought that if we entered into the, a Section 106 agreement, planning permission would be issued, as it has been for other sites on White Ditch Lane that were submitted after ours. Now, suddenly, out of the blue, the officers are saying our scheme is unacceptable. We have never been made aware that the officers were unhappy with the scheme until this month. There had been no policy changes to justify the sudden change, just apparently that there is enough development on White Ditch Lane and it would be out of character. I just don't see how you can possibly be the case when it was pre previously acceptable. The offer has gone further and is now saying that they don't like the design of the houses, there is not enough variety with a mix of housing. This is the first time in 19 months that we have ever been made aware of this. It should not be raised now, especially when this time last year the design was, of mix was completely acceptable. I would also point out that the Parish Council have stated that the site lies at the end of the lane, which it clearly does not. The site lies part way down the eastern side of the lane, with existing housing next to it and beyond the north. This is not how applications should be treated. It is wholly unfair when we see our neighbours getting planning permission for schemes that took similar, look similar to ours and came in after ours. We have submitted a transport technical note that demonstrates vehicle movement from our four houses will barely have any impact on the lane and surrounding junctions. We are willing to enter into the Section 106 agreement and have offered to connect up to the existing footpath. This has been a horrible and stressful situation and we ask you to stand by the original officer's conclusion of that scheme and accept that we are willing to enter into the Section 106. Thank you. Thank you very much, Mrs. Mrs. Hamali. Um, I'll open it up now. Councillor Stora. 
Thank you, Chair. I wonder if I could ask the officers what's changed in the meantime that prompts this reversal of recommendation? So I've re relocated up here. Um, I think the passage of time is an important issue here. I mean, the, at the end of the day, quite a lot of development has come out of the ground that was consented in the past. And, uh, and I think the impact of all those communities, all those appropriate developments that were approved in an appropriate way, some on appeal, have been approved as we've gone down, and they've come out of the ground to the point where, cumulatively, we've got to point... I think we've probably gone beyond the pale in terms of the impact on the proposal. I think it's the continued development that has been uh, implemented on the site. Um, the, 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 the parish council have also raised. I'm not. The parish council is an emerging neighbourhood plan. We've obviously got the cumulative impact and, and the issues down there. But the situation's got to a point where we've, we've got to a point where we just can't go on anymore by approving more development on this particular site. So I think it's the passage of time and the implementation of existing development up there has, has changed what we should be doing now. May I follow that up, Chair? Thank you. Um, when we, as a committee, uh, went down there, I, I got the impression that there wasn't much other scope for development. Is, do you think that's the case? In which case, what will be the matter with this? But if there, I would, I would agree with you if there is quite a bit of scope for further development. But if there isn't, and this was a, the last one, then it might make sense to let it go. I think we've been saying the last one for quite a few years, but I think the issue is, I'm not saying any other site is appropriate for development, but there are other gaps along White Ditch Lane which could come forward for development. So I don't think this could, you could safely say this is, and some of the development is being backfilled as well, some development's being come forward behind existing development as well. And so even though it feels like White Ditch Lane is filled with housing, there are still, which it feels like it has, but there are still serious gaps along the White Ditch Lane as well. Thank you. Councillor Fairhurst, um, Councillor Lachlan, could you put that, the middle, the button off, please? Thank you. Councillor Fairhurst. Thank you, Madam Chair. This is an odd one because we're always looking at this Edmunds Committee for principal issues to determine whether something is sustainable or not, whether it's something we should approve or should reject. Um, and it seems to me that the principal issue here is, in a rather confusing way, the lapse of time. Um, that's been stated, um, and it's an interesting kind of conundrum for planning, but because lapse, lapse of time is rather strange. We approve large developments, and it takes them years and years and years to see any kind of change, but we assume there's a time in, 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 in issue in, in planning. And yet, in this case, the space of a year um, has created a, a shift from uh, recommend for approve to recommend for reject. But if that's the case, in a strictly legalistic sense, we really have to say, well, if we are responsible for that lapse of time to a material extent, we're effectively prevented or we're stopped. We're prevented from using that as a defense. If it, was, if it was our doing, as, as innocent a mistake as it was, if it was our doing that created that, that lapse of time, it's a little bit awkward for me to then use that 
as a justifiable, as the justifiable reason to reject. So when, when we taught white digital, it's a very easy decision for me. That is our, 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 our locus classicus of, of, of cumulative development and damage. So had it been brought to, as it was, you know, as, had it been brought to this committee a year ago, I would be very minded to say, well, white digital, you know, are, you, are you kidding? But it isn't. It's about time. Um, and on that basis, I find it very hard. I find it very hard to be, to be true to our word and then use it as an expense. Thank you. Sorry, can I just ask a question? Let me just get this in my head again. It was actually refused, but it was, it was put forward for refused, but it, the error was put that it was... Yeah, the application, yeah, the application was, was, it, was, was approved... And I will save Maria here because it wasn't necessarily a position where we, we were in a position where we were going to recommend approval for it. But we were having discussions around the Section 106, which wasn't right. forthcoming. Yes. So therefore, the application was going to be refused, um, recommended for refused because of a lack of a 106. Uh, we hadn't got to the position of re approving it subject to a 106. It just was refused because the 106 hadn't come forward. And uh, so, and then, then it was that was accidentally issued as an approval. Right. And only a couple of... And then the and then it's taken some time for it to go through the judicial process, and it right. came out of the process. As you know, these things take time. came out at the end of the time, and only at that point did we have an applicant... Did we have a, an, an agreement to sign a 106? And also, during that period, the, appellate, the app applicant also <laughs> had the chance to resubmit his application. So once you're in a judicial process, you can say, tell after six months, so therefore you, you still have the opportunity to submit an application. Sorry. Also, you know how um, other, other applications have come through and things, but there's been quite a lot of appeals on White Ditch Lane, hasn't there? Quite a few appeals, so that takes time. So it looks like somebody's getting approval, but it's, had, it's taken the time to get there because it's gone through... A, so it's not that they're just getting it now... It's that they've taken a long time to get there as well, haven't they? So, it, yeah. So, Councillor Lachlan. Thank you. Uh, well, I find myself agreeing with Councillor Fairhurst. It does seem very unfair and very stressful for the applicants and also very expensive because they, I'm sure when they judicially reviewed it, if they did, it must have cost an awful lot of money. And we can't say that um, another application could come up along there because we're told that we have to take every application on its merits. And uh, I, I'm very uncomfortable with this, really, really am. And I was, I was here... For the, I was here for the last application that came through because I was here a year ago and I remember it. So, uh, no, I, I, I'm going to go with Councillor Fairhouse. It just doesn't seem to me to be just. Councillor Caton. I mean, when we went as a group down White Ditch Lane, I, th I think we did I identify... We went down for a planning application and we subsequently refused it on the grounds of accumulative uh, effect. So, I mean, we have created a, a precedent for actually doing that uh, down White Ditch Lane. And so it's because we've created the precedent that we most probably could, if we so feel so inclined, to actually make a refusal decision on this one because we are being consistent with our last decision 
on, on applications down White Ditch Lane. So I, I'm not quite in tune with either um, Councillor Lockley or... Also, to pick up on that point, sorry, since then, we've also refused a further application for eight dwellings on the, I forget what it's called, uh, opposite Branscombe, the site that goes off to lead. An application was submitted for eight dwellings along there, for which we therefore refused it under delegated powers on cumulative impact on the basically enough is enough situation. So it has been going. And then you're also talking about this particular landowner has developed land to the south so this is this is this is a community taking more you've already refused an application today because the developers have been biting an extra mine now that's not necessarily an issue but white ditch lane is i would seriously suggest white ditch lane is absolutely unique in terms of what's been happening over the last few years so so, so i mean I, I i i like i think i'm going to propose that the ref, refusal of this application in line with the officer's recommendation. Thank you. Thank you, Councillor Keaton. Councillor Storer, you wanted to come Thank in? you, Chair. Taking Councillor Fairhurst's point about responsibility for the delay, from what Mr Brown has said, if I've misunderstood, it seems it was clear that the applicants knew that there were, they would be required to enter into a 106 agreement with the Council and declined to do that, hence the recommendation and the decision was to refuse. And it's that that led to the situation we ended up in. Mm. Now again, from what Mr Brown has said, there was the opportunity then for them to submit another application perhaps. Whether they were aware of that, I, I don't know. Whether they had an agent that informed them or officers would have done, I, I do not know. But it seems to me that the ball might have been in their court then and circumstances have changed in that intervening period so yes there is scope I think for for me to go along with Councillor Caton on this thank you is that our second yes it is thank you yeah. very much Councillor Pavitt uh, I was just going to actually agree with Councillor Caton's door I think that they were told to come forward with a 106 and didn't. It had then gone back through the process by which time we may well have had the policy there saying we're not going to have any more development in White Ditch. It's, you know, it's unfortunate, but that's the reality, and I, I will go with a refusal. Thank you. Um, uh, Councillor Fairhurst, and now go Councillor Lachlan. No, 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 Councillor Fairhurst, then you. Okay. I think it's an interesting point. But I see it slightly differently because we've been told, it's a question of evidence, but we have been told that had the applicants provided a 106, we were told that today, had they provided a 106, then it would have been recommended for approval. Now that's the facts we're dealing with. And today we presented with the same application and a 106. So what we're effectively saying is, if you'd done it a year ago, we'd have gone ahead with it, but because of delay in time, the circumstances change. And so what I'm saying is it comes down to an understanding of time. We've agreed, it's been accepted here, that a year ago, the, the same terms and conditions were considered and were going to be approved subject to 106. A year later, we all know why Ditch Lane is a different creature. Not of our own making, of course, but cumulative problem. 
And now, because of this delay, I'm sorry, guys, you got in the wrong time. But they weren't responsible for the delay. Be careful what I'm saying. It is a, is a subtle thing here, but we have to be careful here. We need to do the right thing as well. Just the, the, the question is, is four dwellings, four further dwellings on White Ditch Lane in this location acceptable? And, um, you know, and, you know, and if, 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 the, if this goes to appeal and, you know, we are on, we are on diff different grounds to normal because we are running the cumulative issue and we're going to run it anywhere, I'm happily to front it up at White Ditch Lane, to be honest. And if we get, we could get an allowed appeal and our behaviour may still be seen to be unreasonable and still have costs awarded against us, even though we could win the appeal. But the most important, picking up Council Fairhurst's point, I think we have to do the right thing. And, I, and I, my view is I think enough is enough on White Ditch Lane. Councillor Lachlan. Thank you. Am I right in assuming that the applicants now have said they will come, they will abide by 106? That... I'm sure I heard that, but because these hearing aids are a pain in the rear. Yeah, they have what happens with the with what happens with a a quashed application, it goes back to the authority and it, it picks it up where we left off and it picks it up where the left off with them refusing to enter into one oh six and they have now agreed to enter in section one oh six. Oh, that's the point I was trying to make. So we would have approved it last time if there'd been a 106, but there wasn't a 106, so it didn't get approved. But now there is a 106, why can't we approve it? It would have been recommended for approval had they entered into a 106. This is a brand new application, though. It would have though. been recommended. It would have no, came here. I think, I think I know where it would have ended <laughs> up, to be absolutely honest. This is officers catching up with members on this particular issue. To be okay, frank. Councillor Reeve. There's a, a question... Um, oh. I've been looking at clause 1118 and 19 in the report. Oh, yes, I think. And um, what was the reason that the 106 wasn't entered into? Yes. They refused to enter into it because they felt that the site was not related to the site behind, despite the fact that it there was it wasn't there was a land ownership linkage there. And there is quite clearly a land ownership linkage there, for which they were this would have considered as in light with those, and they didn't think it was. Okay. So, so had it been refused, they would have had the right to appeal against that particular situation. Okay. So to agree, this helped me, but it was actually or the delays were partly caused by the intent of the applicant. And okay. we do accept the delays yeah. have been because of our error. Okay. So, so what, it was a so six what, to one, to be honest. Yeah, so what I'm sensing is there are two issues. One is a sympathy issue and the other is a planning issue. And uh, to me, actually, the planning issue appears paramount. My councillor... It's me. Sorry, press it again. The proposal was proposed by Councillor Caton, seconded by Councillor Storer, to refuse this application. Yes. So all those in favour of refusing this application? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. And against? and one abstention. Thank you.
Councillor Storer. Thank you, Chair. Um, through you, if I may, um, I consider myself to be something of an expert in this field. And may I point out to uh, Councillor Lachlan that if a hearing aid is a pain in the rear, she's not using it properly. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> Do you know, I was waiting for something. You know, thinking, oh, my, sorry. I was get, I was sorry, I have to say, here. I actually didn't hear that. As another wearer of hearing aids, I second that. <laughs> Okay. Mine are new. <laughs> uh, last one. Oh dear. Okay. UTT nineteen two three four zero HHF Blythewood Gardens Stansted, and it's that one, not that one. Hello, Maria. Maria. Sorry. Um, it's Maria. Thank okay. you. Thank you, Chair. Thank you. <laughs> uh, the applications for a retrospective uh, application for the erection of a summer house in the rear garden of 21 Blythewood Gardens in Stansted. The application site is uh, partly within development limits and partly within green belts. If I show you on here, the green belt line cuts across the rear of the gardens um, at the back here. Also, um, half the site following the, uh, pretty much following the Greenbelt uh, line is a blanket TPO on many of the rear gardens uh, backing onto um, the field behind, um, which captures uh, trees which are located uh, within the garden of this application site. However, um, as part of the application, what has happened is a rear summer house uh, outbuilding has been constructed at the bottom of the garden, which has been located here. Um, it's currently um, occupied, or shall I say, used by the residents whilst uh, works to the main house is being undertaken. However, the rear uh, outbuilding, if I show you a picture, this one here, um, would technically could be permitted development if it wasn't for the construction of the decking that's located here and the, the uh, veranda element. All other aspects of the outbuilding in terms of height of the ridge and the eaves uh, fall within the permitted development um, allowance. In terms of um, impact of the scheme, uh, whilst uh, there are TPOs uh, on the site and you can see them located to the rear here. Um, our landscape officer has not objected in terms of any impact upon those trees. In terms of impact, due to the uh, nature of the outbuilding and the fact that the, the main structure itself could be constructed under permitted development, um, it's felt that the overall size scale is acceptable um, and, the, and there would be no adverse impact upon the residential amenity of the neighbouring occupiers. As a result, the application has been recommended for approval subject to the condition of the staining of the building to a dark colour uh, to, uh, to make it less prominent. Um, thereby, it's been recommended for approval subject to the condition outlined on page 242. Thank you, Chair. Um, we have one speaker. Mrs. Lachlan. Right. Sorry? 
Right. Well, I might add that the report that you've just been given is totally at odds with the one that you were given before because, uh, firstly, I would say, and I wasn't prepared for this, but it's obviously been altered since this came out, because you were saying about a line of TPO trees, right? Well, in the report, it says the landscape officer has been consulted and confirmed that the trees are not protected by a tree protection order. He raises no concerns regarding this development with respect to landscaping. So you are telling us now a different story than is on here, uh, which is very worrying because this is... Well, uh, well, uh, hang on a minute because I think, you know, you want the committee to decide this on, on what you've just been told now and what you sent them is totally different. And, I'm, you know, public have got that, but they, have, they may not be listening on the mic. I think that's actually dreadful. Now I'll pull. Sorry, Janice, I'm going to have to defend officers here. You have raised faults in the report, which is your right. You used it out, out of courtesy, you told us, before the meeting. So, therefore, what Maria has done has given you the information, like when we do presentations at committee, we will, we will report them. And some of those things that Maria did isn't necessarily in the report but therefore all she's doing she's not altering the report she gets matters have been raised and that she has addressed those particular issues and so therefore it, so there's nothing untoward about it is this is how the process works issues are raised with us and we clarify them so well then sorry can you turn your mic off yeah i'm just gonna turn my mic off and turn you back on in terms of time <laughs> Well, if that was the case, then you should have said that this was an amended. You did not. You just gave a report. You did not say this is an amended report or this is the correct report. You just gave a report. And I'm sorry, you don't normally do that. Well, I don't know you normally do that. But anyway, based on what you gave to the committee, I will now read out the email that I sent. And, and I should say um, that... I don't know the applicants. I don't suppose they know me from Adam. And it doesn't uh, affect me in any way. I have been asked to speak on behalf of the neighbours. Um, and that's why I've had to recuse myself. I've been a resident of the road since 1976. And obviously, I'm acquainted with people down the road because when you live somewhere so long, you actually get to know people. Um, so they have asked me to come along and speak on their behalf uh, which is what I'm doing. Um, when I had people coming to me making complaints, I actually passed them on to the local member, who is council dean, because it isn't my business to get involved in another councillor's uh, you know, patch, if you like, even though I live there. So anyway, initially I had no intention of speaking to the application, but I decided to do so uh, as there are mistakes in the report some of which Maria has now changed, um, so or whoever has changed her. And it's a, I have said the structure, which the applicant is calling a summer house, has in fact been lived in, which you've just mentioned, by the applicant and his wife and children. I don't know if they're there all the time. The kids, somebody told me that they change around. Uh, and that's been for most of this year. Uh, it, it went to enforcement last year or the beginning of this year 
and uh, because the neighbours were told it was a shed. And uh, a planning officer, who I will not mention, um, very handsome, though, <laughs> told, told me that you could put a, a lawnmower in it and call it a shed. So I said, OK, fine, we'll leave it at that. And then they built a shed. So then that sort of blew the argument of the uh, dwelling out of the window. And it says that the report mentions, and in paragraph 11.2, that the building of this site could possibly be constructed under the permitted development rights of the property, and quotes class E. Well, I spoke to you about that today as well, and that has also been changed because you said now permitted development rights, but... Uh, Planning guidance published by the Ministry of Housing, Communities and Local Government in September 2019 says Class E provides for A, any building or enclosure or swimming pool as required for a purpose incidental to the enjoyment of a dwelling of a house as such or the maintenance, improvement or other alteration of such a building. Uh, or a container for use as domestic heating purposes or for the storage of oil, gas or liquid petroleum. Examples could include common buildings, and I'm quoting this from the Ministry's paper, examples could include common buildings such as garden sheds, other storage buildings, garages and garden decking, as long as they can be described as having a purpose incidental to the enjoyment of the house. It would not, however, cover normal residential uses, such as uh, the use of an outbuilding for primary living accommodation, such as a bedroom, bathroom, or kitchen. Well, the very fact that the family are living in this, uh, there are bedrooms, there is a shower, I believe, uh, so in all senses of the word, it is, at the moment, a dwelling. Paragraph 11.2 of the report, oh sorry I should have finished off, um, the, the planning guidance's interpretation of Class E is for the purposes uh, incidental to the enjoyment of the dwelling house as such, including the keeping of poultry, bees, pet animals, birds or other livestock for the domestic or personal enjoyment of the occupants of the dwelling house. Paragraph 11.2 of the report states that it would appear that the building is currently being used as some kind of living accommodation. This is a clear breach of Class E. Neighbours' concerns are that no conditions have been put on the application to state that the summer house should not be used as a dwelling in the future. I don't think anyone's concerned about them living in it while the um, main extension is being built. But the only condition is put on that, that it should be stained a dark colour. Nothing about it shouldn't be used as a dwelling house now or any time in the future. Uh, and it's, So if the committee is minded to approve the application, I would ask that a condition is placed on the structure which prohibits its use as a future dwelling. The report states that the structure is larger than would be expected. It is very large and therefore intrusive to the enjoyment of others, especially as it is being used as a dwelling. Having a large garden is no reason to be allowed to breach planning rules. And I should say also that the measurements are in question because they may well be uh, 
I don't know if anyone's gone and measured this, but the level of the garden was actually raised, which, and I did send you a photo, I believe. Uh, so although that may be a height, may be okay, the actual slab level has been raised because the garden level has been raised. So it actually is very prominent on both sides uh, and for both neighbours. The, the photograph that a neighbour took from the field, which is in the green belt, and this bit is this um, structure, I don't know what to call it, is in the green belt. Uh, so, and, and they are, you know, they are concerned about that. And it also says it's lit at night, which would not be normal in a summer house. There are no other lit structures to the rear of the gardens, certainly not in the green belt, which this is. Uh, an overgrown public path, footpath runs along the back of Blythewood Gardens, and behind it lies the metropolitan green belt and part of that garden and consists of agricultural land. There is no other source of light pollution to the rear of other houses. Um, also, the Council report Lachlan, states that the access... You need sorry, to, you you need to you close. Get, you need sorry? To, you need to close now. Right, I'm just just finishing. Hang on. Um, I've just got that little bit. Um, well, yeah, you've, you've had about right, six well, it, minutes. Okay, can I, have a, can I have a ramble? I won't be long. Just... <laughs> I, well, I'd, sorry, I'd almost, I'd almost finished when you stopped me, sorry. So, um, <coughs> sorry, I've said about it, wouldn't be normally be lit. Um, but it also says that access is through the rear of number 21. This is confusing as uh, access is gained by a path along the side of the main dwelling and there is a, um, a specially constructed path that leads to that. Um, and the landscape officer has, was consulted and says that the trees are not protected. Well, we've always already been into that because it's now been altered. Um, and, and I provided photos of the, the line of where the... Um, TPOs are all along the back there uh, and I suppose that's about it but I believe this structure is contrary to Gen 2, paragraphs H and I and policy H8 and also if it is a dwelling it's backland development in the green belt so thank you Do I leave now? Yes you do Oh, right. and also Councillor, Councillor Pavitt's had to leave for another meeting Sorry, yeah. shall I go? You can leave. You can. Do leave. I sit there? You can, you can sit. sit. You it's can like sit. Musical chairs yes, because you you'll, you'll be a member of the public. She can sit, can't she? Can she stay? Yes. She can't hear. Yes. No, but he didn't speak. He wasn't. Spe he recused himself, didn't he? Well, go to the go to the facilities. So, Councillor Caton first, then Councillor Lemon. And then Councillor Fierhurst. Uh, thank you, Madam Chairman. Um, clearly, this has uh, upset the neighbours quite considerably um, as, as a structure. Um, and certainly, but I think the main concern is what happens when the uh, residents vacated and uh, having fitted it out as a uh, living uh, accommodation, whether they'll be tempted to let it out to, on, on a temporary basis through Airbnb or on a more permanent basis for, uh, you know, for 
permanent accommodation. And I was just wondering whether there is potential here for putting a, a condition on the, the use of the building uh, to only be for ancillary to the, uh, the, the, the main building, occupation of the main building. Um, rather, so to just to reassure the neighbours, is that is that actually allowable? Bearing in mind, you know the GDP, right. general development <laughs> order. I'm going to say it's not necessary because um, I'm just going to say that <laughs> because this you are if you approve this today, you are approving a summer house that's currently an ancillary building that's been used as temporary accommodation whilst they do the house up. They would need planning permission for it to be changed into a dwelling. Uh, they would need planning permission to change it into a shop or anything else. So you don't have to prejudge it. Um, but then you're going to ask, what's the harm of putting a condition on anyway? Uh, sorry, I'm not going to predict what you're going to say. If you put a condition on, that can cause problems later on because people think that all you need to do is remove the condition and you've got yourself a dwelling. And that's where it causes a problem. We had a number of, we've had a number of historical applications in this authority where we've approved an annex accommodation and put a condition on so you can't use it as a dwelling. People have had the conditions removed because if you apply for that condition to be removed, it will be removed because it's unnecessary. So if members feel that it's, it's not necessary, but if members feel uncomfortable with approving it as it is and want to put a condition on it, I would suggest you don't. But if you do, we also need to put an informative on or put some sort of wording in it. said, so notwithstanding the fact this condition is not actually needed, you do actually need planning permission for it to be a separate dwelling because otherwise that does cause no end of confusion. It's all quite pointless, but if there's an issue that that can sort out the concerns of the residents, then we probably can look at that. But I would, all, I would recommend a condition is not necessary. Councillor Lemon. Thank you, Chair. Um, <clears throat> we've heard that um, this could have been a permitted development, but it isn't. The, the veranda and the bit in front, it, wasn't a, it couldn't be a permitted development. And it's in Greenbelt. It's a building that people are living in with the bathroom and I assume, I don't know whether they have toilets, I don't know, but a family are living there. And that tells me it's, it's accommodation. It's not, it's not a summer house, it's accommodation. It's built on green belt land, it's back land in a garden, and if it's in, on green belt and it's accommodation, surely they, it shouldn't have been put up. And I feel very strongly about that, particularly the green belt element. Councillor Fairhurst, and then Councillor Reeve. Yeah, I tend to agree with that. Um, the problem is not, I mean, if we say, yes, go ahead, we'll call it a summer house just between friends and let them finish their house. Um, no harm done. We're not here to try to make people's lives difficult, but... So I'm the neighbour. It's been done. And it's a development to, to do a dwelling. So you know what, this was done. This is a, 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 an application, a retrospective application. It's been done already without planning permission. So it's not going to solve anything. But there is a question of consistency. We say yes to building a dwelling, which is, in everyone's eyes, this is a dwelling. We, have, we can't really say no to the neighbour. It's very difficult to say no to the neighbour. Um, unless there is a condition that says this is 
a summer house that is being temporarily used while the house is being built. And when, it's, when the house is built, it comes down. Um, I'm not sure you can do that, but, but I, this, is not, this is not a summer house. This is a house. This is a dwelling. We're not so pretend, pretend to each other. And then Councillor Stora. Thank you. What are our options here? Obviously, one option is to approve, as recommended. Uh, is the reverse of that option demolition of the building? What, what, what are the choices that we have open to us? Are you asking for guidance? I'm, I'm not sure who I'm asking, but uh, ad advice, because sort I, of, yeah. I don't know what to do. Right. Can I ask members? There's, there's two bits to this. There's the building in the Greenbelt. Now, you, it is a garden. It's a garden that laps into the Greenbelt, and that's... It's not unique. I think there's bits of Hatfield Heath where this happens. But, 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 but the fact is, but you can allow development in terms of sheds and whatever in someone's back garden, even if it's Greenbelt. Previous development, you can do that. So there's the building issue. And the difference between this building, yeah, and Councillor Lemon is right, the difference between this being permitted development and not is the veranda and, and the decking. And so, therefore, that's the difference. So, therefore, and the decking, I don't know if the decking's affected the height. It, by definition, it probably has. But I don't know if it's the height that's pushed it over. I think it's the, it's the, it's the volume. The other, thing that, the other thing that's concerning members, and to be honest with you, concerns me to some extent, is the fact that it's been used for living accommodation. Yeah. Now, it's a moot point, and we don't know whether it was built... And this is what's part of the problem when we were doing the enforcement discussion about it. When it was being built... Um, it's best not to... If someone builds a building and moves straight into it, then it doesn't matter what size it is, it needs planning permission, because it's an, even if it's used as an accommodation. So you have to slightly play the long game. You have to wait for it to happen. And uh, so, you know, we still are not clear whether they built it and moved straight in or whether they built it and then pretended it was a shed for a little while and then moved in. But the fact is they're only using it as... I always get this the wrong way around. It is ancillary accommodation to the main house. It's not incidental to the enjoyment of the dwelling. So it can't continue as it is. So the other option that members may have, and this is a little bit off the wall, you can buy, you can put a, you can put a condition on that's positive enforcement that actually says within dot 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 the you know you're approving the building, you're approving it as a summer house. That's the description, and you know your your comment is. Fair point, actually. That's called it a summer house between friends. But today it ain't. Today someone is living in there as ancillary accommodation to the main house. Legitimate, not legitimately, but they but honestly, you know, innocently doing that. So you could put a condition on saying that you're approving the building as a summer house, but the, all the, the current ancillary living in it shall cease within the next six months. But I don't know how long it is. I don't know how long... The, the, the living now that is what I call positive enforcement so you have put a condition on to actually say you are restricting the use going on it is it is on the boulder line in terms of whether that's acceptable but that is actually accepting the building as it is and then taking away the ancillary accommodation for six months you know and six months may be the, 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 the goings concern then it just becomes a summer house in the garden but then you also need to assess whether a summer house in the garden is acceptable. And I would suggest that a summer house in a green belt, even if it's just slightly above green permitted development rights, would be acceptable because you've always got that fallback. So that's an option. Councillor Stora. 
Thank you, Chair. I thought I was clear for a moment then. Now I'm not. It's a question for the officers, <laughs> if I may, please. With, it, with Mr. Brown's final sentence, it threw me. Um, because it mentioned before, uh, my question relates basically to, to the green belt. And when Mr. Brown referred initially in, what, in, in his recent statement as to what was acceptable in the green belt, he gave the example of a shed. But that's not a shed. It's a substantial um, development, could be used as a resi residential accommodation. So could you explain, um, please, if, if I've got it um, around my neck, what, what's, the, what's the difference, basically, between that development being in the green belt, in the back garden, or just in a back garden that's not in the green belt? There is. Thank you. You have a bit of a hole here. I don't know about that. Um, so, obviously, and whether it's in the green belt or not, PD rights still apply. So they could build taking aside the fact that they're living in it at the moment, taking aside that, they could build a structure of this size, taking away the decking, and taking away the veranda, they could build a structure of this size as ancillary accommodation to the main house. Um, and Greenbelt doesn't come into it. And they can build it on this side, being in the Greenbelt, or in another back garden. Um, we have no control over that. The only difference being, this only requires planning permission because of the additional decking and the veranda, aside from the fact at the moment they're currently residing it until the works to the house are done. If that makes sense. It, it does, thank you. In which case, Chair, if I may, I'd like to propose um, approval subject to appro the appropriate conditions, whatever they may be. Are, are we talking about an appropriate time limit yes. condition? Because I think yes, that, we is, are. that is the key issue yes. for the, the neighbours. They just don't want it to be a permanent structure. It will be a permanent structure if you approve it. It's, it's whether it's the issue of people living in it. Is that yes, the issue? summer house. Is that not, the issue? Not resident, not a house. What's, what's the, um, from Maria's point of view, what's, what's the uh, resident uh, in, in that property? What's their view in terms of how long before their own house will be finished? Shouldn't, shouldn't make any difference. Unfortunately, I don't know that. Nor I was going to say, normally, uh, once planning permission is granted and work commences on site, they could take as long as they like to complete the works. So I don't know what they're actually doing. Is to be honest, whether they're just re-renovating the house. My honest answer is, I don't really care, to be honest. I mean, six months is a starting rate. They either need to get a wriggle on and do it, or they can apply for that condition to be varied. And so, so the issue is, six months is usually the going concern. But bearing in mind, it has been, you know, this didn't arrive today. It has been going on for quite a period of time. So six months may be, I wouldn't go as far as 12 months. Six months is a good place to start. And then if they don't adhere to that, then they are in an enforcement situation or they can appeal. It's, it's brought it back under control. So, so 
just to be clear, if they if they it's going to take longer than six months by some little while, not necessarily long yeah. a long period, can they just um, apply to you to have it extra to be given extra time? They can apply. Uh, but then they can comply, but good, they're going to have to in good time because of you know if you're given six months, as I say, we're slightly on different grounds here. But I think in terms of positive enforcement, sometimes you can do it that way in terms of making it so that all the current, yeah. So six months is a good start, and then they have got the right to come to us, and you know we can look at it. Council Lemon. Yeah. What what really gets me on on these sort of cases is that. They, I would have thought they per knew perfectly well if they were building something that they were going to move into and live in, whether it was just to, while the house was done, they knew perfectly well they should have got planning permission, and they haven't. And that really annoys me that uh, they retrospectively put it in, and I, I still think we should ask them to take it down. Yep. Excuse me, can I just ask that gentleman? I take it you're the applicant. Was there anything you'd like to say quickly? If you'd like to come... Okay. Would six... If we put a six-month condition on that? Okay. It's fine. Right, it's fine. Okay, thank you. Condition is that the, the current... We're going to get my... I always get my ancillary and incidental and, and Karen and everyone else usually clarify. The, I think it's ancillary accommodation at the moment. So the ancillary, current ancillary accommodation shall cease within six months of the date of this permission and shall not recommence without planning permission, notwithstanding the need for planning permission. And I'll come up with wording on that one. So I had a proposal from Councillor... Sorry, sorry, I do apologise. Councillor Reeve? But, yeah, my question is... is um, after we're done, so you've, you've moved into your house and you're happy and hopefully you, you will be, it's still a very large summer house. Now, are there any rules for, for how big things are allowed? Supposing it was 40 metres long, is that still okay? As long as not more than half the garden is built on, um, the height, they could build at the same height and the same eave height. Okay. No. Thank you. I thought it was on. Um, I'll start again. It wasn't, I hadn't pressed my button. Um, we have a proposal to approve this application um, by Councillor Stora, seconded by Councillor Sutton, with conditions. Um, so all those in favour of approval, please. One, two, three, four, five, six. Thank you very much. And all those against? 
One, two. two. Thank you. And thank you very much. That's the close of the meeting. Thank you very much, everybody, for your perseverance. And thank you to the officers. Yeah. Yes. Thank you.